The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Make sure to check out the video version of this podcast at youtube.com slash gameofmicrophones. See everything you're missing. If you've been enjoying Game of Microphones during our coverage of the entire series, now is a great time to show your appreciation by considering making a donation to support the show. As an incentive for you to donate, all donations will be matched three times by one of our generous backers. Just go to paypal.me slash gompodcast or patreon.com slash gompodcast to support the show today. Thanks. Be with me. Build the new world with me. This is our reason. It has been from the beginning since you were a little boy with a bastard's name. And I was a little girl who couldn't count to 20. We do it together. We break the wheel together. You are my queen. Now and always. Play the game of microphones. You win or you die. From within the house of black and white, it's Sir Duncan and Lady Rachel. Tomorrow, sorrowful dragons and seekers of justice, and welcome to Game of Microphones. I'm Lord Sterling, Sir Duncan, King in the East. And I'm Lady Rachel of House Fox, Queen of the West. And I'm Princess Sarah of House Von Daltron, fangirl of ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And this is episode 120. Welcome back to the show, Princess Sarah. Good to have you on. I'm so excited that Rachel's here this time. I know, right? <laughs> I'm so excited too. <laughs> I'm glad you got to come on. Yeah, it's awesome. On this episode, we are covering the series finale of Game of Thrones, season eight, episode six, The Iron Throne. 
And in case you're not already aware, this is from the perspective of someone who's current on the show. That means you've seen the entire series. If not, there's still time to be stabbed in the heart by your love as you embrace and your body carried away beyond the skies by a dragon. So you don't have to hear these spoilers. shit <laughs> damn Targaryen's oh, knocking down my shitty wall <laughs> <laughs> I saw that earlier <laughs> oh I can't believe that the series is over how you ladies it's feeling over, about that you guys yeah it, it's not processed yet at all <laughs> I know right oh I my god I think it'll process in 595 days when we're expecting another series or season to come out and it just doesn't oh uh, yeah I think in about 595 days we'll have uh, a new series though to look at the, at the upside Blood Moon the working title the Bloody for the, Moon for the long, yeah Moon's Blood <laughs> oh god yeah poor choice for uh, poor choice of words Batman you know jeez yeah, Moon's Blood I'm not sure about that <laughs> I'd prefer a different title, HBO, please. <laughs> totally. Okay, so oh my god, what? What? How do we even start this? What? We have a top three. I'm satisfied. Yes, I'm satisfied with this episode. Mm-hmm. I think as confusing as maybe this season was for a lot of our fan, our fans and the fans of the show, I'm hoping that this tied it up as nicely as it could be tied up for everybody out there. What did you think, Princess Sarah? I completely agree. I'm very happy with um, I'm very happy with what they what they left us with. They left us open to interpretation. They left us open for the future of what happens to the characters. I'm good. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy as well. I thought that they wrapped everything up really ni- really neatly, very nicely, very appropriately. Um, it was crazy, <laughs> like so many crazy things to break down. Who wants to start with your number three? I say Sarah starts since she's our honored guest All right. today. Putting you on the spot, yes. Princess Sarah. What do you got? Okay. So my number three is um, Tyrion finding out the demise of Cersei and Jaime. Oh, Ooh. man. I know. It was so and sad. And that whole scene, which was beautiful, as sad as it was. Totally. Mm-hmm. Very, very well performed by by Peter Dinklage, I would say. The way they approached it, I think, was perfect. Everything about it just seemed appropriate, not too brutal, not too, you know, sappy. It was just like, I love the Reigns of Castamere playing in the background. Everything just seemed... I, don't, I just loved it. I know that was, violin was stunning. Yeah, with that song. It was actually mm-hmm. when it, when it started out, the first couple notes of it were the notes that usually b- get played on piano in the Light of the Seven. Oh, dun, I didn't even notice that. Dun, dun. Right. I'm ready. 
I noticed those started out the music this time on violin strings the first time we've heard that progression and then it went into the reigns of Castamere, which was you know always good and fit this scene perfectly oh, even better i like it better now <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite score of reigns of Castamere by far oh, yeah? in the entire series oh yeah yep. Something about that violin, I know I've talked about it before, but I have a major emotional response to the violin. You've said that about the Stark theme before. Yes, it's it's the actual physical instrument mm. of the violin. True, I mean, so it's I even get, more effective, you're saying, with the Reigns of Castamere. I gotcha. Yeah, because I, I think because it was new, um, but anytime I hear a violin playing, I get that same kind of emotional, like, goosebumps and tears well into my eyes <laughs> i'm a freak what what can i say <laughs> hey, you know it's if you find something that hits you like that it's a good thing you know it's good to know how you feel about music yeah it's important <laughs> yeah if i'm feeling sad i'll just throw on some violin and i'll cry my bloody eyes out <laughs> work it out <laughs> yeah. well and the way that I mean, the way he played it with the, like pulling the bricks apart it was like a slow reveal and we just sat there waiting like I was just sitting there like, okay, when are we going to see their faces? Yeah. When are we going to see what happened? And they were just coddling each other. And it was, I just felt like it was pretty beautiful. It was really beautiful. And the way that he- The lighting. Yeah. The lighting was, mm-hmm. it was, yeah. The way he sees like the golden hand gleaming, sticking out of the rubble. And it's like, oh, fuck. And then you can see he mo- removes one stone and you can see there's an arm attached to it. And I was like, no. Oh, man. So sad. They seemed pretty intact, in my opinion. Yeah, they were really intact. That's true. Really intact, for sure. I I guess that's the effect they wanted to go with. They didn't want to have a bunch of mangled up corpses, like (laughs) brains splattered out everywhere and stuff. Because that's what I would kind of imagine. I'm glad they gave us that, though. That felt like a little bit of closure. (laughs) True, true. I totally agree. That whole scene, just the way that he performed it, too, was so special and the way he hit the brick down and he was yeah. just so upset i think it was, was it johnny stitches was saying smash him smash him when he was <laughs> on the yeah his wife was like really right now <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious why don't we start at the beginning of the scene and talk about it from there when um, when Tyrion starts walking through the ashes of the burnt city sounds good um yeah so this episode starts out much like the episode after the loot train battle, right? With Tyrion walking through the rubble. Um, yeah. So you could say that that was a foreshadow of this, you know, and his trepidation and his nervousness that was all over his face after the loot train battle, like something doesn't feel right, you know, <laughs> walking through that field of ash and just roasted corpses and horses and carts and everything like that. So there's, this is, he's basically reliving that here. And instead of in Lannister troops out on the road this time, it's Lannister troops and civilians and, you know, young children and, and mothers and holding their babes scorched in the streets of King's Landing. Did you see the horse this time, Duncan, mm-hmm. in the little girl's hands? No, I missed it again. <laughs> no? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm an idiot, I guess. That's so funny. <laughs> it was the same. It was the same mom and daughter couple that Arya tried to save, and Tyrion like that's where he stopped and, and looked at him. I noticed s- the horses. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I saw that it was that that mom and daughter that. again, and everything. I just missed the horse somehow. They like zoom right in on it. <laughs> 
I guess I was looking at everything else. Um, so yeah, okay. speaking of the we'll loot train, ba- thanks. Speaking of the loot train battle, Brienne called it the Battle of the Gold Road. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, in her um, in her note, her white page or white book po- uh, page for Jamie. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting. So yeah, he's, he's walking through the streets. The some guy with a burnt up back stumbles past, and um, we, it, he looks backward, and we see that John and Davos are following him in following him into the city. And this is when he's that was an intense moment. Hit that like burned guy walking. Yeah, he was just like in shock. I mean, he wasn't even in pain. It didn't look like he was just wandering. Totally shell-shocked, just stumbling along. Well, that reminded me, like, Rachel, you were talking about, like, how it was reminiscent of, like, 9-11, where it was just, everyone was just shocked about everything that just happened. and Kind of wandering around afterwards. Covered in dust. Another um, and ash. Yeah. Like, don't, like, don't even know how to process what just happened. Right, and the ash falling was um, evocative of the you know the the scene at Pompeii after Vesuvius exploded mm-hmm. and all the bodies were buried in ash like we talked about before so again it just impactful um, and now we've seen that the Iron Throne as we witnessed in Danny's vision we weren't sure if it was going to be ash or snow but it seems like it's ash as <laughs> you called it though Duncan you thought it was ash uh, yeah you kept leading toward it <laughs> yeah like it had to be you know. I mean, winter was sure to hit the the, uh, the lower of the Seven Kingdoms, but I figured with all the destruction of the throne room, that was probably Ash. <laughs> so uh, Tyrion decides that he's going to go to the Red Keep to try to find Jaime and Cersei or to see if they escaped. And John is just trying to send some people with him to help him out because it's fucking dangerous. They don't know what's out there, basically, right? But Tyrion's like, I, I'm going alone and won't accept any help. And they're both just looking really defeated as he walks off alone, like looking like the burnt guy, just kind of stumbling along in a daze, sort of. Um, and so he passes some familiar sights, like that room where the bell tower collapsed and the bell got jammed against the wall where Arya was hiding, where she linked up with that mother and daughter. Um, for the second or third time. And uh, he makes his way to the Red Keep and he's walking through the, the Cersei's map room, which is just trashed and there's stuff all over everywhere. And I'm surprised that any of this is still intact after the after the madness of last week. The way it looked, it was it was heartbreaking. It was so it was sort of like significant of how the the whole series is ending like these things that are so familiar to us. Everything is smashing Smashed. and falling apart. Yeah. Good point. The way um, certain parts of the castle were intact and certain parts were just completely decimated and there wasn't really like much of a rhyme or reason mm-hmm. for it. And the map, I love that there was a split down the, the map, like it cracked and we get at the end of this series i'll say not this episode oh the splitting Um, of the seven kingdoms that they split the north so it's the north is independent and so good call it was just a symbolic splitting of the seven kingdoms for me personally cool i like that nice yeah great interpretation so Tyrion's walking through and there's through this whole sequence as he's in the Red Keep in the upper area, it's pretty much silent. Like you can't even hear his footsteps, basically. 
And he's just going through this destroyed area. And eventually he walks up and picks up a torch. And it's at that scene where we start getting a little sound back in. And he decides to head down the stairs. And he approaches this arched entryway to the to the chambers beneath where the dragon skulls are and where Cersei and Jaime were when the collapse occurred. And he's, there's the rubble is stacked so high that he has to climb up and pull a few stones away to squeeze through to the other side. Ballsy. Like, who, this whole area is so unstable, potentially. Like, just the fact that he's willing to... I wouldn't to... be going down there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, it's kind of crazy. So he crawls through and he is now in this arched chamber area um, where they were crushed. And it's interesting. He takes a second and pauses to look at the skull of Balerion the Dread and reflect. And I just have to guess that he's imagining just how huge Balerion would have been dwarfing Drogon and just how much damage he could have done. You know, it's no wonder that everyone either bent the knee to Aegon or burned. And now it's like the second coming of Aegon as he's witnessed the horror of Drogon destroying King's Landing. Um, So I thought that was just a poignant tiny moment that may have gone unnoticed uh, where he is sitting there just looking at Balerion's skull pretty intense and this is when he spots the golden hand and the music kicks in and everything and it's just so sad like you said they died embracing and they're just together they entered the world together and now they're like in another like stone womb of the like the bowels of the red keep that's exactly what it looked like exactly what it looked like right like them in the womb twins in a new in another Mm -hmm. womb yeah so crazy Yeah. And uh, yeah, super emotional scene, really well um, orchestrated and Dinklage's performances were just off the charts, like as he starts like whimpering and wailing and smashing the he stones. He better win an award for this. <laughs> for something, like these past two episodes, he's had he's such good. great performances, yeah. Yeah, he's been amazing. I feel like, honestly, this whole s- season, but... Like you said, Duncan, the past two episodes, he's had some really, really solid acting scenes. Mm-hmm. Like when he said goodbye to Jamie, I guess that was... Oh, yeah. Was that, that was last episode. That was last episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm losing track. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Crazy. So... Well, it feels so honest. Like, it doesn't feel acted at all. It just feels like these two people, like, as actors, are even saying goodbye to each other through the script. Right, yeah. And I love that. So it must just help the actor when it's, like, the end yeah. of everything, and you really are going to, like, stop seeing these people as much, and, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Pretty crazy. It has to be emotional for them on a personal level yeah. to be ending, whether or not that was their last scene that they ever shot together, because I know that they don't shoot them in sequence. Right, just knowing you're um, getting there. But yeah, knowing that this is the the end of it all. Mm-hmm. Well, and they love these characters. They're they're saying goodbye to these characters one page at a time. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah, I'm sure it's so fast for them already. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Is anything else you guys want to add about about your number five, Princess Sarah, or your number three? Sorry, number three. No, I think that was it. I just think it was beautifully done, and I'm so I'm so glad that they gave us a little bit of closure by seeing Jamie and. Cersei, like we know that they're dead. Yeah, they're officially like, dead. Oh, they could be alive, <laughs> and they can have an open casket casket funeral. You know, with the quality of their bodies. Cersei didn't look even too though bad. they got buried alive. Yeah, <laughs> by falling stone. Yeah, it's a miracle. 
<laughs> so yeah. Okay, Rachel, how about your number three? Let's see. Oh, my number three is the Starks say goodbye to the Targaryen. Oh man. All right. Mm. They send John <laughs> up to the wall. So um my number three actually starts where John is kind of walking with the Night's Watch and he meets he meets them and they have their hoods up and I think he has not seen a Night's Watchman since you know, well, uh, aside from Dolores Ed yeah, at the, the Battle, Battle of, Ca- Winterfell, at Winterfell, right? But like, just other brothers of the Night's I Watch. I wonder if he and, knew these two from from Castle Black. You know, if they're like, I don't know. Welcome back, it Lord Commander. That way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it didn't seem that <laughs> way to I me. I loved either. seeing John back in his like black. kind of black gear, and so he walks in front of them, and they're walking behind him, and he comes up to the boat. And um, he passes Grey Worm, and they kind of exchange glances. Ooh, and he's so mad. The still. music, <laughs> yeah, the music kind of turns ominous for like half a second. And I think one of Grey Worm's, you know, soldiers goes up to him and says, "You know, all of us are, or everyone has boarded the boat." And I thought to myself, like, "Oh my god! Like, what if they're going to try to like assassinate John on the way up to the?" up to the wall. I had the same thought right off the bat, like, That's oh my exactly God. That's exactly what I thought. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh no, Honestly. like, oh my God. <laughs> but then we find out that they're going, they're sailing to the island of Noth. To Noth. And I loved that they're going there. And so John kind of turns the corner and sees his cousin siblings. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's better than Joffrey with his uncle daddy. That's true. 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 That's so true. I think what Tyrion said is like, no one's very happy about sending you to the wall, which I guess is like the best compromise. It's a good compromise when no parties are happy. (laughs) So Sansa genuinely is like, I wish that there was another way. And, you know, please forgive me. And John is like, girl, the North is free thanks to you. Like, you freed the North doing what you did. And I love that she gives him the respect that he's due here. Mm-hmm. It's like, but they lost their king. Yeah. And I found that very weighted for this ending of the series because he wasn't just the king in the north. He should have been the king of the seven kingdoms. Yeah. Right. And so they lost their king. Like everybody kind of lost the king at true that point. yeah like she didn't Even specify the northmen you know <laughs> yeah so i thought that was very weighted and you know ambiguous yeah. if you will like you could have interpreted a few different ways john was looking very sullen as he exited the keep as well you know exited the dungeons like as he comes walking down the stairs it's playing the john and danny theme sadly showing that he's I noticed that. yeah he's still yeah. carrying it with him every step you know i think it's like really weighing on him as he's struggling to cope with um you know duty being the death of love as Tyrion so poignantly said but the f- oh, and he says did i do the right thing yeah like, did, it was what i did right exactly it's so so rough man really rough so the first like kind of smile that we get to see from him is when when he says the north is free thanks to you and like he sort of has a big smile at that moment and it shows you that he's not fully broken you know there's still hope for him which is nice 
And I think he's really proud of Sansa because she's really stuck to her guns. And I mean, like, I know you and me, Duncan, we've kind of maybe unfairly bashed Sansa a little bit this (laughs) season for being so stubborn. And she was trusting her gut and her gut ended up being right. Right. And she wants freedom. You know, that's what we all want. So you got to be able to understand that perspective as well. Yeah. So. I love when John says to her, Ned Stark's daughter will speak for them. Like he doesn't say father. He doesn't say your father. He says Ned Stark's daughter. It it almost wouldn't be right for John to be king in the North. I mean, because he's a Targaryen, not a Stark. You know what I mean? Like makes sense to have a Stark Stark ruler. Yeah, yeah, true, true. But no, you're right. He's a Targaryen by, you know, the the father's side. By right. That's why I loved that other line that, you know, they lost their king. It's like seven kingdoms lost their king here. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I just love their big hug goodbye. I love Sansa's outfit here. I mean, talk about bondage. Oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> I'll have to look again at hers. I noticed yeah, Arya had a really cool outfit. They both yeah. did, for sure. Yeah. Sansa's dress, though, was pretty incredible. It was like leather straps on top of leather straps and her figure. And she's so tall and she her just looked, hair just looks so red. And yes. just so like everything was amplified. Her skin very white. Gosh. Yeah, perfect. she's so beautiful. Like, and I want to be her for Halloween. <laughs> right? <laughs> Maybe we can like get red wigs and rock it out together. I'm in. I'm totally okay. You guys can do that. I'll, you know, do something else. <laughs> you can be somebody else. Who could you be? I, I'll have to be the Joker again because I spent way too much money on my Joker outfit. <laughs> it's got to get used more. Or Darth Vader. I spent a you good amount on that too. You could be the bird guy that walks through King's Landing. <laughs> oh, I think you said the bird guy. The bird, bird, bird. The bird is the bird. <laughs> The part guy, oh that'd God. be fun. <laughs> kind of funny. Um, so then they say their goodbye, and then he pans over to Arya. And as you guys were talking about, like the characters saying goodbye to each other, I think Macy Williams, those are like real, real life tears. tears. <laughs> yeah. You have your needle? Right here. Perfect I wrote the timing. same thing down. I was like, those are not acting tears. That was her. Those are real tears. I mean, they were tear. I mean, bloodshot, everything. Yes. Yes. And they just embrace each other. You can come see me, you know, at Castle Black. Can't. <laughs> Ain't going to be there. Yeah. He's yeah, like, I'm... you killed the, the Night King. You think anyone's going to tell you that women aren't allowed? <laughs> <laughs> she And she... Drops kind of this major bomb on him, like, well, I'm not going north. Sansa, too. She didn't know. She's like, where are you going? Where are you going? going? (laughs) And I love this. What's west of Westeros? Yeah, it's not the first time she's asked that, right? No. Mm -mm. I, Duncan, help me remember. Who did she say that to the first time? I was trying to remember. Was it Jock and Hagar? Maybe the playwright, the woman, the actress. Was it her? Oh, maybe. What's her face? The one that gets... Her neck split open, by the way. Yeah. Lady, uh... Oh, Lady yeah. Crane. Lady Crane. I think it go. was Lady Crane. Where will you go? Essos is east, and Westeros is west. 
But what's west of Westeros? I don't know. Nobody does. That's where all the maps stop. The edge of the world, maybe. I'd like to see that. That makes Talking sense. Talking about, you mm. know, because she's like, what's west of Westeros? I want to sail Traveling. west. And she's like, just travel with us and come join the play. But this is cool, though, because, I mean, ever since Arya was a child, I mean, what did she name her dire wolf? Nymeria. Right. And Nymeria was a character in history that she looked up to. Nymeria, the ancient princess of the Rhoyne, who, who left and sailed west with a giant host of people and landed at Dorne oh, and founded a, the royal Dornish sailor. family. Yeah. So this figure yeah. that Arya has idolized basically did this, you know, sailed west, set up shop in a new continent and founded a royal family like. I could see Arya, you know, aside from fi- founding a royal family, potentially doing the same thing. Like, it, it's just so cool that this is something that she's always dreamed of doing, basically. And now she has the means mm. and the <laughs> the opportunity and the time to <clears throat> see it happen. So people, I'm sure, were like, what, what the hell is she talking about? You know, unless they were like... I love that. Yeah. I already liked it, but now I love it so much more. <laughs> oh, now that you know the Nymeria thing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's amazing. I also thought it was great, like, full circle for her character because as, like, a kid, she was always, like, exploring and getting mm-hmm. lost. Like, she got lost in, down in the catacombs the of King's Landing okay. and Cat yeah, chasing. chasing cats and <laughs> yeah. finding her way outside the city and having to get back in and traveling to Bravos and she's been the most like exploratory of the Stark children. So for sure, I thought it was extremely uh, an extremely fitting ending for her. Definitely, and she always went against the grain. She always wanted to do do her own what thing. Everyone else wasn't doing, you know, and that's what Nymeria the wolf did too. She went and did mm-hmm. her own thing, you know, and now. Now, mm-hmm. just like Nymeria did, um, Arya's leaving to go do her own thing. Yes, Arya. Definitely. And so John asks her, you have your needle. And that's when the tears start <laughs> just oh my gosh. pouring right out here. of her eyes. <laughs> right I could tear right now thinking about it. Uh, she did it so well. Yeah, that was a great oh performance. I really, I really think they did some great justice to all these characters with the, their parting farewells and everything like this like i'm satisfied with this me too i really am i mean i felt conflicted last night because i loved it so much but i was so sad when it was over because it's over forever and i just wanted to watch it again but i had I had told you about my day, Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was I had flown back in from Las Vegas, hence my hoarse voice. I'm so sorry if I sound a little different today, you guys, but um I I ended up having to watch it again on my lunch break today because I just didn't have it in me to watch it again and get all those emotions again <laughs> last night. It was not an easy feat to to rewatch this episode. Oh, it was like no. I had to prepare myself as well. Yeah, it was pretty rough. I'm very happy that I last night I thought I was going to be like more upset that it's over that everything is ended. I thought I was going to be more upset about it. I thought I was going to have to call that like Skype number <laughs> to <laughs> Game do of therapy phones. or whatever. <laughs> but I was so comfortable with what happened that I was almost strangely okay. Like I was like okay. Yeah. I'm like, good. The, the, I'm you good managed with it. to reach that place of serenity where like you felt like everything was where it, where it needed to be. It made sense to me. That's awesome. 
I couldn't agree more, Sarah. I You hit it right on the head with that. It's like they tied up enough, but they left enough loose ends to not make mm-hmm. it feel perfect. And I loved that. Like, we don't see what happens to Jorgon. We didn't even hear, you know, in the the meeting with the hand, like, Bronn cuts it off. Like, mm-hmm. we He's Farther as far away, away the as better. possible. <laughs> he, yeah. yeah, he's not, he has kind of beef with Drogon, you know. Drogon yeah, is not yeah. a Bronn fan. So it's the not farther away all. that Drogon is, the better for Lord Bronn of High Garden. <laughs> Lord Protector yeah. of the Reach. <laughs> so <laughs> we we get Arya and John's final hug goodbye and John's face. He has to take like this <sighs> like yeah. to let her yeah. go. Like he has yeah. to release release the energy to let her go because their relationship was just so special i know it's more um in the books yeah developed in the Mm -hmm. books but we get we get it enough in the show to realize that they were bonded right like it was learning of john being at winterfell that made Arya turn away from trying to kill cersei after having killed walder frey and return to winterfell in the first place you know like he gave her that special gift he gave her needle and he didn't give any of his other siblings anything right we know there's a special bond between those two and did you notice what she said too when sansa says what's or she says what's west of westeros and someone maybe john says i don't know and she says, no one knows. No one. Oh, maybe oh, she no knows. knows. <laughs> maybe she knows. Maybe she knows. Maybe she has some kind of idea from, from the House of Black and, and White. And that's why some... it's a great ending. It's leaving it open to interpretation. Right. We can still talk about it yeah. and kind of decide in our own heads what happens next. Right. That's what I like. Yeah, it's so good. And like, Totally. Maybe, maybe no one knows, like the faceless men know, or maybe no one actually knows, but, no one knows, but soon <laughs> no one will know. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> she's mm-hmm. no one. Because she is no one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, so that so was really he, cool. So then he goes over to Bran kneels. And, and kneels in <laughs> front of him. Your grace. And he like I'm holds sorry. his gaze down, averted from Bran for a good couple seconds mm-hmm. before looking up at him like he he's does. showing the respect the because I think he's making that clear definition because Bran knows that he you know, from a lineage king. perspective, he's the rightful heir to the throne. And so I think John is making it absolutely clear to Bran right. that I respect this decision that yeah. you will make a good just ruler yeah it's like mm-hmm. a, if you're at a pull up to a stop sign and there's a cop watching you stop for three full seconds before you continue <laughs> to drive here it's like john wants to make sure that brand the cop knows that he's not going to be pulling any shifty you know thrown usurping stuff so he shows the proper <laughs> deference for three seconds holding his eyes down his gaze averted that's awesome you know? that's hilarious classic so I was wondering what he meant, and maybe I'm just totally missing something. He said, I'm sorry I wasn't there when you needed me. And I was trying to, like, was he talking about when he was, like, really little and was, like, left for the night's watch? Or was he talking about some when something he was fighting recent? Viserion, maybe? Oh, God, it could be so many things. It could be that he wasn't there to to protect him from, from Jamie. Um 
It could be that he wasn't there in the garden or in the, in the godswood when the Night King was about to kill him. It could be a whole number of things, but I loved Bran's response here. You were exactly where you were supposed to be, you know? And it's like he it's did so everything that he was supposed to do. He was there with Viserion, distracting him so Arya could get past and kill the Night King. That's um, what I was thinking that he was talking about. Probably. I mean, that would make perfect sense. And that sort of gives credence to our, um, you know, theory that he was, you know, he distracting Viserion so Arya could get him. past. Because, I mean, there's no re- reason John wouldn't be climbing with him to pr- be protecting him when... Um, you know, when Jamie pushed him, I guess he could be referring to he could have been at Winterfell when Theon, you know, pulled the wool out from underneath Bran and took over the castle and he had to escape. But I mean, well, that's why we have to do a rewatch. But I mean, <laughs> again, though, to Sarah's point, though, it's open ended. Yeah, and I love that. Like we can speculate we can theorize. And that's the best part about this. The whole time has been theorizing and trying to interpret and everything. But think about it, too. Bran had the chance to intercede at one point and reach out to John at Craster's Keep. And John could have been there to protect him from that point out. But it was Bran's decision to let John go and to to go north further beyond the wall himself alone. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know Bran had the opportunity to have John as a protector throughout at least part of his journey, and he chose to go it alone himself. So he doesn't have any grievances against John or against Jamie or against anybody. Um, which mm-hmm. is you know it's everybody did exactly what they needed to do for things to pan out with. Him on the throne, which has been his goal apparently the whole series. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm joking, uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> joking, but I mean, apparently <laughs> I that's what completely. his destiny is, right? Like the yeah. three-eyed raven was waiting a thousand years. As far years. as we know, from what he, but that's the hard part: is do we know that he knew, or do we know that he just put pieces? I don't know. Well, who I'm knows? But like, we bit. know that him being the leader, since he didn't kill the Night King, and since he didn't have any like major thing that he did before this that would justify like why he was so important to to the three-eyed raven i'm guessing that him being brand the broken first of his name is his major reason for being so important that he's gonna like usher in a era of peace in westeros Mm -hmm. or something like that who knows but yeah that was my number three so duncan what is your number three my number three it's a terrible thing, I'm asking. It's also oh, the right thing. So good. Oh man, this was just Damn. such an amazing scene between Tyrion and John here after Danny's big speech that she gives to the Dothraki and unsullied forces. Um and ju- she walks away. We'll talk about that in a little bit, I guess, but um Danny goes walking off and John goes to see Tyrion apparently like it seems like immediately almost. Mm. And he had just had this conversation with Arya, which sort of put him on edge. And I think he needed to talk to Tyrion to get Tyrion's opinion as well, it seemed like to me. So he goes to visit Tyrion in his cell. And just the fact that he was allowed to do this at all tells me that in Danny's mind, nothing has changed. It's like she doesn't realize that she's become a monster all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, like the totally like the Mad King, the more that he burned his enemies, the more righteous he felt, and the more he felt right and i feel like danny has been blinded to what's what she's become and if she you know really understood what she did and how other people may have perceived it there's no way that she'd be letting 
her higher ups in her organization go and meet with somebody who's like an open trader and have their their thoughts tainted against her potentially you know what i mean that, that was like what that was almost on my list was like danny's denial yeah like, it's she's in total denial, straight up denial half, half like just madness yeah it's just like and oblivious. that's a terrible combination yeah it's really really crazy i agree she's delusional yeah is what she, she is. Really is i mean talking to jo- Oh my gosh! Yeah, in the throne room. Go ahead, Sarah. I was just saying. I know it's not. It's not the. uh, We're talking about Tyrion, but when she was talking to John, that was a whole other situation where it was like just denial. Like she had to tell herself that it was she was doing right. It was. Yeah, we'll talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, that's my number two. Actually, Um, sorry. No, no, it's all good. All good. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's it's crazy. She doesn't realize. She doesn't seem to get it, and realize the way that people could perceive it she's just like I, this is just what i had to do you know and um mm-hmm. so he gets in there with with Tyrion, and of course the first thing Tyrion asks is if he brought any wine because Tyrion is a, <laughs> a person who drinks i am a person who drinks and he, he needs his wine you know uh, i love that every time he's imprisoned he's always asking for wine who are you your captor Do you have wine? No. Did you bring any wine? No. So, When's the last time we saw Tyrion drink some wine, man? <laughs> yeah, I I guess at the party. At the, the, at the oh, time before okay. the the Winterfell battle, I think. After He's the okay battle, then. after after the battle, yeah. <laughs> oh, and after the battle too, uh, he was the, drinking. Their, their drinking game. <laughs> So um, he's he's at least you know thankful that John came to visit him, and it's it's like um, this is like just something that there must have just been this force just dragging John, just telling him like you need to talk to Tyrion, you need to talk to Tyrion, because he doesn't want to betray Danny, but he's still there, and he's he knows that going to talk to Tyrion is going to make him change his mind about Danny. It's like the way that. Stannis, when Davos was prisoner after having gone yep. to execute Melisandre, yeah. he, and they have D- Gendry in custody, Stannis goes to Davos because he knows da- Davos will convince him not to kill Gendry, right? And just to tr- take mm-hmm. some blood with leeches, which is what they ended up doing, right? But I feel like John is doing the same thing here, except it's the opposite. Because he, know, he knows it's wrong. Yeah. He, he knows something's wrong. Yeah. And he knows that, like, Tyrion was is going to convince him to do the right thing, which he it's like love versus duty. He loves Tyrion. He loves Tyrion. He loves Danny, but his duty is telling him like he needs to stop her, you know. And Tyrion, he knows Tyrion will push him in the right direction. I feel like so interesting parallel between John and Stannis there, which is kind of cool. Definitely, like that, and yeah. I just thought of that right now on the spot too. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, it's true. Tyrion's like, oh, you know, like, this is not good. Like, our queen doesn't keep prisoners for long. In other words, I'm going to be executed soon. But he remarks that there may be some kind of cruel, crude justice hidden in this because he betrayed his closest friend, Varys, and watched him burn. And I love the delivery of this line. Now Varys's ashes can tell my ashes. See, I told you. so good and uh he he has an epiphany he realizes john is the only person alive who has been dead before (laughs) and he he asks him like you know is there life after death just point blank asks him 
And you can tell that John is traumatized as he's reminded of dying, of it, the fact that he's died, because it shows John as Tyrion says it. And he quotes sort of like, like, you know, like Ugh. exhales and sighs <laughs> and like cringes a little bit. Um, you can tell he's traumatized by that experience. And um, so he divulges just like he did to the red woman that there's nothing, you know, not that he's seen. Uh, it's so sad to see Tyrion. He feels like, so like such a failure and so worthless that he doesn't even feel like he deserves you know a heaven he he says oblivion is the best i could hope for and we see that this is really the way he feels as he tells um bran the broken later on that he doesn't deserve to be hand of the king um Mm -hmm. so Tyrion is kind of a broken man at this point um i think the death the death of jamie really hurt him and i think also that i forgot to mention this when we were talking about it but um it was the fact that Tyrion told jamie to try to escape with cersei through the tunnels that resulted oh, so maybe in he their feels death. a little guilt yeah i mean if oh, they had still been yeah. upstairs they may have been taken prisoner held for trial but the fact that they were down in that room at that exact moment standing in that exact place because not the whole room got filled with rubble it was the fact that Tyrion told them to go down that there one tunnel yeah that one place yeah so oh, i didn't even think about that yeah i'm sure he's feeling some type of guilt like i was the one who told them to be there you know which is super sad because he always already feels guilt over like the death of his mother and his father (laughs) and the children. And yeah, like he killed all of them. (laughs) He's killed more Lannisters (laughs) than any man living (laughs) (laughs) times two. I am the greatest Lannister killer of our time. So I should welcome you into my service because you murdered members of your own family. Into your service, your grace. We have only just met. It's too soon to know if you deserve my service. Yeah, so that was pretty rough when I was rewatching and realizing that he may be feeling guilt for the directly for the deaths of uh, Jamie and Good Cersei. Call. I didn't even think about that. It sucks. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you like that? You're twisted, Rachel. No, I like that, <laughs> that thought. She likes that like, you made that connection. Yes. <laughs> I don't like that he feels guilty. Come on, give me some I, credit. No, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I'm the playful antagonist when I can be. Um, so so he's like, he, he, Tyrion is just running himself through the ringer here. He's like, oblivion is the best I could hope for. I strangled my lover. I shot my own father with a crossbow. I betrayed my queen. And when he says that he's, is he referring to telling Varys the truth? Is that his betrayal? And also, I guess, letting Jamie free, um, Two two betrayals in a very short period of time, and John tries to console him. You didn't, you know. He's like, I did, I did. And do it again <laughs> now that I've seen what I've seen, um, which is fucked. You know, like he he now he would he would have been the one trying to poison Danny, you know, for sure. And he's like, uh, he's like, I chose my fate. The people of King's Landing did not, you know, and it's just so fucked up. Like, um. Danny tells John in a in the next scene. It's point very poignant her line because he said Tyrion says I chose my fate. The people of King's Landing did not. And then in the next scene, John's like, "You think you know what's good? I think I know what's good. But what about the people who think they all know what's good?" And Danny tells him they don't get to choose. You know, and that's exactly 
what Tyrion says here, the people of King's Landing didn't get to choose their fate. And I think that John is, you know, when Danny says that, it just solidifies to him, like, they need to be able to choose, you know. It probably reminded him of Tyrion pointing him this out to him here. I chose my fate. The people of King's Landing did not. What about everyone else? All the other people who think they know what's good. They don't get to choose. Well, you get a lot of John denial too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Danny was in denial. John, John is in complete denial. Complete denial. Totally. Although Tyrion brings him around, and like just like he, you know, subconsciously expected him to do, puts him back mm-hmm. on the on the right path, like Theon said. You know, so uh, mm-hmm. he's saying that. You know, John. John is like doesn't even try to deny it. He's like, I can't justify what happened. I won't try. But the war's over now, you know, and clearly John doesn't speak High Valyrian. But- um, did you hear what she was saying <laughs> yeah. to her soldiers? That she's going to liberate God. the people at Winterfell, from Winterfell to Dorne, specifically did Winterfell. You, did you notice that she was saying that she liberated the people from King's Landing? Yeah. Is liberating killing them in her mind? Like, I guess they were I in took death. I that way. In death, they were released from the bondage of Cersei's yeah, tyranny. tyrant. It's That's what I took it as. Is horrifying. Like she's going to basically kill everybody. Right. I think to the, liberate the, the line them. is intentionally blurred. You know, as Tyrion says, she liberated the people of Slaver's Bay, which is true. But then she also liberated, quote unquote, the people of King's Landing. And she'll go on liberating until the people of the world are all free and she rules them all. You know, yeah, she was, thinks she's she doing the right substituting thing. liberated for kill for slaughter as Tyrion tells her yeah it's so insane Uh, she was justifying it in her own mind because she's flown off the handle and is fucking delusional I mean she had no remorse this episode there there would be no end to what she wants right even if she had the throne even if she had everything there was there's it's a means to no end endless conquest it's like the war on terror or like the war on drugs it's just not something that can end it's designed to go on forever and to you know yeah basically she's she's bloodthirsty right now she just wants to continue this war path totally totally and the the way that amelia clark played it too was perfect like the look in her eyes just like mad on power the lines drunk on power yep it's difficult for people to see what they can't see or whatever she said it's like (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) right a future like yeah she's so like wrapped in madness it's difficult to see a future that hasn't been yet you can only imagine it you know she's like crazed talking to john john's like what yeah we'll we'll get (laughs) there (laughs) i know sorry oh it's all good so um he points out, you know, when you, when you heard her talking to her soldiers, did she sound like someone who's done fighting? And it's like, no, she did not. She sounded straight up like Hitler um, or like General Hux. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, sorry. Now I'm getting out of myself, too. Um, <laughs> so uh, John's like, and you've been and you've been by her side counseling her until today. And Tyrion's like, yep. And until today and this made me think of the, that famous interaction between Sirio Farrell and Arya back in King's Landing also when um you know he he says to her what do we say to the god of death 
not today. Not today. So in a way, as Danny has slaughtered a million innocent people at King's Landing, she's sort of become a goddess of death herself, right? And once once that's you know once that's the case, you got to tell her not today, bitch. I quit. You know. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. It just made me think of that. <laughs> Tyrion's telling the goddess of death not today when he throws that pin of the hand down the stairs. So that's true. Yeah. So he he's like, oh, Varys was right. You know, I was wrong. It was vanity to think I could guide her. And I'm like, damn, that's some good self actualization right there. It was vanity mm-hmm. thinking that you could control or manipulate someone who has dragons, who's like convinced that they're born to rule. It's like the way that um, it parallels when you know his father was her father's hand, and t- Tywin thought that he could sort of manipulate Ares in a same in a similar way to the point where he thought he could influence who his son would marry by trying to pawn him off to uh to Cersei trying to hook them up and Ares was like nope like you're not controlling me basically like you need to learn your place and made Jamie part of the king's guard to make his point so there's parallels there with Ty- Tywin and Tyrion both feeling like they could have an influence more of an influence than they were capable of on their Targaryen king and queen mm-hmm. Funny little, funny how history repeats itself, you know. Funny old life. I like that. That makes good. sense. Just thought of that oh. on the spot too. <laughs> You're just thinking about it on the spot today, aren't you? Apparently. Hello. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, it's the series finale. There's got to be a million things that connect with other parts of this of the series, right? That's like the whole point of this is to have every payoff, and all of these things are paying off in ways that make sense and anybody who tells who wants to say otherwise i will debate you <laughs> basically we will do it all day yeah. he will do it in a duel yeah i'll challenge you to a duel <laughs> file sir a trial by combat <laughs> yeah. i choose Tyrion. Yeah, I, I have these swords <laughs> surrounding me so consider it carefully if you want a trial by combat <laughs> um i would choose Braun still to this day <laughs> trial by combat oh Bron. yeah totally yeah that, yeah if you have Braun as an option you know it's hard to not pick Braun. <laughs> so is i mean you know talking about tywin Tyrion brings him up you know he's like talking he's like listen our, our queen's nature danny's nature is fire and blood and john <clears throat> argues like well then you know if 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 that's the case like if our name if our words are stamped on our bodies when we're born then i would be too right but uh, t- yeah. but she's not the Mad King, no more than you're Tywin, your father. And Tyrion's like, my father was an evil man. My sister was an evil woman. But it puts it in perspective. Pile up all the bodies in their wake. All the people they've ever killed. There still won't be a fraction of as many as... Isn't that a horrible thought to think about? Yeah. As, I love as, that, though. As our beautiful queen slaughtered in a single day. Horrifying thought, like mm. you were saying, Rachel. What did you say, Sarah? I love that, though. It put it into, like, the perfect amount of perspective. Yeah, it crystallizes it, like, yeah. perfectly, yeah. This is what she did for any people who are saying... Right. You know... <laughs> She didn't go fully mad. I don't know. Yeah. We've heard so many things. But She's like- not her father. It's like, oh, yeah, tally up all the yeah. men that the Mad King killed. And I'm sure that what the amount of people that she killed just in that single or day that dwarfed he, that or as that well. that he wanted to kill. Right. Yeah. He, he <laughs> all To all of his designs, he wasn't capable of killing as many people as Danny killed in a single day. Single nope. couple hours, you know, on that day. <laughs> which is crazy. 
This is when Jay, uh, when John starts having his denial. Cersei left her no choice. Bullshit, dude. Like, you are trying to just rationalize this. Like, the, the bells were ringing. They had given up and surrendered. She didn't have to do what she did. Like, that's, no, that's nonsense. You can see it all over his face, too. Right, he, he knows, knows it. Like, he knows it. He closes it his eyes. I love when Jon Snow closes his eyes. He, like, so closes good. them, like, extra tight. <laughs> yeah it's so true he does it so many times too it's great and uh so you know Tyrion's like that's bullshit dude the moment the gates fell the battle was over you know it and he's still trying to rationalize it she saw her friend beheaded she saw her dragon shot out of the sky and Tyrion's like and she's killed a million innocent people for payback they had nothing to do with it man you know, and John, John's like, oh, it's easy to judge when you're standing far from the battlefield. So Tyrion's like, okay, well, you were right in the middle of the battlefield. Would you have done it? Uh, I love that he calls his bluff on this. Yeah, and Tyrion, John's like taken aback. What? <laughs> He's like, you've been up there on a dragon's back. You've had that power. Would you have burned the city down? And John's I like, don't know. I don't know. And Tyrion's <laughs> I like, I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyrion scoffs. He's like, Yes, you do. You damn well know, you know. And it's true. And John knows it's true. And he does know it, you know. And yeah. he, uh, he is like, you won't say it because you don't want to betray her, but you know. And uh, there's a very, very slight nod here by John. You can see just an ounce of a <clears throat> nod. He like his chin just drops ever so slightly, like he's acknowledging to Tyrion, like you're right, I do know. But he's doing it so slightly that the guards can't tell. You know what I mean? Like Bran, he's got the popo watching him at the stop sign here. <laughs> so he's got to act kind of carefully. You won't say because you don't want to betray her. But you know. Acknowledging that, that Tyrion's right, that he knows that he would not have done it. And he's like, well, what, what's it matter what I do anyway, you know? And Tyrion's like, dude, you're Aegon Targaryen. It matters more than anything what you of all people do at this moment, you know? And it's so true. Like, you're the rightful king. If if anybody can do something, it's you, man. Like, it does matter. You're pretty much the only one at this point right. Ned, that can. Yeah, Ned Stark sacrificed so much to save you. And it's all led to this moment. You know, this is the moment where you have your opportunity to use your blood right to end the horrible oppression that's been inflicted on the Seven Kingdoms by your family repeatedly. And John, being a Targaryen, but being raised as a Stark, has the unique capability to see his family from an outside perspective and to see how the Targaryens must be stopped. And in that way, it sort of reminds me of Aegon V, the egg from the Duncan Egg novellas who grows up essentially as a squire to a hedge knight not with all the pomp and circumstances like the pomp of the royal well he was traveling with Dunk yeah he was traveling with Dunk for most of his childhood growing up with the people a low like like growing up as like a low boy doing tournaments being a squire yeah so John has a similar type um, experience being a bastard growing up on the lower end of the spectrum seeing royalty for what they are um, he has like an outside perspective in a way that made the egg sort of unique as well with his sort of outside perspective and this is when it starts to get real intense 
Tyrion here starts giving a speech about about you know he said like obviously it matters what you do it but like he has to explain why it's so important right so he goes on a speech here about about Danny and the first three stanzas I'm calling them of this speech are an amazing homage which we'll talk about after I read the stanzas he says when she murdered the slavers of Astapor I'm sure no one but the slavers complained after all they were evil men when she crucified hundreds of Miranese nobles, who could argue? They were evil men. The Dothraki calls she burned alive, they would have done worse to her. And this, these three statements remind me so much, they made me think of the famous poem written by Martin Nymoller during World War II. Um, I have a passage from Wikipedia to explain who he is and what this poem is but it's the perfect place for it here and it was very impactful for me um picking up on this parallel so from wikipedia first they came is the name of the poem it's is the poetic form of a prose post-war confession first made in german in 1946 by the german lutheran pastor martin neimoller who was alive from 1892 to 1984 interestingly 1984 it's about the cowardice of German intellectuals and the certain clergy, including, by his own repeated admissions, Neimoller himself, following the Nazis' rise to power and their subsequent and incremental purging of their chosen targets, group by group by group. Many variations and adaptations in the spirit of the original have been published in the English language. Um, it deals, the poem deals with themes of persecution, guilt, repentance, and responsibility. All of the things that John is dealing with here in Tyrion. And so there, there are a few different versions um, in English that are edited versions um, that began circulating in the 50s. But the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum <coughs> quotes the following text as one of the versions of the speech. First, they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. So Tyrion is saying, you know, first she burned the slavers of Astapor, and no one complained. You know, first they came for the, the socialists, and I didn't speak out. Then she crucified hundreds of Miranese nobles. Who could argue they were evil? Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then she, the Dothraki calls she burned alive, but they would have done worse to her. You know, then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. He just doesn't say the fourth stanza that they came for him and there was no one left to speak out because we see that he's in prison and captured at this point. So it's kind Still of alive at this point. Yeah, it's kind of Im crazy. implied, right? So that's powerful. Yeah, exactly. So I was blown away watching the script while I'm watch reading the script while I was watching the episode earlier and noting the this connection to Martin Neimoller and uh, the Nazis and their you know, incremental purging of targets, enemies of their, of their organization. So damn, that was just really powerful, um, intense. Well, Great that connection. whole scene feels like there's so many parallels to so many things in our like real life history, which we know George is good 
yeah, good at doing. Yeah, exactly. This whole episode is full of stuff like that, which is amazing. Um, so he he goes on to basically say what everybody had said about the Mad King before her. To, he, she says, everywhere she goes, evil men die and we cheer her for it. And she grows more powerful and more sure that she's good and right. She believes her destiny is to build a better world for everyone. If you believed that, if you truly believed it, wouldn't you kill whoever stood between you and paradise? And at this point, John can't even. He needs to sit down. He's like legit freaking out, (laughs) man. Like, like you are freaking out, man. I'm freaking out, man. You are freaking out, man. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You are freaking out, super true. Yeah, yeah. The snozzberries <laughs> taste like snozzberries. <laughs> so John is freaking out and uh, Tyrion has a big confession here. And this is important because, you know, one of the parts of persuasion is to relate to the person you're who you're trying to convince of something. And so here he relates to John by pointing out that he he knows that John loves Daenerys, you know, and and he loves her too, he admits, although not as successfully as you. It's <laughs> a hilarious line. But well put, though. It, yeah. It like, you know, we're both. <laughs> I in, actually laughed out loud when he said yeah, that. I did my too. first watch through. My, I was like, oh. Yeah, my comment is just truth. LOL, laugh out loud. <laughs> Hashtag truth. Yeah. So, and the next line is so heartbreaking for Tyrion because it's, it's also true. He's like, I believed in her with all my heart. You know, and we just know like that he's so sad that he loved this person and, and believed in her and he's just been let down in such a monumental and explosive way. Just it's just unbelievable, right? And he continues on saying, you know, that he was basically blinded by his love for her and he'd missed the red flags, which is something we've all experienced, I'm sure. But he has another a beautiful way of saying it where he says, Love is more powerful than reason. And he sort of like sniffles a little bit and says, we all know that. Look at my brother. And he, he starts to talk, but John cuts him off with our, with our quote that we love to bring up because it's been one of the most consistent themes throughout the whole series here. Love is the death of duty. Love is the death of duty. Yeah. (laughs) And Tyrion is shocked by this because, you know, he loves a good quote. Uh, did you just come up with that? Yeah. <laughs> Someone, a wise man once said. <laughs> Wait, and was John that you? can't lie, so he's like, oh, Well, Maester Eamon told me that <laughs> a long time ago. Actually, my great uncle, Maester Eamon, said it a long time His ago. great uncle. Yeah. It's crazy. I always forget about that. Crazy, right? So, and then Tyrion, you're just showing how sharp he is. Like, he just hear, heard loves the death of duty and he's so smart and so like just on point here that he's able to turn it around into a profound inversion and truth an inversion of the saying and he says sometimes duty is the death of love you know just like oh my god just like is this where john closes his eyes I don't, I don't I know. I think he closes his eyes here and he's just like, it's like oh, God. I know what I have to do. Right. Yeah. Like, it's so 
you know, so profound and just so powerful that he was so quickly able to take this saying. Yeah, to and, like take it in. Yeah, and and take it in and and turn it around and you know show that he understands it, but also that he understands how it can work the opposite way as well. Like he reveals this truth as just a piece of a larger truth, which is that love is love can be the death of duty. But duty can also be the death of love, you know, and it's like the two mm-hmm. halves of the puzzle are combined now for the, the greater truth. Well, and it was like challenging him. Which are you? Right. What version are Ooh, you? Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He had to contemplate it for a minute. He's like, oh, God damn it, Tyrion. Right. Yeah, and <laughs> now you're making it all sorts of kind of confusing it's, on me. It's true because death can duty can be the death of love too. like when responsibility draws you back in from flights of fancy or whimsy. And you like when you just have to do what you have to do when you just know it. Right. Or in this case, when it means the literal death of love, like the one that John loves in this case, um, yep. when duty requires him to kill that person. And Tyrion continues to make it even more relatable to John here in a brilliant stroke of manipulation, <laughs> you know, <laughs> calling back his Night's Watch vows, saying, you are the shield that guards the realms of men, and you've always tried to do the right thing. No matter the cost, you've tried to protect people, you know, and he knows it's true because he protected the wildlings and took a knife in the heart for it, you know what I mean? Like, He's paid the ultimate cost just trying to protect people. And now they're all in danger. As Tyrion points out, who is the greatest threat to the people now? And in, in a continuance of poignancy, it says, it's a terrible thing I'm asking. It's also the right thing. You know, Ugh. and, and John knows. Yeah. He totally knows you here. He's just, God damn it. it. <laughs> God damn it. Like, he doesn't <laughs> want to betray Danny. He doesn't want to have to do it. But it's like John is, it's always, he's always put in this position. You know, he, he puts everything on the line and gets killed for it and gets brought back from death, like dragged back into life by Melisandre. You know, when he wanted none of it, like he was over it. You know, he's like, should have left me dead, you know? And then he just he quits and he wants nothing to do with the Night's Watch or anything. But Sansa drags him back into the fight as he realizes he has to continue trudging forward to, to retake Winterfell and then continues to fight after that when he has to fight for for life and in the great war. And it's just like, no matter what he does and how he tries to get out, it's like that moment in Godfather 3, they pull me back in, you know? (laughs) And so he, uh, he, and he can't fake it. Like he can't fake it till he makes it. He's so honorable and so So honest and true. He just has to do the right thing and he won't, he won't function unless he does what he knows. right. Right. Every step you took was always the right step as Theon told him, you know, and he knows here that the right step is duty, his duty, like, which is sadly resulting in the the death of the potential love that he has on the other hand, you know, and he has to choose Uh duty because he always has to choose duty. That's just who John is, you know, he chose duty over love before with a grit when he left her and rode back for the night's watch and took three arrows for it. This is just like a trope in his character that like it was inevitable. You know what I mean? And his character like partially is still him being Ned Stark's son. He still follows all those ideals. Right. He still follows everything about him. Even if it's not the blood that he thought it was, he always goes that route. Yeah. It's just the right, totally he tries to do the right thing, you know? And he does have that stark blood running through his veins, does, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so he has that 
juxtaposition and that balance, if you will. Right. You know, totally, like, totally. The tempering of the fire with the ice, mm-hmm. you know, which is like the, that's how you temper a blade. You you heat it up and then you plunge it into the cold to uh, to temper the steel. So Ooh, I mean, that's like, well put. you know, it's a I combination like of the ice and fire, the, like the Targaryen <laughs> temperament with the stark influence to temper the temperament, you know? <laughs> The temperament. Yeah, tempering your temperament. Uh, nice, nice play on words there, I Duncan. Like <laughs> so he makes the moral case here and urges John to do the right thing. And then he moves on making it personal. You know, do you think I'm the last oh, man she'll man. execute? Who's more dangerous than the rightful heir to the Iron Throne? And he's, Tyrion's becoming more frantic here as he's trying to convince John. And John is like, you know, he's, he's still trying to fight against it. That's her decision. She's the queen. You know, and he he stands up and he's going to leave and he touches him on on the shoulder. I think he's like, I'm sorry it came to this, you know, to Tyrion. And he goes to leave and knocks on the door. And this is the scene that this is what convinces John, I think. And it's it's the same thing, the same motivation that convinced Ned Stark to do something that he was not comfortable with, something that he wasn't sure was honorable to Mm -hmm. um, to save his daughters, in this case, to save his cousins, uh, John's cousins, Sansa and Arya. Tyrion says, and your sisters, do you see them bending the knee? You know, and just like Arya had told John a couple minutes beforehand, you know, try telling Sansa that, you know, Sansa's not going to accept Danny. And Danny had said in her speech, although John and Tyrion didn't understand it, that they're going to liberate the people from Winterfell. So, like, you know, liberate. Yeah. So much Air quotes there. <laughs> yeah. Much as Ned was swayed to do something that would go against his honor when he realized that it wasn't just his life on the line, that it was Arya and Sansa who were in danger. I think this is the final piece of convincing that John needed here. Um, he realizes that Arya and Sansa are in danger and he knows that he has to act. Um, so he kind of, it stops him in his tracks, but and he try. he's still, he's not a hundred percent sure. He tells Tyrion, my sisters will be loyal to the throne. And Tyrion's like, you don't believe that, man. Why do you think yeah. Sansa told me about you? Yeah, because she doesn't want Danny to be queen. She, and uh, John's like, she doesn't get to choose. But Tyrion is like, mm. no, but you do. You are Aegon Targaryen. You know what I mean? I, I wrote down that John was always going to have to choose between the Starks and the Targaryens. Oh, it sucks. I got oh, that feeling really? from the beginning that he was always going to have to choose between Starks, Targaryens, family, Danny, basically. It sucks, too, Ugh. because he tells Theon, like, you don't have to choose. You're a, a Greyjoy and a Stark. I wrote that down, too. I was <laughs> like, he was going to have to make this choice that didn't make sense. But ultimately, that's what it was. Who was he going to? Who was he going to back? Yeah. Who was he going to be? Right. That's crazy. Yeah, it's intense. So um, he's like, he's like, you know, she doesn't get to choose. No, but you do. And right now the, the gate is, uh, the door is opening as the Unsullied is unlocking it. And he puts the last, like the last, you know, spur into John's side and says, and you have to choose now. Right now, literally. And it, it just made like- me... The next move you make yeah, has like to be the, to go do this. It's one of these moments in history. I mean, Ned Stark was placed in the same position when, when Robert died, and he was thrust in this position where he had to make a choice. He had to join forces with Renly, which would 
give him enough power to make it okay for Littlefinger to to actually t- bring the gold cloaks to his side because he had a good chance to win, and he needed to, you know, put put himself on the Iron Throne to make sure that the rightful heir got the throne, and he refused to take action and join with Renly and do what he needed to do. And Ned's inaction is what led to Cersei taking over the throne, basically, and led to all of this chaos. And so in in a moment of truth where John is put in the same position, he decides to choose differently than Ned did and to act and to be decisive in a moment where it's required. And he goes directly from Tyrion to John to to Danny and makes his he move. He did. I mean, instantly. Yeah. Instantly. Knew. He had to choose. He made that decision now. right there. Yeah. Like it's just the yes. urgency of that scene and that moment is just like it can't be overstated. You know what I mean? This is just one of those epic <clears throat> moments in history where a choice could be the difference between everything and the fate of the realm and the 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 fate of the the innocent people of the seven kingdoms. I think if he would have waited to, like if he would have contemplated his choices, he knew internally that he wasn't going to do it. So he needed to build the courage up right then and there and just go do it. Because if he thought about it at all, I I don't think he would have been able to. Right. And he's even like, you know, feeling her out in the conversation that they end up having. But we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um, I think if he waited, more people could die. Yeah, exactly. If he waited too long, who knows who would die next? Totally, yeah. Who knows who the next victims would be? It could be, it could very easily be Sansa, you know, like she could fly straight to Winterfell. Um, Absolutely. She could just take a dragon up there real fast. Yeah, just roast it all and come back. Fry it up. Knows they don't did you see that look that she had with him? She had a really deep look, like when they're on top of that staircase. They had a look where she was. Oh, yeah. I oh, know, we'll talk was... about that. There was a whole host of emotions okay. that came across her face. <laughs> we get there. Yeah, I noticed that too. There was a very deep look. Um, but yeah. I was going to send that to you earlier, Duncan. Oh, I was yeah. going to be like, I recorded on my phone and I was like, what does this mean? There's so many things. Yeah, I have it. I have it down. <laughs> I think I know exactly. Which, All right, I'm excited for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's at this moment where he says you have to choose now that John realizes like, you know, he knows what he needs to do and he's going to take the right steps. And uh, he does, you know, I, I think he does, although he's not sure about it later I on. I think he does. Anything else you guys want to add about the, uh, you know, the terrible, you know, what he's asking, you know, the terrible uh, favor he's asking, terrible task? A terrible thing. No, I think so. not me. I'm good. Man. Nice. So I think we're on, we're on Princess Sarah's number two. Yes. All right. So my number two is Drogon's powerful reaction. Nice. Died, which I don't think they could have possibly done better. Oh, right? epic. Every detail that they put into his face from. I mean, his eyebrows to his eyeballs to like even his tongue, everything was so detailed and perfect. And I felt every moment of it like he was a real life human character. Yeah, totally. It, it broke my heart. And the way even that- like his, when he stands up, like even his chest tightens as he starts screaming. Oh, you yeah. can see like the muscles like tense up into his body. Yeah, and like the way that he like wrenches his neck as he like uh, 
his head like writhes in anguish, you know, as he screeches to the sky. And his, like fins or whatever like burl out and they shake and yeah, and everything was just not fins, but amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it amazing. Was so intense, and I couldn't have like. I don't know. I don't know if a, even a real person could have gave, given that reaction the same way because it was so beautiful. Yeah, it was so crazy. That's what, that was when I really cried was when I saw him. Yeah, nudging her body. Oh, trying to awful. wake her up, you know, it was like it was so oh. brutal to watch that. Like, what the hell just happened here, dude? <laughs> yeah, that was a really, really sad moment. It was interesting and too, Rachel. Like, you've talked about um, how Danny and Drogon seem to have like a mental bond. And the mm-hmm. second that she dies, Drogon stirs outside and knows immediately. Right there. There's something wrong. Yeah. So yeah. that, I think, definitively tells us that, yes, there was a mental bond between the two. He knows immediately when she dies, right? Oh, man. That's so sad. That was so sad when he smelled her and, you know, like started nudging her body and he's like cooing and making these noises. It's like, wake up, wake up. Yeah, sad music is playing too, just making it even worse mm-hmm. to watch. So sad. It makes but me so sad. he made sense of it all, like in his own mind. He he looked at John, he looked at the throne, he looked at everything that was happening. Saw the knife sticking out of Danny. Yeah. And I, I don't think they could have done that better. I, really I don't think so either. Yeah, the, appreciated the it. more I think about it, the more I like it. I think that Drogon, you know, he he knew that John was pure in heart. You know, he could he could smell the Targaryen blood. He can sense that he's pure and has good intentions. And he saw the the the, the dagger in Danny, and he saw the throne made of blades. And I feel like he just instinctively knew that it was the throne that was really the death of Danny. You know. Her rise and downfall are are both due to motivations derived from that throne and what it symbolizes mm-hmm. and how it came to be. And I thought it was really just intense that Drogon recognized that the throne was the danger and what it stood for. And he took out his anger on the on the throne instead of John. <laughs> just God damn, so did he amazing. ever? What a beautiful the, and the way he looked at it. It was just so he looked at it with so much hate. Like, how can you get a CGI character to look at I it know. so well? I it know. was just perfect. I thought he was trying to get like I thought John was going to hop on his back for a second there. <laughs> After like, I thought he was going to burn John, and we would find out like John was unburnt. Fireproof, or like <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. That would be crazy. Um, I like this better, honestly. That throne needed to be. Yeah, it was so good. It was man. ugly, anyways. It took a yeah. dragon to destroy what a dragon made. Full circle, baby. Uh-huh. Truth. You know? Oh my God, it was so good. And then Drogon flies off with Danny's body, maybe to Valyria. That's where I thought maybe he was going. That's what I thought, too. Yeah, who knows? But either way, it's sad as fuck, you know? And how about um, that shot where he reaches his little claw underneath Daenerys and scoops her up? And she's lying there limp. And oh, my God, dude, that was ultra intense. And the, the... the music that's playing as Drogon soars off into the distance and the, the screen fades to black. There's a beautiful resolution, a major resolution of the music as it all coalesces together on the end on a major chord, a happy, happy note, a major resolution as it fades to black. And that's the last mm. we'll get. 
They went in so many directions with the music just in that one little scene. I know, it was insane. Like, it was sad to happy to, uh, to what? Yeah, and it ends on a happy note. It ended on a happy note. I think that's worth noting. Did you guys feel okay with how she died? Yeah, I thought it was perfect. I do too. I thought it was poetic. And I know that we had kind of last week, Duncan talked about the Valencar theory, how it didn't play out the way we, or the prophecy, it didn't play out the way we thought it would. Mm -hmm. But in like kind of a strange way, like his hands were around her neck as they died. Right, right. Right. I kind of feel this way about the Azora High theory because John sacrificed his love for Danny in order to bring about the peace. dawn. And I'm using air quote here yeah, peace in the seven to kingdoms. bring about peace in the seven kingdoms. Right. And we do get when he goes north of the wall. I don't know if you guys noticed there is a sprout of green grass. Oh yeah. That he steps through. Oh yeah. man. So he's like There's bringing the skinny. new season. Oh. So he's not, the Lord of Light, and he's not a Zora High, and he doesn't like wield Lightbringer, but he sacrificed something, yeah, that he loves. Well, to it's bring exactly about the same the- as a Zora High. A Zora High sacrificed his love, his wife, his wife Nissa Nissa, yeah. by stabbing her yeah. through the heart to in order Except to create. Except, didn't she the- voluntarily do it though? Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah. it, he he said, "Bear your breast," you know, like it was his idea. She just did it willingly. Bear them boobies. Yeah. <laughs> and forgive me for this terrible thing I must do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's pretty damn close. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's look mean, it up, actually. I just thought it was really perfectly um, parallel, but not spot on. And I appreciated that. I mean, every picture that everyone's been sharing and everything about what, you know, could happen for Azor High. It was John stabbing Danny. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. You got yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it resulted in the end of the <laughs> this reign, her reign of the terror. Tyranny it and, broke yeah. the wheel essentially. Yeah, it actually broke the wheel because then you know the next king was an appointed king, and from here on out in Westeros, when a king dies. A council of lords and ladies will elect a new ruler instead mm-hmm. of it being a lineage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so interestingly, it's like the original Azora High ended a reign of, of of darkness and ice, and John ended a reign <laughs> of fire and and you know, blood, blood, yeah, fire and blood. There <laughs> yeah. you go. So, I guess that yeah, it's pretty interesting. I was just thinking of like this one picture that I saw a bunch of times of. I don't know. It was like fan art. Oh, the drawing. Oh, there's the yeah, the one that I posted on Game of Mic- uh, Game of Microphones of John stabbing Danny stabbing through the heart. Stabbing Danny, right? And it's yeah, it's like a perfect mirror. I was gonna bring. I was gonna bring mm-hmm. that up um, when we actually talk about the, the death scene because it's like oh. it's side by side. They're like spot on of each other. Yeah, I noted that too. Nissa, Nissa, he said to her, for that was her name, bear your breast and know that I love you best of all that is in this world. She did this thing, why I cannot say, and Azora High thrust the smoking sword through her living heart. It is said that her cry of anguish and ecstasy left a crack across the face of the moon, but her blood and her soul and her strength and her courage all went into the steel. (laughs) So... It doesn't say terrible thing, but it says this thing, which is mindful of Tyrion saying, mm-hmm. this is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing I ask you to do. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, 
It's crazy. Crazy. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you guys want See, to add that's about? That's the part of, I was just going to say, that's the part of paying attention. There's so many things that they, I don't know, they, they did pay attention to the fans. Yeah. I think so. Maybe not the way that the fans thought they would, but. <laughs> and I'm glad but. they didn't do it because to Duncan's point last episode, or maybe it was even the episode before that, they're all running together for me. Um, <laughs> there was already an Azora High. Why right. should there be another yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And yeah. I loved that when he um, when you said that, Duncan, because it's true. And I thought that this was a very poetic if if the if the watchers read into it, you know, it's poetic enough and it's close enough and it's mirrored enough that in a weird way the prophecy was fulfilled. Not verbatim, but Yeah, no, you're right. What prophecy ever really has been filled verbatim in Western or as you know, planet toast world and our own world. Yeah, exactly. and, and the place where I found that quote is a Business Insider article that says that the devastating Game of Thrones finale, death of Daenerys, was was an imperfect fulfillment of the show's biggest oh, prophecy, fabulous. the Zora prophecy. So, yeah, I guess Business Insider realized it before we did. Business Insider, what up? Me and you, we're <laughs> on the same page. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anything else you guys want to add about this or should we move on to your numero dos, Lady Rachel? Um, I'm good. I think that was a great number two from Lady Sarah. Definitely. Oh, thanks. Let's see. My number two is the small council meeting. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> I loved this for so many reasons. Yeah, that There's was a great There's lots scene. of little moments in this episode that reflect back throughout great moments throughout the series and this to me was the most well done of them all nice. so that's why i chose it as my number two Perfect right off backs. the bat with the chairs yes exactly. <laughs> he the sits moment. down and all the chairs are fucked up so now he's like moving them all around it shows and- you like how he takes his job seriously you know what i mean and as much as he said like i don't deserve to be king or hand of the king and all this like he's the man for the job because he's gonna do it right and the fact that he's changing the you know neatening up the chairs and straightening them out just kind of symbolic to me that he wants to do a good job you know what i mean well and he's like trying to figure out has- how to sit yeah oh yeah that was funny too how he should appear. And also that he has brawn on it. I know a lot of people are like, oh, why does he have brawn there? Master coin. It's like, he knows what he's doing. He's he's doing all right. Yeah. I know a lot of people were like, why is brawn there? Brawn sucks at Master Coin. I loved coin. that brawn was I there. Too. That was my favorite part so, of the whole episode is that brawn is the de facto. He Brawn won the Game it's of so Thrones. Funny. I mean, out of everybody, he got the coolest shit of all he gets high garden sickest castle <laughs> you know the most and lush he's region master of coin yeah like, master why of coin, wouldn't he be master of coin <laughs> <laughs> he's he's always been a fan it. of gold you know it's perfect exactly it fits his character perfectly yeah he went from being nothing to being uh you know master of coin pro- lord protector of the reach and he high still garden. acts the same he was still quippy and Kind of power hasn't gone to his head. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of an asshole. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Uh, So they all enter, and he's trying to like figure out how to sit. Like he's kind of nervous. Yeah, in a good way. And 
I instantly noticed that Samwell is in maester robes with a very small maester chain. Grand maester Sam. He's grand maester. And I loved that so much. He's reached wizard status, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Because Pycelle was grand maester, right? That's like the boss of all the maesters. He's the boss of the boss. He's the... Because... Um, Ebros was Archmaester. Yeah, and Ebros, obviously so he's, he's in deep with, with Bran, the Broken, right? They yeah. realized John's yep. destiny together, you know, like they're like inseparable at this point. So mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense that he's like, you're going to be my Grand Maester. You know, I trust you. You're like on point and smart and cool and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's just funny, you know? <laughs> Before like, you I forget to on. mention this, because I'm afraid I'm going to forget, because um, we just are so detailed with our... Uh, sure. Discussion is I loved aside from Bran the Broken being like the fact that he's like crippled, that Bran the Broken is the fact that like they broke the wheel and oh. Bran is the first king in this new like cycle of life. That's essentially. cool. Because the wheel love is that, broken. Rachel. Yeah. So he like Danny, Danny was a part of breaking the wheel. John kind of was the other part of breaking the wheel, right. but, but he's Bran the result. is Bran the Broken. Yeah. He's the result of that wheel being broken. Bran the Broken. Bran of the Broken Wheel. <laughs> That's cool. I love that. Yeah, good And call. it's even more that. like, you know, the fact that he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> I just thought Bran the Broken and he's going to like move this whole life forward in a, in a new and brighter way than before definitely like i mentioned before maybe that's his destiny you know that's what maybe his task was that three-eyed raven was preparing him for yeah so i I, that's totally like not a part of my number two but i just wanted to say that because it was a note in my head nice that i didn't get to write down and that is a great forget it that just (laughs) oh my god that made me feel so happy okay (laughs) it makes so much sense yeah thank you so we get Sam, good old Sam, all happy, and he plops this giant book down in front of Tyrion, and Tyrion's like, uh, what's this? Huh. Not A another. song of ice and fire. And I was like, oh my god. And I was hoping Sam wrote it, but Archmaester Ebros wrote it. Yeah. And it's a history of the wars following the death of King Robert. He helped him with the title a little bit. As yes, we know, the sure first did. one was a little rough. I wanted to ask you. You're going to write histories, Tali. You have to do the research. If you want people to read your histories, you need a bit of style. I'm not writing a chronicle of the wars following the death of King Robert I, so it can sit on a shelf unread. But you don't like the title? What would you call it then? Possibly something a bit more poetic. We're not poets, Charlie. <laughs> so Tyrion's like, well, I hope I didn't get too too badly criticized in this book. And Sam's oh, like, I wouldn't well. say that. <laughs> so what does he say about me? Oh, he's kind. Oh, never would have guessed. Well, wait, what are you talking about? No, uh, he doesn't well, quite say I that. don't believe that you're mentioned. <laughs> Think about that: um, a song of ice and fire without the fan favorite Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> That's just hilarious. I wouldn't read it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Totally. I wouldn't read it. So he's like, oh, and Bronze kind of laughing, and they're all kind of like, awkward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
So then we get Bran entering and everyone, instead of saying it all at once, they're like, your grace, your grace, your grace, oh, true, true. your grace. <laughs> oh, it's worth mentioning also that when Tyrion is all butthurt that he was not mentioned in A Song of Ice and Fire, Bronn is loving Tyrion's like frustration about not being mentioned and not being oh, the yeah, center of totally attention. <laughs> Bronn's yeah, like, laughing his balls off. It's so good. So funny, He's man. totally laughing at it. <laughs> and so Bran, in typical robo-Bran fashion, we appear to be missing a master of whispers and laws. And war. <laughs> and Tyrion's like, uh, well, yeah. You know, we're going to have some prospects here in the next couple of weeks. And again, we're left with kind of an untied ending there. Like, who, are, who are, is going to fill those mm-hmm. roles? And I'm just thinking, man, you're, you're lucky to even have this room. <laughs> yeah, you're missing a couple positions that haven't been hired yet. But <laughs> how is this room still even intact that you're sitting in? <laughs> I know, right? Seriously. Oh, my God. I wonder if they'll try to, like, repair the castle or, like, rebuild it or what. I'm sure they will over time, but it's going to take decades yeah. to rebuild King's Landing. Oh, yeah. And so then we, we again, get another little, like, loose ending here. And what about Drogon? You know, well, he was spotted flying east. The farther and- away, the better. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought when they said east that he was going to Valyria. Mm, yeah, I think so too. I don't see where else. Where else he would, would he go? go? The mountains where he, where he had those roasted goats where the Dothraki found Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Valyria uh, is my bet. Yeah, I think so. Because we saw him flying over Valyria with Tyrion and, and Jorah. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And Bran, he's going to try to warg into him, I think. Oh, and yeah. Or at least try to locate him. And I was wondering. I thought maybe he uh, was going to try to warg into him because that way they can control him. That's what I thought. So he's. I mean, not that like would certainly be an ultimate goal. I would say. That's what I. What did What did you think, Sarah? I, I feel sorry. like the way he said it was like maybe we can find him. Like he he'd be able to warg into him, or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> could be. Yeah, um, just the way he he delivered that line, I was like, okay, he's gonna he's gonna find him. He's gonna be able to totally take care of him. I was wondering in the books they talk. I mentioned this on the live show last night too, but um, in the books they talk about how um, like when you try to warg into something for the first time, it'll fight back. And Hodor was fighting Bran when he tried to warg into Hodor, and eventually Hodor gave up and was like, Ooh, like you know, like his his Hodor. consciousness was like. <laughs> curled up in a ball like just letting brand do his thing basically but so i was wondering how difficult would it be to uh to warg into a dragon you know <laughs> like maybe extremely difficult like Damn. There, there's veramir six skins i think in the books is talking about how every time he wargs into this cave bear this ice bear the bear hates it and like rages against him and you could just tell that like if he lost control the bear would rip him to shreds so oh, shit. yeah who knows like how crazy it would be trying to warg into a dragon <laughs> So then um, he says, you know, well, I'll find him. You need to just carry on. And we get Sir Podrick. Sir Podrick is so golden Sir armor. Podrick has been knighted. Yeah. And it looks like he's part of the Kingsguard as well. I think he is. So here's my and I question. I think Brienne is too. Yeah. So why is Brienne the Lord Commander of the Kingsguard for Bran and not the Lord Commander of Sansa's Queensguard? 
Good question. That's a very good question. Because she was sworn to protect the Stark girls. That's a good question, That's Duncan. a good question. So, yeah, like, what happens now if, if Bran the Broken decides to wage war against Sansa Stark? Who does she fight for? Fuck. We've got some splitting to do, Bran. Maybe, I mean, this is total speculation, obviously, but maybe Sansa gave her permission to stay with Bran because Bran may need her more need Brienne more mm, makes than perfect Sansa. sense and that's the type of stuff we have to sort of imagine on our own to flesh out some of these decisions that were made and that's what i love that they gave us kind of these open-ended like avenues to do that yeah you know it, it could have just been a continuity error but i feel like maybe she gave Brienne permission to stay to help her you know crippled brother and just the more badassery around Bran, the better just because he's a little bit more vulnerable. Right. And Sansa has the Northmen and the Vale. You know, well, I guess not the Vale anymore because the Vale is a part of the Six Kingdoms. That's right. right. <laughs> um, but she has, you know, the Northmen to back her and they, su- they support her for now. Well, that's Sansa believing that the best person to take care of Bran would yeah. be Brienne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be the number one person that she could probably think of. Definitely. Like, you can have him. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense to me. So Tyrion, Tyrion's like, we serve at your pleasure, King Bran the Broken, ruler of the six kingdoms and protector of the realm. Long may he reign. Long may he reign. <laughs> Long, Long may, may he reign. reign. Long may he reign. <laughs> I think they're all supposed to say it together, and Darian's yeah, like, uh, uh, "That's gonna improve." I'm sure it and will. Brand kind of smiles here. He's like, "I'm sure it will." We got a couple smiles from Robo Brand this episode. That was kind of yes, surprising. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, this is when he, you know, brings up Sir Bron of the Blackwater, Lord of the High Garden, Lord Paramount of the Reach, and Master of Coin. Would you say the crown's debt to you has been paid? <laughs> it has. <laughs> yeah, he won the Game of Thrones. IMO. Now it's time to start incurring a new Dude, set. He played it so hardcore. It's not even. He funny. totally oh, yeah. did. He's Jeez. OG. He's the surviving series OG. I would say. He totally is. So funny, too. He replies, in full, my lord hand. <laughs> so, like, courteous yep. and, and <laughs> like, like yep. proper about it. Yeah. Good. Time to start incurring a new one. We have hungry people. Can we expect some assistance in this regard? Indeed we can. Great. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> um, and then we find out that Davos is the... Master of Ships. Yeah, that's cool. And that they need to rebuild the Armada and repair the ports. And Davos kind of starts elbowing the Master of Coin here. He's like, well, if this Master of Coin and his Lord of Lofty Titles, (laughs) titles, titles, titles... Provides the, you know, the coin. Yeah, we can Davos, get this done. Davos is like, there's only room for one up-jumped, <laughs> up-jumped lowborn in this <laughs> small council. <laughs> totally. The master of coin looks forward to helping the master of ships, but first he has to ensure that we're not wasting coin or there won't be no more coin. <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> yes. Anymore. Love the Stannis reference, you know. And now he's the master of grammar. <laughs> yep. Yes. 
So this is really where I feel like they're starting to feel back to a new normal. Yeah, and business I know as usual. Are, yeah, it's not the best word to use because I'm sure they don't feel normal, but they're starting to get back into like a natural groove. Yeah, this will be the new normal. You know, it's not normal yeah. yet, but it will be, you know. This is also where we learn that Sam is a grand maester. Oh, yeah. I was yes. like, holy fuck, dude. I love it. And he only has a couple links on his chain, I just noticed. <laughs> Even though he's grand maester. Yeah. Hilarious. It was kind of cute. I bet the just... maesters were pissed about that, dude. <laughs> fuck those guys. You know? They didn't listen to him when they weren't listening in the Sam first needed place. him the most. Yeah, I bet Ebros <laughs> is not too mad about it, though. He probably is like, well, Sam was right the whole time, and... Because of him, the seven kingdoms are still intact, basically, you know. So. Right. Totally. So, um, they just kind of get down to business here, and I think that's what I like so much about it is, um, you know, they're talking about the sewers and the clean water. I love and- that. Tyrion's really smart. That's quite an astute observation to make that, you know, healthiness of a population is relative to the water supply. It wasn't yes. until the great stink of 1858 that the sewers, modern sewers needed to be invented. And it was recognized that there was a connection between, you know, drinking water and and being contaminated with like feces and stuff like that. You know, do you guys know about the great stink of 1858? You've talked about this before. Wasn't it like Europe that their sewers all like got all backed up and shit and there was like shit all over the place? Yeah, they didn't have sewers. So in the summer of 1858, it was just such a hot, brutal summer. People were tossing their bedpans out the windows and stuff like that. And the city of London, I think it was just stunk so bad that somebody was like, we need to, you know, and they like people are getting sick and everything. And like, they're like, we need to figure something out here, (laughs) you know? Oh, Sidetrack. So <laughs> Sorry, tangent. It's just, you know, if I have an opportunity to talk about the great stink of 1858, how can I refuse? <laughs> oh yeah, they'll take it. They yeah, they'll definitely. Take it. <laughs> okay, you got it out of your system. <laughs> ah, so to speak. <laughs> oh, my septic system. <laughs> the sewer system. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, there you go. So Braun makes note, though. Well, if we're going to talk about building anything, uh, the brothels all burnt down. What the fuck? Master we- of Coin is willing to fund reconstruction. <laughs> Oh my god. Um and Sam's like, well, Archmaester isn't too enthusiastic about the salutary effects of the brothels. <laughs> <laughs> it's and probably because he isn't using this, them right. It's just great like back and forth. Like they are I maybe start like starting the process of healing. Yeah, totally. They are. They are. And you can tell from just a couple lines later, which we'll get to in a couple of lines. Yeah. So do you guys feel okay with who is on the council? I know that's another thing. I'm I'm almost half speaking for the like the somewhat fans. A lot of people didn't like who was on the council, things like that. Who else is left? That could be on the council. Exactly. I I mean if you're gonna complain If you're going to complain about who's on the council, I would like to know who you think what's your plan? Would be would better you on the council. <laughs> you know, what's your plan? <laughs> yeah, who exactly. are you bringing back from the dead? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with, I'm personally fine. How about you, Duncan? I think it's pretty good. I mean, the only real concern I would have, um, it'd be Braun, just because who knows what he'll be doing as, as master of coin, how much he'll be embezzling for himself. 
but he's so rich at this point and he he does seem to have a heart you know when so to some extent you know so i think that he'll he'll try to do a good job you know i feel like like working with and Tyrion. he's been paid yeah, he he's got his castle. He's, he's got all the money he needs. So I feel like, you know, Tyr- with working with Tyrion and like having this position of power, he's going to he's going to do the best he can and and make the most of the opportunity that he's been given. I think that he's ready for a new life, you know. His his fighting days are done, as he said. Although he's still well, got yeah. a few killing days left, right? Uh-oh. But uh. <laughs> he's he's got some coin counting days. Plenty of coin counting days left. I don't think anyone knows him better than Tyrion. Like I think they've been through most every adventure that they can go through together and yep. Tyrion would not put him on that council or yeah or back him on that council unless he knew for one that he would be okay two that he could he wouldn't be able to watch over him right and he needs <laughs> yeah. people that he can trust in as his yeah. masters you know like so as as Ron's Danny's a dick, hand but Tyrion knows when he's being a dick he right. knows yeah. what's going on right and they actually <laughs> had like a good relationship you know what i mean as opposed mm-hmm. to like Bronn and his other pairings <laughs> For sure. Exactly. But yeah, like, you I, can, sorry, go ahead. I Rachel. agree. I think it's, I think it's a good council. And if people are complaining about it on the internet, I would like to know who they think should be there instead. Yeah. I mean, that's Put a, it simple, below. a simple <laughs> question. I'm not like, Put it in the comments you know, down there. if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna say that they're not good, then I would expect for you to have an answer of who you think should be on the council. I personally Agreed. think it's great. I think Brienne is a great um She showed that she had some strategic you know, like mm-hmm. sort of a strategic mind when she was talking with Jamie about their strategy and like the terrain that they had at Winterfell and everything like that. So I mean and she's loyal and she's a fighter and right. she'll do her duty and mm-hmm. Bron likes money. Yeah. So he's gonna <laughs> and, be good like, with the, it. The Brienne thing, um I mean, I, I, I could spoil it now, the, the revelation of why it's so appropriate that she's Lord Commander of the King's Guard, or I could wait till we get to that scene. What do you want? You want me to tell you now or t- tell you in a little bit? I think we're going to be there very soon. Okay, so I'll wait. Yeah. Hold off. Hold off. Cool. Are we'll you talking about when soon. she writes in the book? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah let's do it there, because that's an that's a important scene. I have, like, the whole thing printed out right here. Nice. <laughs> oh. And so, and then Davos naturally (laughs) should be the master of ships. Naturally. Perfect sense. And then Sam, he's like the best maester there is. I mean, he cured Jorah and... He figured out the whole... The dragon glass thing, like the kingdoms are in his The dragon glass thing, he figured out John's lineage. I mean... Yeah. He's like um, he's like Septon Barth, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, except a Maester version. Um, Septon Barth was he was Jaharis, the conciliator's hand, but uh, he was this dude, a Septon, who was just like a book smart guy who knew everything. And he's yeah. in the books. Pay attention for Septon Barth. I've said it before because what he says is usually canon. You know. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And then we finally get the the last line of the um, scene is, I once brought a jackass and a honeycomb into a brothel. Yeah, yeah they're, they're talking about what's more important, brothels or, or, or ships, you know, and they're kind of arguing about it. And Bren's like, I think we can all agree that ships take precedence over brothels. And Bron's <laughs> like, I think that's a very presumptuous statement. And Tyrion has to like 
add in his joke. And this is how you know it's like business as usual. They're getting back yes. to like yeah. joking around. And you know it's true when Tyrion, he brings this joke out when he feels comfortable with the people around him. You yes. know what I mean? And Is it the third time that we've heard this joke? I believe so. And, and yeah. aside from us getting cut off, there's nothing to indicate that this this got cut off in in the actual you know telling of the joke i bet he got to actually finish the joke this time we just didn't get to hear it those bastards i know i love that we've never heard the ending to that you guys joke. heard the ending though on that the that that dude posted right that he or that he created yes so yes. good i wish you read it so funny damn i don't think i heard that oh hold on give me a second to look it up it's on our facebook page because it's just so funny man you have to read it in Tyrion's accent, though. All right. <laughs> okay, so we got a great, a great effort to complete Tyrion's infamous jokes, uh, infamous joke by EM underscore Hayes on Reddit, I believe. And uh, thank you to Sir Patrick of Hindsight for sharing it with us. I once walked into a brothel with a honeycomb and a jackass. The madam asked, what can we do for you? I need a woman to lay with, for mine has left me. The madam says, whatever for? And what's with the honeycomb and the mule? So I say, my woman found a genie in a bottle, and he granted her three wishes. The first was for a house fit for a queen, so he gave her this damn honeycomb. <laughs> the second wish was that she have the nicest ass in all the land, so he gave her this damn donkey. And what about the third wish? The madam asked. Well... She asked the genie to make my cock hang down past my knee. So the madam asks, well, that's not so bad, eh? Not so bad. I used to be six foot three. Oh, my God. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. Right? That's really pretty good. good. <laughs> really yeah. good. House fit really for good. a queen. You know, the, uh, the honeycomb. It's just like something that somebody would it ask for three for wishes. Yeah, all of these things fit so perfectly. So I guess what's the, the gist of the, the the punchline is that instead of making his dick longer, she just made his body shorter. Shorter. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. But it's a great way to, uh, to you know, come up with an answer for that joke that connects everything together. I was just like blown away that somebody was clever enough to do that. It's something that we've speculated about for a long time. Like, is there an answer? Was there ever an answer? Is there an answer that could ever make sense to this weird beginning of a riddle? Jackass and a honeycomb. Yeah. I once brought a jackass and a honeycomb into a brothel. It's <laughs> so random, you know? So I love it. Yeah. I love Used that to it's be so random. Totally. All right. Anything else you guys so, want to add about that? Or where are we? I think we're on year number two. Okay. My number two is... John killing Danny. Oh, this is my number one. All right, let's collaborate. So, as we talked about, John went to visit Tyrion and he leaves Tyrion and immediately, it seems, approaches the castle. And as he starts to walk up, there's these heaping mounds of ash and rubble. But one of them starts to move and to stir. And lo and behold, Drogon is lurking underneath the ash. And Isn't that crazy? That was so amazing. Yes, maybe. It was like, oh my god. I thought it was just like debris crumbling. Yeah, maybe the most badass shot in the entire series. Uh, Drogon emerging out from there.
No, I disagree. I thought it, I think the bad, most badass shot was when the dragon wings came up behind Danny. <laughs> yes. Metal album oh, cover. God. I'm so I had, with you on that. Oh my God. I had goosebumps. It was, oh. Yeah, that was I gnarly. reached over and grabbed my husband's arm. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like a, the contrast between like the white wings of an angel and the black wings of the angel of death. You know what I mean? And they were flapping like so well, powerful. Like, and then so cool. Drogon like launches just like vertically oh, above her like it's leaving her body. Oh man. Yes. Yeah, that was nuts. So, totally. Cool way to look at that. Like the devil is like leaving <laughs> her body. <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> Not particularly. Uh, so Drogon emerges from underneath the ash. Perfect place for a dragon to hide under the ash from the, the destruction it created you know what i mean so awesome and, and that just shows how much ash is in the air yeah just a crazy amounts of ash and so drogon like lurches over and goes face to face with john extending his neck down towards him and apparently john passes the sniff test because he moves aside and curls up again letting john pass it's like what's up bro yeah. it's like oh it's you you're cool <laughs> he's tired from burning the shit out of a million people yeah apparently he's gonna keep taking his nap his ash nap <laughs> so we get Danny who's walking through the throne room approaching the throne yeah I thought that was really cool how she had the, the vision in the house of the undying all those seasons ago where she walks up to the throne and the ash is falling from the sky and the room is destroyed and she's just about to touch it but something prevents her from sitting on the throne and she instead walks out through the door and finds the tent and called Drogo and her child are there waiting for her and uh, it's a beautiful parallel to what actually happened. People are saying that they think that it would be nice um, if that's what really did happen. You know, as she goes up to touch the throne and before she sits, she's distracted by John, who ends up killing her. And in a way, the vision from the House of the Undying is true, that she gets to the throne. But then she, instead of sitting, it ends up being reunited with her her one true love, her real true love, Drogo. I played those scenes from season two and the new one side by side, and it almost mirrors completely. It is, it it, it follows the same shots from behind her looking at the oh, throne. It's, so it's almost awesome. perfectly mirrored. I encourage the fans to watch it because in the first one, there's no music. In the second one, it has the music that's very eerie. So if you watch it together, yeah, I'll put them both on on the screen side by side. Yeah, so, you'll see, Duncan. It's like almost perfect. I can't like it wait. It goes around her head, and then it looks at the throne. It's, I mean, it's like the same thing. It was really so cool. sick. And you had mentioned it in the live show. That's the only reason I even looked yeah, at it. Yeah, someone from our <laughs> chat mentioned it, I think, and blew my mind. I was like, oh my god. Oh, I thought it was you that mentioned it. No, yeah. someone else. I can't. I'm not. I'm definitely not taking credit for it. <laughs> oh yeah, go look back and see who mentioned it because it. I mean, it was like a perfect parallel, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking. For and it, it goes. I mean, it literally goes around her head, looks at the throne, and then goes back around. I mean, almost cuts shot down shot. up by her. That shot, looking from the side of her hand as she's about to touch it. Yeah. Too, like same shot. Yeah. Yep. Same exact shot. It's almost like. 
And we get this shot from behind the throne as she steps up the steps. And she's looking a bit crazed in her eyes. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, man. A her- bit? Yeah. She's, yeah. Like, she's <laughs> fucking lost it. Yeah. She's gone. She's all bugged out and everything. And <laughs> crazy amounts of tension. She smoked way too much crack that morning. Way too much, yeah. And, and <laughs> too, much too much ash. Too much ash, Too much ash. So she, like, reaches out to touch the throne. And we get a shot mirroring the shot of her reaching out to touch it and her vision close up of one of the handles of the throne of the of one of the swords on like the arm of it or something and she reaches out and the music is so intense it's like this a woman singing the theme song like I know slowly so and, and yeah hollow it's super sounding. eerie it reminded me of the introduction of like the intro music for the video game Lords of the Fallen which actually uses the same chord progression as the Game of Thrones theme song I've actually put them side by side on another occasion um, just to hear them oh, really? synced up to each other and they they perfectly line up it's pretty crazy yeah so the, the the way the orchestration of this scene reminded me of Lords of the Fallen theme song. So maybe I'll put those two together and see if I can get them to line up. Although this is much I also, slower. I also noted that in the vision at the House of the Undying, the throne room actually like looked a little bit different. It was more intact. Yeah, I noticed than it that too. Was like in this right. scene, because that's one of the things I was saying at the like in our you know episode for last week. I was like, it looks like she fucked up the throne room way worse than it was in the in the vision. You know, and I guess I was right. <laughs> You were, but it didn't get disintegrated. Not completely. It still yeah. exists. Yep. So um, crazy tension as she reaches out to touch the throne, and she does, and she touches it, and right after she touches it, we get this swell of bass, like a cello, swelling and an orchestral swell, rounding it all out, and it cuts to this side shot of her touching the throne and looking at the throne as ash rains down around her, and I was like, damn, if this is not Queen of the Ashes personified, like, I don't know what <laughs> is, you know what I mean? This image of her with the throne, like, enthralled with it, and the ash just dumping all around her is just super creepy and she smiles and she turns as john appears in the doorway across the hall oh that was so eerie so eerie the whole time that she was sitting there like at the throne the gape of the doorway was in the background and i was just looking at that just waiting for john to come through it you know it's like he's any second he's gonna come through that door the darkness of the i can't believe they left her alone like she has no guards around her at all yeah i'm well the thing is like they're in the red keep at this moment so obviously the the unsullied have been through it here and secured it entirely That's true. so this That's area the safest place yeah this this area is secure and she's got drogon outside the entrance anybody other than john would never have been able to get to her which is why That's it's true. so exactly. important that he's a targaryen the fact that ned saved him is the only thing that enabled danny to be stopped here the it's fact that crazy. he's a targaryen yeah his blood is what enabled him to prevent his blood from <laughs> continuing its reign of fire and blood. I found it really interesting too that she is ascending the throne all by herself though. Like she doesn't have her people around her as she goes to touch the throne for the first yeah, time. It's like, interesting. And like Cersei that it was like 
all the people had gathered. I mean, I know there's not very many people left in King's Landing. Mm-hmm. But also, how long had it taken her, her to get from Drogon to the throne? Was she just like looking at every piece of art on the way there or something? Because Drogon was like buried completely in ash by the time John got there. He had been sitting there for a while. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. It's pretty funny. I think she was probably wandering around. Yeah. So... So she had maybe just trying to find the throne room. <laughs> she has no idea where it is. Um, so she tar- she talks to John, um, and, and she's so like geeked out on the power that she doesn't even perceive the dark tone of this encounter. She's in another world, like totally oblivious to everything around her. When I was a girl. My brother told me it was made with a thousand swords from Aegon's fallen enemies, you know, and she's just like, like in, d- completely delusional, like in her own little world. She has you know? almost like a smile on her face. Total in a smile. Weird way. She's just elated in ecstasy with the the power that she's managed to achieve here. She's, it's insane, you know. And what do a thousand swords look like in the mind of a little girl who can't even count to twenty? I imagined a mountain of swords too high to climb. So many fallen enemies. You could only see the soles of Egon's feet. So creepy. And John is just like not having any of this. He is here for a reason. And before he fulfills his duty, he's just going to confirm that she's a force truly evil. <laughs> she's truly gone dark side. Yeah. yeah. So he's gets straight down to business. And he's like, I saw them executing Lannister prisoners in the street. They said they were acting in your orders. And she's like, it was necessary. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Necessary? Have you even been down there? Have you seen the little Have children you that you've the burned? babies burned up? Children. <laughs> little children burned. And he like really yells. They said they were acting on your orders. It was necessary. Necessary. Have you been down there? Have you seen children? Little children burned burned mm-hmm. like if you go back and listen to it he yells it oh totally oh yeah for sure and i was like wow like he is about to lose his shit here and <sighs> she's like trying to rationalize that i tried to make peace she she used their innocence as a weapon against me thought it would cripple me and john like brings up Tyrion, and she's like he conspired behind my back with enemies how have you treated people who've done the same to you even when it broke your heart of foreshadowing foreshadowing like how he's about to have to do that same thing yes, with you <laughs> i noted that too yep. but also like he it's true like you know janice slint and these people conspired behind his back and uh, and everything and he he like executed janice slint on the spot you know what i mean and like executed ollie and everything like that. even though he loved ollie um you know we'll get we'll, we're, it's not the only time i'm going to bring up ollie in this episode interestingly <laughs> so um he urges her to forgive Tyrion, but she's just not having any of it and this is when john like everything is going wrong here you know what i mean she's saying all the wrong things she looks like a maniac completely ignoring the gravity of what she's just done killing a million people and all of this and she's just reveling in her power and Things are not going the way John wanted them to, uh, which is that she would convince him that she doesn't deserve to die. You know, he went to Tyrion knowing that Tyrion would push him to do the right thing. And he goes to Danny hoping that she can make him see that it's not the right thing. But she's unable to do that, you know. 
And uh, he starts begging, like, you can forgive all of them, you know, make them see they've made a mistake, make them understand. Please, Danny, you know, he's like freaking out here. She's like, we can't hide behind small mercies. He's like, oh, my my God, God, I'm going to have to kill this bitch. Yeah, like, what is wrong with you? He's like, she's like literally saying the world that she needs. And the world that she needs sounds crazy. Yeah, the world we need. Like, the world that we need. Yeah. what What it's built on is something that she created, but it's not real. It's... It's, it's all fabricated fear. in her mind, too. Yeah. yeah. And she says that, like, to build what they need, we can't have it being built by men who are loyal to what we already have. You know, that's the defeat the purpose. And so she's going to kill everybody. Basically, yeah. And John's like, the world we need is a world of mercy. It has to be, you know. And, but, and she says, she tries to comfort him. It will be. It's not easy to see something that's never been before, you know. And she sounds like a lunatic, like a good yeah. world, you know. And he's like, how do you, how do you know what that is? How do you know it will be good? And uh, she's like, because I know what is good. You know, and it's like, oh, so creepy. Uh. And this is echoing what Tyrion said. It's like, how can she think that what she does is not good right. when all we've ever done is like kind of feed that aspect of her and right. praise exactly. her for when she does exactly. th- this behavior. Yeah, and and she this is also a, another crazy moment because she's like, because I know it's good, and so do you. She tells John. She it's obviously like, I'm doesn't. I'm on the same page as you are, girlfriend. Yeah, but her telling him here that he knows what is good is essentially her telling him, like convincing him that he's going to need to kill her. You know, which is just like the scene with Samwell telling Ollie that he knows what's good and what's right, even if other people can't see it, which is what Mm -hmm. had the effect of emboldening Mm -hmm. Ollie to kill John. So Mm -hmm. Danny is Sam here and John is Ollie, (laughs) hilariously, you know, in a total parallel to the other scene where Danny is basically convincing John to do this terrible thing, you know, and uh, he's like, I don't. I don't know what's good and because in his mind, what he's thinking is what's good is like having to kill her, you know, and he's like fighting it. And she's like, you do, you do know, you've always known. And he's like, fuck, I'm going to have to kill you. And he's, this is when he, he brings up the, this is the last straw, basically. What about everyone else? All the other people who think they know what's good. And this is when Danny says they don't get to choose. Just like Tyrion said, the people of King's Landing didn't get to choose their fate. Super creepy as she's like smiling as she tells John they don't get choices. Like we you get know, to choose she, their fate. Yeah, she's like a total control freak here. And Be with me. Yeah, freedom is the freedom to choose for yourself. You know what I mean? And that's like the, the goal should be people giving people power and autonomy and freedom and yeah be with me she says build the new world with me this is our reason it's like darth vader come with me and we can rule the galaxy as father and son yeah except we can rule the seven kingdoms as aunt and nephew <laughs> lovers yeah <laughs> this is our reason it has been since the beginning since you were a little boy with a bastard's name and i was a little girl who couldn't count to 20 we do it together. We break the wheel together. It's true. And it's true. This is what they've both been geared for. 
she breaks the, you know, she eliminates Cersei and that whole thing. And he finishes the job by eliminating her. <laughs> and that has been their destiny since since they were both little. Ned saved John so he could do this at this moment. You know, she came back so she could get rid of the, the mad queen that was already there. And John has to get rid of her because she's even worse. So they are tied together. In, Still filling the destiny, too. Yeah, from... from yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fulfilling, you know, two halves of the destiny to to bring the new dawn, like you mentioned earlier. And now that the night has been defeated, now the fire is being defeated as well. And um You are my queen. Yeah, he's like <laughs> for a brief moment there when he says you are my queen now and always I thought for a split second love overpowered duty and that it would have been the ultimate tragedy if he had given in to her at this moment instead of following through with what needed to be done right the death of 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 duty to love and this really reminded me though like when he actually starts kissing her and you know stabs her it really reminded me of when ramsey hugs roose bolton yeah oh for my half god a we second. just said the same thing yeah. oh really <laughs> yeah i mentioned that um, on the live show he totally like she he, she gets roose boltoned oh how totally. funny yeah it's like i for like half a second you don't know who got stabbed if you if, if you, you know watch it someone... back again it's it's more clear upon second yeah, watch the second time you can see but... his yeah go ahead sarah yeah rachel the first time i watched it i was like what just who who did yeah. what how when you watch it the second time you i mean you know it was like oh, okay it was you definitely more clear yeah. the second time but, but in the so first amazing. watch that's I was like, what's <sighs> amazing about the first time watch is that feeling of who just killed just who? like who, with what, Roos what, and ramsey so awesome yeah like what just happened yes yeah, so, well i noticed second watch so he, his his body opens up and faces like away from her as he's kissing her and you can see his right shoulder cock yep. back yeah. as he reaches and back and him, unsheathes like, his blade and then she he he thrusts forward and you can see his his turns face towards her again and jams her with the thing and it's so it's so sad because like and I think he, you know, he really does love her and he kisses her and he means it in this moment. Like, yeah, he's like, I love you. You'll always be my queen, like forever. But like, I have to do this. You know, it's, it's, it's fucked. I but it has to be done. And he kisses her and means it and stabs her. And there's this crazy, crazy moment where like she reacts and she, they like their kiss breaks and she looks down and it's at the moment where she looks down where you realize that she's the one who's been stabbed yeah and then she looks back up at him and he kind of winces like like you you made me do this you know what i mean like <laughs> and and her eyebrows raise in response like oh my god like you actually did that and just like the the nuances of this Ugh. of this tandem performance, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, like I know. Oh my god! Did, I think I just did like everything that you just said with my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so intense. Like it was just a brilliant shared performance by these two actors here. Just mm -hmm. really, really well done. The back and forth. He's like the winds on his face and her reaction. Like you didn't have to, you know. And the second that her eyebrow eyebrows raise in like a moment of realization and her face just like instantly goes blank. And so then it, it close ups to her face as we start to see like Joffrey blood spilling out of her nose and her mouth and oh, yeah. sliding down the side of her face. 
and her face goes blank as she dies and uh, and it seems like she was like struggling with a series of emotions at the end there anger and sadness and the realization of just what was happening and it was crazy like the expression on her face as she's dying um, but then it cuts to an, an epic side shot of John holding her limp body, mm-hmm. just like in that piece of art um, yep. with, with stabbing yep. Longclaw vertically down through her chest. But in this image, it's not Longclaw, it's his dagger. And uh, it also mirrors the shot of him cradling Igrit's dead body, um, like perfectly. Oh, yeah. Except this You're time right. it was John's choice. John was Ollie in this circumstance again, you know? <laughs> John is Ollie as Samwell or Danny's convincing him to do what he knows is, is right. And then John is Ollie as Ollie killed Igrit. Now John is killing Danny. <laughs> it was like just so brutal, man. So insane. So I have one little thing that when I watched it through the second time that I wish they would have just done slightly differently. And it's so horrible that I'm saying this, but Mm -hmm. I wish her death was like, she was like a little bit more violent with her death in a way. Cause like if, when we, when we look at all the deaths on game of Thrones, like when people get stabbed in the gut, like a, a killing blow to the gut, there's a little bit more blood that comes out of the mouth. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, they took it pretty easy with... <laughs> I mean, it's just like this beautiful little dribble of blood. Like Yeah, two perfect streaks. It was like... too perfect for me, and it was beautiful. And don't get me wrong, I loved it. It was poetic. It was beautiful. It was done the way they felt that it needed to be done. But I felt like she should have, like, coughed up some blood and have, like... So she was trying to fight it a little? Yeah. Like she I just was just wishing that she had a last word or something. Yeah. Like I really oh, hope man. that she that had, had been crazy. one thing to say or that was the only thing. The only thing about it that upset me was that she didn't say anything. Oh. She was just totally shocked. She's like, I forgive you. <laughs> kind of like Jorah didn't couldn't say anything to her in his yeah. last dying moments. Yeah. But I just wish it was just a little bit more like realistic to the show when people get stabbed in the gut. Like, yeah, shit flies out. I think that he stabbed upwards from her um, solar plexus into her heart. And I think what he did was basically sever her aorta like instantly, which results in like, yeah, she bled out. Yeah, like immediate, near immediate death. That's what Dexter does is he severs the aorta of his victims for their killing Mm. stroke, (laughs) which is like near instant death. (laughs) I I mean, I totally brought this up. Like, I just, it's so funny that we're talking about like, (laughs) I wish she would have died more violently. (laughs) (laughs) It's so like awful for me to say. Very Cersei of you. I know. God damn. <laughs> I don't want to be like Cersei. It was just one of those like... Sure. Wish something they could have done things. a little I was like, oh, I wish it was just a little bit more um, Visceral. dirty. No, I yeah. totally get that. Sure. Like, I just wish he had another word. I wish... You know, it, it just seems like it should have been more impactful. Like, just, I thought it was perfect. Yeah. I mean, I loved I it know. the way it was. That's it was, it was great. That I kind of said too sure. I thought it was great about it, but uh, the only thing I would have said was it sh- it, it was so freaking fast 
Yeah. Just so fast. I know. And that's that's the other cool thing about it is that he knew he needed to act and he needed to act now. And every yeah. second that he delays, Grey Worm could be walking up behind him or something could be happening. Like he acted fast, you know, mm-hmm. the second that she said that they would not have a choice, which is exactly what Tyrion said. They didn't get to choose their fate. You know, like oh, that yeah. was You're totally right. That was what let John know Tyrion is right. And he had to do it. And it has to happen now yeah, it ha- or never. Yeah. Tonight's the night and it has to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just my one tiny, t- it's a teeny tiny little like, ew, I just wish it was a little bit. Sure, sure. Oh, man. It's, it's so crazy, though. He's holding her there and crying. And he's obviously so sad about this. Like, he loves her and doesn't want to have to do this, but he's forced to do it just because, like. He couldn't believe it happened. I don't think he could believe he even did it. Yeah, I agree. The look on his face just looked like. Oh my God, this just happened. Yeah, and he's he's crying as the John and Danny theme plays sadly. And after a couple seconds, you hear Drogon stirring from outside, which reminds him. Then you see him, yeah, too. He flies past. It's like he knows something's wrong, and he's just trying to locate exactly where it, where it is, right? So he, he it's crazy, too, because John knows that Drogon is coming, but still, he doesn't leave Danny's body. He holds on to I think he was planning her. to die by Drogon. Oh yeah, die with Danny. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it seemed like it, you know, like in a sort of Jamie esque way, he was ready to go out with with her. Um, or that would be his sacrifice. Like I did what had to be done. Yeah, take me. So Drogon like flies by and then figures out where they are and lands and starts crawling over the rubble into the room, and John slowly lays Danny to rest on the floor and sort of starts backing away and as Drogon Drogon's like whining almost like you know like a low pitched sad sound that tells John like get out of my way dude you know <laughs> and it's the fucking saddest ever as Drogon is nudging her body but yeah the oh, way that he so horrible and sad music is playing and the way he grills John and just like stares at him and like he just looks so mad like he's he goes through so many emotions and like one moment like he like looks at him he like his eyebrows fur and then he they get back up and then he smells her i don't know how they did that that i don't know and then his eyes kind of like darken like he he kind of like frowns and they kind of open up again and and he like cocks back his head like viserion did (laughs) just like two episodes ago when john was in danger in the courtyard at winterfell and he's he's looking down Drogon's throat as the flames are shining from within. Like you can see them start to rise, and he's just ready for death, basically. And he like steals himself and looks down at Danny and looks like he's just ready for it. And then Drogon just fires at the throne instead. Just, whoa! And what a visual shot that was! Oh my god! Yeah, the, god. the tendrils of the top of the throne, the sword points melting down to the sides and. And he was just going, like puking, puking flames. He was so mad. Over and over puking and over. flames, that's awesome. <laughs> and he lets out such a, a, a cry of, you know, agony. And like when he realizes that she's dead, he stands up and holds his wings out and just like, like people for miles must have been like, oh shit, what happened? Because that did not sound good. You know what I mean? No, and then again, they see like a burst of dragon fire coming out of the Red Keep. 
Right. I mean, I'm sure yeah. like the Dothraki and the Unsullied below, we didn't really get to see any of like the aftermath of that. But I mean, you're probably like, what the fuck? Was clearly visible from, you know, far away, considering it was high up in the in the tower. Mm-hmm. And I just loved watching that throne melt away. I thought it was very fitting because the image of this season is Drogon oh, as kind the of throne. staring down onto the throne. Yeah, it's like or, Drogon yeah, like overlaid onto the throne with like his spikes being the, the throne mm-hmm. spikes. Damn. So I thought that that was Connecting like... Connecting Drogon and the throne, like showing that there would be some important connection with the two. Yeah. And, and like just, the one thing that you could think of that would melt the throne yeah it took a dragon to make it yeah it took a dragon to destroy what a dragon made and it's both john and and drogon you know it it was danny yeah i mean it It had to be danny right it took john to to eliminate danny and it took drogon to eliminate the throne and this is where the wheel breaks this is the sacrifice that john made you know and the sacrifices danny made to get herself there yep and all the horror that you know, kind of came about because of it, you know, the wheel is broken and then we get Bran the broken. <laughs> yeah. When you think no one else, like none of them could have taken the throne. None of them could have made it the way it should have been. Yeah. It no. had to be destroyed. It, sh- it could not be a throne. Right. That's what, something I've been saying for a long time. Like the throne can't exist at the end of this. Like it can't, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I was I've been worried about having any dragons exist as well, but at least Drogon seems to um, you know have flown away, and maybe Bran can keep a hold on him, keep him from killing people or something, or at least keep an eye on him, just make sure he's not yeah going crazy. So that pretty much wraps up my number two. Anything else you guys want to add about that, John and Danny, the death of Daenerys Targaryen? Mm. Wow. Oh, that was crazy to see that. That was like an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So good. So So what's your number one, Princess Sarah? Um, My number one was um, how much we love Ghost and how much John loves Ghost. Yes. (laughs) Nice. That was so important to me. Yeah, me too. I was really happy to see... um, that ghost and john are finally reunited and in good fashion this time like we actually see john them like you know like nuzzle up with each other and stuff like that you know well i was worried they kept like doing the shots of him you know up on the you know the little terrace and it just kept showing john and i was like where's ghost right where's ghost i kept saying that to dave they do not show ghost we're gonna have a problem we're gonna have a major problem when i turn (laughs) (laughs) i saw ghost i was like oh thank god thank you and then we it. hear him we hear him whine and I'm like, yes, Yeah, you hear him before yes! you see him. Exactly. I was so happy. That made I mean, if nothing else, that made the episode. Because <laughs> it was just so it was so perfect because that felt more fitting to me than a lot of the other pieces that may or may not have fallen together. That felt <laughs> sure. like, okay, we are getting this together. And they really do care about how the fans feel yeah. and how John would feel, how, you know, the story should be maybe, ending. Maybe it was just too hard for John to say goodbye at Winterfell. He just couldn't do it. He had to leave. <laughs> otherwise, mm, otherwise he would I'm have saying. cracked into a million pieces. 
Um, but yeah. I still don't like the way he left Ghost, but I'm glad that they have been reunited. Yeah, and that he had he's they've forgiven you know he's forgiven John apparently. <laughs> if if Ghost can forgive John, so can I. <laughs> um, well, maybe Bran warped into Ghost and said, "Hey, John's coming anyway. <laughs> Don't worry." <laughs> yeah, maybe it's entirely possible. Should we just talk about that Castle Black scene while we're uh, while we're there? Sure. Nice. We get one horn blast as we, which is the you know the universal signal of Rangers returning, and we get two of those two guys that were escorting him from from the dungeon and um john looks weary as he arrives at castle black and tormund looks down from atop one of the um the walkways and like the look on his face it looks like is if like as if he's sorry that after everything that's happened john has been banished to to the wall again you know that's like kind of the look i got from it or the the vibe Mm -hmm. i got from it Mm which was interesting and it John rides in and it fades to black for the second time. <laughs> and I was like, damn, is that going to be the end? But nope. Comes back with a cool montage of Starks getting dressed up oh, like I with, with swords and braids and daggers and fancy clothing. And it reminded me of the montage at the start of episode of season six, episode 10, the winds of winter. Winds of winter. Yeah. <gasps> All right, as Cersei yes. and Marjorie and Tommen are getting prepared mm-hmm. for the big day at the, of court, essentially at the sept of Baylor. And so we're, this is mim- mimicked here, uh, mirrored here with the Stark family instead. And, Arya is preparing for her journey to sail west. John is clad in black again. Sansa is getting dressed up and entering the Winterfell throne room and walking amongst all the people. And Arya, her dress, oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> so good, yeah. It, with the with the weirwood leaves and the sleeves. Oh man, I'll have to go back and take a closer look because I didn't really oh, notice it's gorgeous. it. The dress, the crown, the chair. The chair the, was really cool. Oh, oh my god, the direwolves. Yeah on the sides and stuff and I saw her dress and I gasped nice I, was like, <laughs> I, did too. I oh really did I was like <gasps> I missed it <laughs> um, oh it's beautiful it's so funny though that it, it shows all three of them walking through their people you know as Sansa walks through the northern lords and Arya walks through her crew on her ship just like salty from the salt pans, you know, squab uh, names you know that she used to go by when she's been on boats at various points in the show and uh, John is walking amongst the wildlings, and that's when he hears Ghost and looks over, and Ghost is big again, and they nuzzle each other, and Ghost is so huge, he kind of like knocks John off balance, which was funny. <laughs> like that. That was so cute. And finally, a good Ghost moment, and it cuts to from the, the close up of John and Ghost to the direwolf prow of Arya's ship, uh, which was a cool cut. From direwolf to direwolf, and um, this is realizing that this is another season that ends with Arya sailing off into the horizon, which is kind of cool. And uh, they, oh yeah, you know, like the end oh, of yeah. season four. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that. Sorry. The children, <laughs> I think the episode was called. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. The net cuts to the gate opening at Castle Black again for John and Tormund to head north beyond the wall, which evokes that pilot episode scene. And then it cuts back to Sansa, who's being crowned and sits mm. in her direwolf throne and she gets the Queen in the North chant. The Queen in the North! Fist pumping their like, swords oh, to the sky. Again. <laughs> the Queen in the North! So awesome. 
Love it. And then we see that crown was like everything to me. <laughs> I, I love that. It looks so good on her. So cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool for sure. And the two direwolves howling. Yeah. yeah. And uh, then it cuts to Arya's ship and zooms outwards and revealing the massive direwolf sail, which just looks looks beautiful and so good to see the direwolf sigil in any circumstance after being deprived of it for so long, you know. And then um, it cuts to John, lead, ghost leading the way, and John heading up north beyond the wall, followed behind by Tormund and a whole host of wildlings. And this is super significant. Like you mentioned, there was a patch of green grass. It could be hinting that beyond the wall, there may be you know some summer weather. Maybe it'll be green up there first to for some to some extent. And now that the, like, this is a huge accomplishment, you know, I mean, Sansa is with her people, the, the Northern Lords that respect her and love her. And John is now beyond the wall with people who respect and love him. The people He's got that, the real North in him. Yeah, he is a real North in him. He helped free these people and helped get them past the wall so that they could be saved from the joining the army of the dead with the Night King. And these are people that, who, whose respect he has earned you know he paid the, the iron price you could say for for this he doesn't need a last name for that yeah he doesn't need a last no. name for them he doesn't need anything for them because they follow strength they followed mance raider you know and just because of his strength of character it's sort of like the dothraki in that way you know what i mean so as as this monumental achievement has been undertaken and accomplished and the night king is gone and the the north beyond the wall is freed at least for now, from the grips of the undead abominations. <laughs> um, it's like a whole new area of the realm now is like safe to occupy. You know what I mean? So it's like... Or like a new realm. Yeah, it's like a whole new realm. And I mean, if... Situation it, out there that he's going to create yeah. and lead. And yeah, if they're going to want anybody leading them, it would, it would be Jon Snow or Aegon Targaryen, I guess. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's against the Night's Watch oath to to leave your post and everything like that but one we don't know if he even swore the oath again once he's beyond the wall and like from bran from being expelled from bran's jurisdiction in order for the king to try to get justice if john escaped the night's watch or refused to swear the oath he'd have to go through the northern kingdom which is a separate kingdom and he'd have to cross into beyond the wall which will probably be a new kingdom by that point um with true but i mean it, it would be sort of dishonorable for john not to swear the oath but then again i could see since he's already gave his life for the he's night's already watch swung the or he's already oath. passed that whole point I right think. exactly they could they could just tell him like listen you've already done this we and i just don't think bran or sansa would pursue him if he were just to go beyond the wall and stay there yeah i don't think so either mm-hmm. i mean they're related and they were sad that they had to do it anyways. Yeah, totally. You know? It was more of like a scheme to get him to safety. And I feel like maybe... I was going to say it's like... A, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. You, you go ahead. I was going to say it's kind of a quiet oath, quiet secret, quiet thing that they all kind of looked at each other and said, hey, you're in the Night's Watch. <laughs> yeah, you're... Yeah. I feel like maybe this was even part of Bran's plan that he, you know, saw all this happening that now the 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 Westeros is divided into three pieces that are all ruled by Starks potentially. <laughs> Bran Stark in the southern six kingdoms, Sansa Stark, queen in the north, 
and Jon yeah. Snow or Aegon Targaryen, who's basically a Stark in all but name. Yeah. As maybe the new king beyond the wall. I feel like if if they I think uh, that's what it is. You know? I think the Starks won the game. Yeah, like the Starks and and now we have Arya going west to to begin their expansion, you know, start colonizing a new continent. <laughs> the the Starks won the game for sure. It's so funny. So now full spectrum domination from south to north by the Starks on the continent of Westeros and Arya going west even further to to expand their sphere of influence, which is hilarious. I love it. I wrote I wrote it down that going beyond the wall was kind of almost in a way like John's retirement because he never liked being Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. He didn't like killing people and having all that political bullshit to deal with. Mm -hmm. And now that he's beyond the wall, I felt like he's home in a weird way. Yeah, exactly. Totally. He has his, he has his dire wolf. He has one of his best friends, Tormund. Tormund. He knows the wildlings. He knows their culture. He knows what type of people they are and he can live Let's, you know, and I'm speculating here, of course, but maybe he could live the life that he wants to live moving forward. Yeah, I think he he doesn't have these responsibilities. It's entirely possible. Yeah, totally. So I took it as a almost like a sad positive, like he does get banished and expelled from the, you know, like six, seven kingdoms. (laughs) But it opens up a whole new world of possibility for him. Of of maybe peace for him. Yeah, like like well, inner, they ended inner where they peace. began. Like the first thing he wanted to do was go be in the night's watch. Yep. And he <laughs> ended where he began. He already took the oath and he Yeah, that's so funny. Figured it out. I want to join the Night's Watch with you, Uncle Benjamin. And <laughs> you know and um it's yeah, it's crazy, man. So the gate starts lowering and John looks back as the gate co- covers him from view and then he turns back forward towards the front of the group of wildlings that's all heading north and cracks just a tiny smile and (laughs) starts riding forward and it's like things are working out all right you know and we get like john just looks content in that moment and that's it from there it shows just it's just them riding out into the woods just like at the beginning of the pilot episode and Mm -hmm. cuts to black So good. I thought it was perfect. So good. I really did. Really, really great. I loved it. Yeah. I'm so happy uh, that they pulled it together in the way that they did. I thought this was really great. All right. So moving on to my number one. You guys already did yours? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So moving on to my number one, which is the perpetual hand. (laughs) Tyrion, who just like can't get out of the game either. Like John, you keep dragging him back in. They pull him back in, you know, and (laughs) he just keeps being (laughs) made a hand of the king and hand of the queen and things around him keep falling apart. And he keeps trying to, (laughs) now he's just wants nothing to do with it, but he can't escape, you know, so funny. So uh, like John too. John's like, I don't want this. Tyrion's like, I don't want this. Yeah, exactly. So Bran's like, I don't want this. Bran's like, yeah. <laughs> or did I? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe did he? Hmm. <laughs> I saw somebody posting that it, like Bran is the most evil character of all because he knew he was going to end up king apparently, and he just sat by and let millions of people be slaughtered without warning anybody or letting anybody know that it was going to happen. Also, that he could end up on the throne. <laughs> I was like, damn. I was going to ask you about that actually <laughs> that's so hardcore 
Oh man, it's funny. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Yeah. I was kind of curious about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there in a couple minutes when we get to Bran's yeah, election yep. coming up. So the scene starts with Tyrion, who's lying on the ground, imprisoned. Um, still, as usual, again, you know, what, whichever adjective you want to pick for, for Tyrion and being jailed. And I was sure when Grey Worm arrives here and leads him out, I thought he was walking to his execution. I thought they, you know, Danny, yeah. yeah. I thought they found out Except, Danny was dead and that they were just going to fucking off him and be done with it, you know? Except, Except that you noticed so. that his beard was longer. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Oh. He turned to me. He goes, check his beard. He I goes, it's that. been some time. His beard is longer. I noticed John's was longer. <laughs> but yeah. No, I noticed Tyrion's was. And that's the only thing that, like, the first thing I thought was, oh, he's about to die. And then I was like, wait. Yeah. He right, just said like that she doesn't keep prisoners for very long. Yeah. Oh, good point. Yeah. And, and then his long ass beard. Because he was dead. Dude. She was dead. That's so crazy. <laughs> I also have to give a shout out to Dave. I don't know if I mentioned this last night, but he called Bran sitting on the Iron Throne at the beginning of the season. Oh, really? Did he really? And I totally like shut him down. I was like, there's no way. The wheelchair was the giveaway, I guess, right? Yeah. They he goes, I just have this feeling. Like, what's his purpose? Chair. Yeah, that's so crazy. Good for so, you, Dave. Yeah. You nailed that Dave. one, buddy. Well <laughs> That's awesome. Well yeah. played. Well played, good well friend. Well played, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I started thinking, what the hell is going on when, when I saw Sansa and Bran at the gathering? I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Oh, time must have passed, you know? <laughs> and um, immediately Sansa's... And like, they don't do that very often. Like, yeah. they do it where you don't, they don't talk about it. They don't make it obvious. Mm -hmm. But they don't... I know that I noticed on the show they don't do voiceovers. I think they've done it maybe twice. I think what uh, didn't they do that like with Tyrion? They did a whole voiceover with Tyrion. They did, and then they did one with John too. Yeah, at, uh, during the Battle of Winterfell. Yeah, a, and then they don't. Voiceover? They don't do well. Like if if there's a voiceover, they're taking audio of a, another conversation or monologue that's occurring, and they'll play a montage of clips under it. Right. Yeah. 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 Because we'd never get like narration per se no um yeah it's something that they don't do often we get it when Littlefinger's conversation about the ladder with a montage over sansa crying as his ship goes away we get oh, okay I see what you're we saying. get um john having a montage uh, or speaking about strategy a couple weeks ago over a montage they do do it occasionally right but it's not very often they don't they very rarely do it and if they do it it's important yeah like, definitely very attention. important and they they don't do like five years later or anything. Right, yeah. <laughs> so this was kind of like whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. some time has passed <laughs> what happened so they get out there and we see Yara Greyjoy. We see the new Prince of Dorne. We see Robin Aaron, who looks like he's grown up 10 years, which he has, which is so crazy. He's super tall now. Yeah. I saw somebody posted a great meme with, it's like the key, because people were saying, what, like, oh, Robin Aaron's hot now. And, uh, they like the actor or whatever so they were like the key to growing up strong is milk you know and it was like a picture of Tormund you know with Tormund like milk all over him <laughs> and Robin Heron is like breast milk until he, he was like 10 he does look good though like, <laughs> he does look good he turned into a pretty <laughs> handsome young man yeah good oh. for him good for him who are the other two people sitting there there's one guy like good, next yeah, to Royce and then there's one guy next to Sam yeah mm -hmm. not sure any ideas Sarah 
Uh, no, I was going to ask the same question because um, I was trying to think who they would be related to, why they would be related to, you know, that position and throne. I don't know. It's possible one of them could be Howland Reed, um, oh. just because that, oh, yeah, that's still I a surviving a great house. If that's Howland Reed, people were mad about that. I don't know. Well, there ended up being no reason for Howland Reed, so it would have right. made sense, and it might make sense in the books when there's more time and Danny might need more proof, but we kind of had to just, you know, Danny, Danny just kind of had to believe Bran and, and Sam at this point, because there just wasn't enough time to flesh everything out, yeah. you know? Um, Agreed. So, of course, immediately Sansa's like, where's John?" You know, and we learn that Grey Worm and the Unsullied and the Dothraki basically are, are occupying King's Landing and that John and Tyrion are their prisoners and they will decide what they do with their prisoners because it's their city now. And Sansa's like, well, if you look outside the gates, there's thousands of Northmen who will explain to you why harming Jon Snow is not in your interest. And uh, they're going back and forth about all this. And we learn that, you know, Yara Greyjoy's there and she's like, some of you are quick to forgive, but the Ironborn are not. I swore to follow Daenerys Targaryen. And I, I thought it was interesting that she's like so gung-ho still backing Danny, but she didn't see what Danny did, you know? Exactly. And she yeah. also. She didn't see that. Yeah. And she also was in love with Danny as well, just like John and Tyrion. You know, she basically offered her hand in marriage for or part she of the alliance deal. Most of them were seduced by her. Oh, yeah, very totally. Easily. That's a good point. Good, good way to put it. I mean, maybe she does just doesn't care that much because she's ironborn. All they do is rape and reeve and pillage and row, you know, like. And That's true. So yeah. maybe it's just like didn't phase Yara. She's like, good for you, Danny, like sack in the city. That's what we would have done, you know. So Sansa's all pissed. She's like, you swore to follow a tyrant. But. Yara does point out that Danny freed them from Cersei, who was also a tyrant. <laughs> and then Jon Snow put a knife in her heart, and she's all pissed off about that. Let the Unsullied give him what he deserves. It's like, oh, man, I can see how people are mad about this, you know? And, but but uh, Arya is not having any of that. I love this. She uh, looks and right it's over representing Yara. all of the fans, almost. It's representing every... Like every person who's like, but I think that this was silly and I hated that. I feel like it's going from every direction in that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's covering the full a spectrum of commentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so um, Arya is super pissed and she's like, say another word about killing my brother and I'll cut your throat. And Yara looks like she's about ready to go for a second there, uh, which is kind of funny. But then Davos steps up, friends, please, <laughs> and manages to calm everybody down and everybody kind of sits back and he does point out, we've been cutting each other's throats for long enough. Like this has to end, you know, like we've been through years of bloodshed and this, it's like ridiculous. Look at what's sitting in front of us, just a city that's destroyed. This could happen to the whole continent if we don't get our shit together. You know what I mean? And um, so... He tries to be respectful to Grey Worm and address him properly. <laughs> Torgo Torgo nudo. Nude. <laughs> <laughs> Am I saying that Am I properly? Saying that right? And it's so funny. It cuts to Grey Worm and he's just standing there. He's just like, no. <laughs> no. Torgo nudo. Am I saying that properly? He doesn't move a milli inch anywhere in his body. Mm -hmm. He's just statuesque, you know, and it's just mm -hmm. hilarious. It's like it cuts to a still frame of Grey Worm <laughs> and Tyrion even is like, 
<laughs> like, is he going to react at all? Like, wow, he's yeah. standing really still. He's like Drax in, in uh, what's it called? Uh, in Guardians Guard of the Galaxy. Yeah. I've mastered the ability of standing so incredibly still that I've become invisible to the eye. Watch. You didn't even see me move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's how still Torgo Nudo was at that point, which is hilarious. And he Davos is trying to, you know, get them on the team. And he's like, listen, you guys did so much to help us. We owe you a debt that can never be repaid. We totally recognize that. And we, we want to, you know, do something to to help you know to try at least to repay it and Sansa's like yeah nodding and he mentions land in the reach there's land in the reach good land the people that used to live there are gone make it your own and I'm like no that's bronze land <laughs> that's that's <laughs> right? my garden you're talking about and uh, no, although see, I, I thought the same thing <laughs> I guess there's also the Tarleys you know but then again the Mrs. Tarley is still there you know Sam's mom and everything Horn Hill yeah, yeah Horn Hill so he's, she so, and his daughter are still there. Yeah, and they wouldn't displace them. So they've got to be talking about a high garden, right? And I if, took it as high garden. Yeah, so if Davos had given them high garden and then Tyrion, Tyrion had ended up free, he would have had to watch his back for Bronn. Because <laughs> Bronn <laughs> wouldn't have been able to get high garden and then he would have come for Tyrion, you know? So luckily that didn't happen because Tyrion would have had another death death warrant on his head. <laughs> so uh, Grey Worm's like, "No, we do not need payment. We need justice. Jon Snow cannot go free." And Tyrion steps like speaks out here. Surprisingly, he's just like, "Dude, like it's not up to you, man." Who died and made you king? Uh, well, it's like, uh, Danny, you know? <laughs> I know, that's why I said that. Well, that's what that. I was yeah, going to exactly. say. Like, like, so what do you think happened right after Danny died? Like, how do you think everything played out that made him think, okay, we'll just take over? I guarantee you, Drogon screamed and wailed and howled and went flying off. And people saw this and heard it from miles away. And I, I bet you anything that the Unsullied were like, as soon as they heard that shit, started Straight. rushing, the, rushing the keep. And they probably came into the throne room and found John sit standing there like, oh, you know, <laughs> and uh. probably asked him what happened. And he probably told him exactly what happened. And they were like, uh, you're being taken into custody. I think they've do- been doing a lot of cleanup, too. <laughs> oh, like cleaning up the city? Yeah, I think, you know, like they control the city, but there's like a lot of stuff to do before they talk about, you know, conquering something else. That city is just decimated. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Totally destroyed. Totally destroyed. And Grey Worm is pissed. He's like, you are not allowed to speak right now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what the hell? You're our prisoner. Shut the hell up. We didn't bring you here to talk. (laughs) So funny. Yeah, Everyone's from his heard perspective, enough. He has every right to be pissed. Oh yeah. I mean, if you look at it from his point of view, yeah, I would be pissed too. I've done everything for this one person, and he just got killed. <laughs> like, right. And we don't know why. By your friend, you who you told to kill him, or her. Uh, yep. <laughs> so um, 
he, he was like, everyone has heard enough words from you. And I thought this was funny because Tyrion is known as just a talker. You know, <laughs> he talks and talks and talks. Like there's that scene in Marine where he's trying to get him Grey Worm and Missande to talk and just like joke or like be human a little bit. And so he's like, God damn it. Like, everyone's heard enough from you, Tyrion. Like, just shut your mouth for once. And no one is any better for it. Yeah, Tyrion even admits it straight up. But it's not for you to decide. You know, his fate is for our king to decide or our queen. And everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We don't have one. And he's like, <laughs> kind of points out, uh, here we are. You know, you guys, we're the most powerful people in Westeros all sitting right here. Like, pick one, you know? Figure it out. And Let's even, make a choice. Yeah, and Grey Worm thinks about it. And he's like, yeah, you know, that does make sense. Make your choice then and kind of stands down. And I was like, <laughs> even Grey Worm is down. That's pretty funny. Mm. Um, and then Q, Edmure, fucking oh Tully. The floppy fish. What a loser. He thinks he's a good candidate, <laughs> which is great. He goes, you're My lords and ladies. idiots out of <laughs> yeah. all of them. I love the way they played that out, though. Like, it, it made it, they gave him bravasso. Like, he was just like, I have my speech and I'm so ready. Oh, he's like, yeah, oh, like bravado, it. you mean? Bravado, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was ready to go. He had a speech. Like, he was ready to do the whole thing. Uncle. What we decide today will reverberate through the annals of history. <laughs> I stand before you as senior lo- one of the senior lords in the country, a veteran of two wars, and like, I like he really thought it was going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's so funny. The way he's he says is, proud. I like to think my experience has led to <clears throat> some small skill in statecraft and understanding. <laughs> like, it's like, dude, you've been imprisoned for the past number of years after failing so at like, everything that you were told to do. Sit down. Yeah. Uncle, please sit. So politely, like, Uncle. Damn. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of rude. It was polite, but rude at the same time. And then he like looks around and everyone's just like, oh my God. Yeah. And he looks around. Everybody's like, mm, like rubbing their beards and stuff. And he goes to turn and smacks his sword against the, like a pole, which makes him just <laughs> illustrates Awkward. and demonstrates how inept he is, you know, it's just like just total lack of awareness of his surroundings mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. Like um, in Batman Begins. You haven't beaten me. You have sacrificed sure footing for a killing stroke. She has no idea of what's going on around him. So uh, Tyrion <laughs> speaks up again and he's like, well, we have to choose someone. And this is where Sam has the hilarious meta commentary moment because so many people were like, maybe they'll make a, like a representative democracy where everybody votes, you know, and this is the showrunners basically laughing at us like, no, oh, we're not going to give you that. <laughs> yeah. That would be too good. You know, Sam was so great in that. And everyone just starts busting up laughing at yeah, him. <laughs> maybe the decision about what's best for everyone should be, well, left to everyone. <laughs> I love that they like he po- he put together a whole point and they gave him all that time to put together that point. Yeah. And laid it out very and the eloquently. the timing was like, boom, no. Nope. <laughs> Maybe we should give the dogs a vote as well. <laughs> I'll ask my horse. I'll ask my horse, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Edmure speaks up again to Tyrion and he, you know, says what a few people are probably thinking. Like, I bet you want the crown, huh? 
to Tyrion. And, and Tyrion, he's like, no. Yeah, he's <laughs> everybody hates me for one reason or another. <laughs> yeah, it shows that he is the one with like the small skill in statecraft and diplomacy. Like he can see what the people would be thinking. The imp, the half man, mm-hmm. the twisted monkey demon that everybody remembers and hates, who killed their king and was in exile and then came back wor- working for the enemy with a dragon who roasted the city and killed everybody mm-hmm. that he didn't manage to kill this first round when he was working for like, under Joffrey you know uh, and yeah. <laughs> so yeah people would hate him you know <laughs> half the people hate him half the people you know hate him for he's kind of himself like, yeah he, he, yeah, he thinks he's worthless and that's the, like the saddest part about him he's lost faith in himself as we mm-hmm. as we learn you know so uh, it's like I can't think of a worse choice <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so somebody's like well who then and it's very interesting his response he's he's a thinker he always has been and it's amazing to me also that everybody's looking to him for answers when he's being extracted from a jail cell and after everything that he's been through and done and the way that people see him like he mentions but these these lords and ladies don't they know him to some extent they don't see him as a monster because they know him so all these people are looking to him for advice which is just kind of wild um, and he's standing there in shackles and he's <laughs> laying out the new system, essentially, you know, he basically Sick. just dis- decides everything. <laughs> um, I love that they said like, or um, Grey Worm, don't talk. You don't get to talk. You don't. And he just talks. Yeah. <laughs> and Grey Worm just backs off and he lets him do. Uh, so he's like, I've had nothing to do but think these past few weeks about our bloody history, about the mistakes we've made. And this is a crazy point you know it reminds people it's remindful of that riddle of where power lies you know is it does it lie with the king does it lie with the clergy does it lie with the coin does it lie with the swords you know and so he's like what what unites people armies gold flags stories there's nothing in the world more powerful than a good story nothing can stop it nothing no enemy can defeat it and it reminded me of that idea from v for vendetta what is it ideas are bulletproof yes you know which was really cool ideas are bulletproof but this is the saddest part of the entire episode for me it's like this was supposed to be a moment about how the show brought people together and gave them something to enjoy and instead in, instead of being interpreted and received that way for me this moment sort of lost its weight because of like the way that the fan base has reacted to this season in my opinion <sighs> okay so um back to the idea of a story being something nobody can defeat nothing can stop it mm-hmm. um so this is interesting just the idea of a story, you know, if you're going to elect a leader, somebody with a cool story, that's not qualification for a position of leadership. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to look for a leader, I'm looking for somebody who has philosophies and policies that I agree with that I find that I find just, you know what I mean? So to just say, uh, (laughs) who has an interesting story, the brand, the broken, you know, at its face. Westeros. What? It's a lot. I said it's Westeros, though. That's a lot different. Right. But at, whole... at its face, it doesn't seem to make sense. But the way that he fleshes it out, it does end up sort of making sense because it's not just about the story. He does have a fascinating story, which makes him interesting and makes mm-hmm. him, you know, like something that 
people could think about and be willing to want to you know have as their leader but uh what is important about bran is not necessarily the story of how he became the three-eyed raven but the fact that he is the three-eyed raven he's our memory the keeper of our stories the wars weddings births massacres famines our triumphs our defeats our past who better to lead us into the future so it goes from being about the story to being being about the knowledge and even even that in itself isn't the best you know because like yeah he may know all the stories and uh, all the details but what if he sides with the leadership style of Magor the cruel <laughs> you know what i mean over over like you know like some other just king like jaharis the conciliator you know what i mean <laughs> we don't know yeah. just because he knows everything doesn't mean he'll pick the side that, that we find to be just although i think they're implying that he sort of has a just nature they're trying to give you knowledge is power that yeah. whole thing yeah 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 sure that, uh, so it's kind of funny the whole time Tyrion is pumping up bran here and telling about his amazing story going beyond the wall after being crippled and you know never being able to walk again but learning to fly and a crippled boy surviving beyond the wall and sam is like oh like and all these people are like oh this is pretty amazing you know <laughs> and i bet some of them are like what the fuck's the three-eyed raven what does that even mean what are you talking about he knows about all the weddings and wars and <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh the whole time that he's going through this this rant pushing for bran sansa and Arya are like huh <laughs> kind of looking back and forth at each other like what is he talking about i think sansa might have been a little hurt here that Tyrion didn't nominate her yeah totally after everything that she's yeah. been through and the fact that she wants it and bran doesn't i yeah. think the look on her face to oh, Tyrion was like what the fuck that, that like, look of entitlement that she, she, she and i think that's so funny because it. she even says like bran doesn't have any interest in ruling and he can't father children like how the fuck do you I know that perfect fit for this <laughs> yeah it's so funny she's definitely prompt like um positioning herself to, <laughs> like you said for sure that was the way i read it too that she was like oh this should be me you know which is kind yeah. of funny <laughs> but even Arya's like, huh, too? Because, you know, from Sansa's perspective, it should be me. And from Arya's perspective, who has the most interesting story? She might. <laughs> you know, she's got a really interesting, you know, she's learned to, like, transcend the laws of physics as well. And, you know, learned to um, to transform and morph to d different shape-shifting abilities and crazy skills and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. So she's got a pretty interesting story, too. You know, she's got a good case if it was just about the story. But uh, Bran, you know, has a good, important knowledge base. Knowing the past uh, will help you to build a better future by being able to pick out the things that worked and benefited the most people and employ them and improve them. And uh, so Bran could be theoretically a good choice as long as he has uh, that good Stark morality, which he probably does because he's a Stark, you know? And I love but judging hearing... everything that just happened... Did he use good Stark morality if he knew everything that just happened before? Uh, that's the, that's the question. Yeah, is if he, yeah, if he knew this was all going to happen and allowed mil a million people to be slaughtered just so that he could end up on the throne. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, who knows? I mean, that's why I love the show, though. Right, we can talk about it for days. <laughs> yeah, and there's also the question of like, huh, like 
how much of Bran Stark really is left at all? Like, is is this like that's a great question? Is this like a large portion of like the Three Eyed Raven? You know, like is it like this figure who's been trapped under a tree and has been looking for the perfect pawn to take over to rule the Seven Kingdoms? Like, is it even Bran Stark anymore? Did he allow all these millions of people to be? this million people to be slaughtered because his autonomy was overridden by the third the three eye raven entity whoever this is this like he has said uh, like we should go back and count how many times he has said i'm I'm not not brand anymore i'm not brand anymore i remember what it's like to be him but he may be like somebody else entirely like he may be the god like like the the like the, the the one of the old gods or something you know what i mean like the three eyed raven could be like this transcendent figure, this combination of all these entities combined into one. Like, I don't know. Like, it, we don't know if its intent so is good. good or bad or what, you know? <laughs> it's just interesting. Who knows? Maybe it's Bran. Maybe it's not. But uh, What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let us know. Write to ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. <laughs> so, so um, oh yeah. So, so Sansa's like, like you said, Bran has no interest in ruling and he can't even father children. And Bran kind of looks over like, what? You think you can speak for me? You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he kind of eyes her and Batyrian's like, good. Sons of kings can be cruel and stupid, as you well know. <laughs> you know, his will never torment us. And uh, looks back at Grey Worm, like trying to earn a little bit of, you know, respect and confidence back from him and points out, this is the wheel our queen wanted to break. And he even calls Danny our queen still, uh, which is interesting. So he, this, he's just like dictates here. What's what it's going to be like, this is not a question. This is a statement. He says from now on rulers will not be born. They will be chosen on this spot by the lords and ladies of Westeros to serve the realm. And he just like dictates that that's the way it's going to be now, you know? And I was just like, epic, like that is the breaking the wheel. That's, you know, instead of having a hereditary monarchy, having some form of uh, elected leadership is, it's definitely the first step, you know? So, uh, so he turns to Bran and he's like, I know you don't want it. I know you don't care about power. But if I ask you, if we choose you, will you wear the crown? Will you lead the seven kingdoms to the best of your abilities from this day until your last day? And it sort of reminded me of like the mar- like a marriage vow, like until death do you part, you know, like, will you take this seriously and like be, be real or you know, like the oath of office or something? But, um, and he's like, you said, why do I, why do you think I came all this way? And he sort of smiles, and I was like, "What?" Robo what Brand fuck? smiles. Creepy Brand. Creepy Brand. Dude, he's the ultimate creeper, man. I thought that was a, a weighted line. I came all this way because of Brand's journey. Like, right? He was. He went beyond the wall. He became the Three Eyed Raven, meaning like Brand came all this way to be to be in a the place, new king. The new king called Bran the Broken which I mentioned a little bit earlier that that symbolized to me the broken the wheel. breaking of the wheel yep so yeah. I mean he came all this way yeah he came down from Winterfell but I think there was more weight behind that statement than just mm-hmm. right well yeah I mean I traveled three weeks to get here that's why I came all this way I've seen it's all like, these complaints about this 
It's like, well, what connection to, to the Night King does Arya even have? Why does it make sense for her to kill him? I'm like, well, maybe because the Night King is the greatest enemy of the many-faced god who's literally undoing his work by resurrecting the thousands and thousands of dead people. That's like the whole purpose of the many-faced god is to deliver death to give the gift. And like this dude's undoing his work. So he sends his, you know, one of his great assassins, Arya, to be in the right place at the right time because she's a Stark and it makes perfect sense to eliminate the Night King on behalf of the Many-Faced God. Or then they're like, well, well what's, what was the purpose of Bran's whole story at all? And it's like, obviously... Like Tyrion just said, to become the new king, to rule justly, <laughs> to know all the past, know history, to prevent it from repeating itself. And it's like, he's the, if, you know, if they say history repeats itself, the ultimate way to break the wheel, to stop the wheel from going in the cycle and repeating itself, is to have the person who knows history the best be the ruler, who's Bran, who can stop the cycle by knowing mm-hmm. history to prevent it from repeating itself. You know what I mean? So... It makes sense, basically, is what I'm <laughs> what I'm getting at here. Like, <laughs> well critici- done, hey. Yeah, these critical <laughs> these criticisms that people have, like they don't stand up to my scrutiny. Well, and at people least people are welcome to have criticisms, but it gets so it gets so extra that it's yeah, super of, extra. And like think about it. Just think about the story. Think about the characters. Right. Think about these people who we've learned about the last decade. It's there. Everything is there. Yeah, and, and like I understand how people are feel hurt like they feel like legitimately like hurt and are lashing out but before you make your final decision go back and rewatch the series and pay attention exactly. to all the little details and listen to our rewatch mm-hmm. you know cuz we'll yeah. break it all down and if you like agree with what we've said the whole time maybe you'll agree with and it, you'll end up agreeing with us liking the ending you know cuz <laughs> we've been pointing out all the details and and if not then we'll talk about it <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> so He's like, why do you think I came all this way? And smiles. And Tyrion, it is typical. Like, he's always this type of character. Like, of course he's going to be his hand. He's already serving as the hand of the kingdom, right? The kingdom's right now just by provoking this conversation and leading the the, 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 the mm. discussion in this direction and laying out the plan. He is the hand already, de facto. You know what I mean? So... To Brendan of House Stark, I say I, and he would be toasting if he had a drink, but instead he's in shackles. I think he like raises him up a little bit. And uh, Samwell enthusiastically agrees, I, you know, like looks at, at Tyrion and smiles and shakes his head one by like one. <laughs> yeah, everybody on Sam's side first says I. It's like Sam and whoever's sitting next to him, I can't remember. I think they kind of go like in a little circle there. It's mm-hmm. all... Yeah, it's it's everybody on his side. Then it's like the Dornish guy and and um, I love Davos. He's like, I'm not sure I get a vote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's awesome, man. You gotta love Davos. It was so good. And even Maybe Robin Aaron too was hilarious. The the uh, Lord Royce was like, mm, I and like looks over at Robin like you should probably agree too, and he's just kind of like, mm, like whatever, I. like blase, like limp wrist, like I think literally like. Like yeah. limp wrists over to the side. Like, whatever, you know, sure. And then it gets to Sansa. And yeah. it's like, she's silent and she turns to Bran and I loved it. She goes, I love you, little brother. I always will. You'll be a good king. But tens of thousands of Northmen men fell in the Great War defending all of Westeros. And those who have survived had seen too much and fought too hard to ever kneel again. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I, I did love Sansa here. Yeah. I know we ripped on her a little bit this season, but this is a she has stuck moment. true to her word. She is, you know, representing her people as she should as the, you know, wardeness of the North at this point. Mm-hmm. And so she declares, she doesn't even ask. She's mm-hmm. like, the North is going to remain an independent king kingdom. As it was and, for thousands of years. Brands like... I can't disagree with you. Uh, it was funny because <laughs> she's, you know, she says the North will remain an independent kingdom as it has for thousands of years, as it was for thousands of years. And it looks around the audience and people are like, oh, you know, like that kind of makes sense. Like even Yara Greyjoy. <laughs> so I, for a second here, before Bran reacts, he kind of like blank face turns <laughs> to her. I thought he was going to shut her down for a sec, just for a split second, but he nods. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. But um, like you said, this is a great moment for Sansa where she's standing up for her people and for what they believe in and not not backing down on their cause, even when it would be her brother who would be ruling all seven of the kingdoms. She's like, you know, it's not going to fly, even though you're my brother and you'd have our interest at heart and you'd, you know, work for us as opposed to a Targaryen leader or somebody working against us. Like it's still it's not going to fly. The The North has to be its mm-hmm. own kingdom. So that was pretty cool, just knowing that Bran agreed, and uh, Tyrion does his whole herald thing here. All hail Bran the Broken, first of his name, king of the Andals and the first men, lord of the seven kingdoms and protector of the realm. And everybody stands up in unison. All hail Bran the Broken. (laughs) It was just so epic, man. So... Sarah, I guess this is the reason that the Three-Eyed Raven you know, fought, did all this for Bran. I guess he knew that this was Bran's purpose, right? Or or maybe the Three-Eyed Raven hijacked Bran to claim the throne for himself. What do you think? Well, I think the Three-Eyed Raven knew or had visions of what the future would be, and then Bran had to make it happen. Yeah, knew that, I think you're right. You know, yeah. I, I don't know, like one of those alternate universe kind of things, like it could either go this way or that way. And Bran had to do everything to make it happen that way, like his visions. And he knew it was coming, but he needed all the people in his game to make it happen the way he thought. I agree. I think that it is Bran, and that I think that, you know, he has been seen, foreseen foreseen for a thousand years that the Three-Eyed Raven was just waiting for Bran for this moment in destiny, Mm -hmm. when it would take a combination of Bran and Jon and the Starks and Arya and Sansa, these three, four critical people that Mm -hmm. were necessary to eliminate the targaryen threat yeah they're all starks like that was i loved that that it was all starks that was so cool even even john even though he's not a stark he's always been kind of a stark you know so he's potentially going to be like the king beyond the wall then you have Arya, who's like the king queen of the new world then you have sansa's the queen in the north and bran is the king of the six kingdoms yeah so cool loved it Full spectrum domination for anybody who was worried around House season Stark. three or four. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my God, how Stark is gone. And then the banners <laughs> unfurl at Winterfell when they take it back. And now there's just Stark banners everywhere. Yeah. North, beyond the wall, probably. The Southern Kingdoms sailing west. Like, Starks really came through in the end. Just um, Sansa's whole scene, her crown, everything about that. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. say it again. was perfect. Yeah. Like, everything. Yeah, it really was. Uh, Yeah. Everything just ended so well. Like, everything just makes so much sense and ties together so perfectly. Well, that's the thing. It makes sense. 
It makes mm-hmm. so much sense. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could have written that better. Everyone thinks, oh, I would have done it this way. No, I, I yeah. think this is best. And they told us from the beginning it was going to be bittersweet. Yeah. You're not going to get what you want or what you don't want. It's going to be delivered. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm convinced that a lot of people like just aren't understanding some of this stuff. Like, yeah. Just haven't, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, you know? Um, so, uh, so this is when Brand drops the bomb on the perpetual hand Tyrion, who just can't, can't go without being nominated Hand of the King. You know, at every step of the journey, like first his father makes him a hand uh, in his stead, and then he, then he is nom- made hand for real and earns it by Danny, and then here again he is nominated it. <laughs> at this point, though, He's he like, doesn't want it. Choose Sir Davos. <laughs> yeah, the, the way he, that line, the way he said that, choose anyone else. You know, like it was yeah. so good. His performance here is is great. Again, he's so sincere and so like meek about it like uh, to some extent like he's like no you, your grace i don't want it <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, please don't yeah like, really really he's, dude it's like well i don't want to be king you know and he's like i don't deserve it i thought i was wise but i wasn't i thought i knew it was right but i didn't Choose Sir Davos, <laughs> which is a good Please. suggestion. <laughs> choose anyone else. You know, choose, choose fucking Carl Tanner. I was a fucking legend, Ginelli. A fucking legend. <laughs> fucking Carl Tanner. And so uh, he's like, I, I choose you. <laughs> you know, Grey Worm's not having it. Is but he's like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, were you not just paying attention? I'm your king now. You know, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Grey Worm's like, this man is a criminal. He deserves justice, and this is such a poignant line. Just this makes me confident that Bran does understand the concept of justice and will be a good leader. Because he 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 tell he tells Grey Worm, you know. This is justice for Tyrion Lannister. Like he's made many terrible mistakes, as you know. You know, but he's going to spend the rest of his life fixing them. Fixing when it. all he wants to do is just go re- go and relax, and it's like and drink and make make his vineyard and mm-hmm. serve serve the imps delight. The imps delight. Oh my god! I bet that's going to happen now. I bet really that will happen now that he is in a position where he's not like like nobody's hunting him <laughs> at this moment in time you know yeah i bet the imp's delight will be served in just a few short years at least eight at least eight That's... it takes about eight years for a vineyard to develop grapes good enough for making wine eight to ten years nice yeah there you go so eight to ten years we can expect the imp's delight uh, <laughs> Ask me again in ten years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I thought this was a damn good argument by Bran. You know, Tyrion, his penance will be fixing the the mistakes that you know the damage that's been caused by the mistakes that he made by backing Danny and you know failing to see things you know see things as clear as he could have. So this was great. I thought this was really good. I was skeptical of the brand idea because we don't know what he'd be like policy wise, but you know, this this makes me feel a little confident. He'll be able to know history and prevent it from repeating itself. And uh, he seems I to think have that's the a, key. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and he also just seems to have an innate sense of justice, which seems to be common for the start. He's objective too. It because he's unemotional and mm-hmm. 
he's not like because as uh, Princess Sarah said, you know, he's stated so many times that he's not Brandon Stark, that mm-hmm. he's not Lord of Winterfell. Yeah, he's very objective. He he doesn't have an allegiance, you know, That's other a good point than as well. Very good point. who he was born as, but he's not that person anymore. So he doesn't have an allegiance to one specific house over the other. And I think he'll be a just ruler. He's and a perfect he has a, ruler in that sense. That yeah, yeah, and he has a good team of people supporting him. And then he also is able, like you said, Duncan, to to kind of like go back into the history in his mind and see like, you know, it did a similar decision like this. What, what was the outcome of that? Right. Let's say, yeah, let's say the ironborn or somebody starts to rebel against the seven kingdoms. He can review all of the ways that this has been handled in the past and come to, you know, find like potentially a diplomatic solution or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever may work best. He can review examples <laughs> mm-hmm. um which is pretty cool so the, the scene it. yeah me too so he's going to spend the rest of his life fixing fixing these mistakes and uh gray worm says it is not enough which um then it cuts to the other final decision which is uh you know what's going to happen with Jon snow but this wraps up my uh my number one the perpetual nice. hand Tyrion, who just can't escape serving justice and serving his kingdoms. <laughs> that was a nice. great number one. Hello. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, should we move nice. on to notes? Notes, yes. But first, season four of Sirenicide, featuring me and Archmaster Stitches, gets closer every day. So let's take a quick break to check out the series trailer. My name is Matthew Finnis, and something terrible has happened to me. An event that has sent me traveling down a road I was never meant to be on. This is my story, and the story of countless others. This is a story of what lies in the shadows of Morston, Texas. Sirenicide is a serialized horror drama based in the wicked world woven in and around Morston, Texas. The criminal factions and dark government agencies are just the start of the malevolence that roams the streets of this macabre city. The tales in Sirenicide tap into the fear and lore that envelop what most would consider to be fiction. How much more is out there? Is every monster real? Hmm, most tales are based on some fact. The production plays host to a plethora of popular personalities from other nightmarish podcasts. Oh, it's Lena. Lena Klein. Just a number now. That's it. Four, four, seven. I bet you believe in yellow eyes now, huh, boy? Thanks to the research team here at the Laughlin Institute. We have finally found the answer to beating disease entirely. What have I done? Kate! Kate! Help me, please! <laughs> That's not me. His body is accepting death. Evil has reigned unchecked in this city for far too long! The main cast of Sirenicide's creepy, courageous, and curious characters evolve with the overarching story, but they also chronicle some amazing, self-contained, standalone tales. It's vile. 
Eddie Vile. Reporting live, I'm Margaret Sharp. Back to you, Dave. An operating theater. Well, more of a stage to showcase our talents to our clients. Look at me, please. We'll climb this mountain together. The original music serves the episode's atmosphere in a way that embraces and enhances each scene. So uncover the dark secrets, evil murders, supernatural experiences, and mysterious doctors awaiting in this modern epic. Binge the show for free right now on your favorite podcast platform or at sirenicide.com. We talked about the Grey Worm executing the Lannister soldiers. Um, we did not talk about that yet. No, okay. we didn't go into detail about okay. that. Yeah, that's my first note. So we get John kind of walking through the destruction and we see all the dead bodies and the burned bodies and we come across the Unsullied and they have, I would, I want to say like six or seven Lannister soldiers on their knees ready to execute them dude this reminded me of the opening scene of the video game last of us where you're going through oh, really? yeah you're walking through the dystopic um like um like um uh, tyrannical version of boston after an outbreak of cordyceps creates zombies and it's like under martial law basically and oh, shit. you're walking through the area and these troops have like a people lined up along the edge of the street like that and they're just executing people and it was like oh man totally this just like really made me think of it you know it's really powerful and so we hear Grey Worm in the name of the one true queen Daenerys Targaryen I sentence you to die and then we hear John like John doesn't yell too often I mean he's no. yelled before but like in, during battle and stuff, but Twice he hardly ever raises his voice other than being in battle. And he's like, Grey Worm. And everyone like turns to look at him. He's like, it's fucking over. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Yeah. These guys are prisoners. They gave up, dude. Yeah. It, they fucking rung the bells too. I mean, like, and we're still slaughtering people. Yeah, and it's Grey Worm who says, these men are prisoners. It's not. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's not over until the queen's enemies are defeated. Well, and then he's like, "What? What are you? What are you considering defeated?" Yeah, they're on their knees already. You know, <laughs> they're yeah. breathing. And Davos, you know, s- steps up again with his friend rhetoric, trying to calm everybody down. <laughs> Look around, you friend. We won. <laughs> I obey my queen's commands, not yours. Says Grey Worm and. John's like, well, what the fuck are the Queen's commands? Like, God damn it, dude. And he's and kill all who follow Cersei Lannister. These are free men. They chose to fight for her. And Grey Worm goes to pull his dagger out. 
And oh man, dude, John grabs his arm as he moves forward and instantly all the unsullied spears drop and point down towards the Northmen. And the Northmen draw their blades in terror and they're like, oh, you know, like, like looking around. And John's Tell like, easy, like, easy. <laughs> dude. And Grey Worm and John are just like grilling each other, like, like ultimate stare down. And we all thought going into this episode that they were going to have to fight. So in I my mind, they might fight here. Yeah, I thought this was like a prequel. I thought they to were going to fight up until the end when they were looking at each other from the dock and the ship. Yeah, I, I thought, thought he was going to have to go through Grey Worm to get to Danny. You know, like that's what I thought the fight was going to be like. Oh, Grey Worm was going to be like the, cool. like a boss yep. battle before the big boss. You know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, like, uh, you know, I guess they didn't end up fighting, but Davos has to remind John here, like, John, you know, we should speak with the queen. Like, you're kind of about to commit treason, dude. You know, think about what you're doing here. We're surrounded. We're outnumbered. Um, you know, you got to relax. And John kind of like realizes <laughs> the truth of that and backs down, I guess. And it's just like, God damn, crazy. Anything else you guys want to add about that little scene? It was just intense and sad that I thought to myself when he said that anyone who's breathing that follows Cersei Lannister, it's like, to me, that's the whole Seven Kingdoms at this point because she's their queen. Yeah, it's pretty fucking yeah. crazy. She's not really giving the innocent lives a chance to decide, you know, like she did when she roasted Randall and Dick and Tarly. Mm -hmm. Like she gave them a choice either bend the knee or die. Right. And this army that they're slaughtering had already surrendered yeah. until she yeah. continued the attack, you know? So, so I just felt like it was so um, ominous. What was in store for the rest of the seven kingdoms? If she were to remain on the throne, because it seems to this point, she's not giving people a choice anymore. If you followed Cersei Lannister, i.e. if you weren't, you know, a traitor, then you're going to die. And it's like most of the kingdom, hated Cersei, but she was their queen, so they just kind of tolerated it. So I was very concerned at this point of the mm -hmm. future of all of the all of the people in the Seven Kingdoms. For sure. So next we see Arya who's wandering <laughs> along the outskirts of the city and she looks through this broken wall and sees the Dothraki riding around but there's John walking through them. And he doesn't look too stoked because you know, obviously of everything that's happened, but he looks like he's on a mission walking to something. So I was thinking maybe here she like threw on a different face and which she may have worn until she crept up right next to John and like revealed that it was her. But we do see her again with her regular face. <laughs> uh, so I was like, damn, that would have been cool. Like use, you know, her skills to be undetected. So we get this epic giant stairway stairway leading up to a gate and these massive targaryen sail is like hanging over this ruined um archway arched doorway wall thing that's just destroyed oh my god just <laughs> wrecked right it's so cool looking like look looks like right out of dark souls and um <laughs> and uh john and starts walking up the stairway and we see like all of the Targaryen forces, the Unsullied and the Dothraki, mostly the Unsullied are just like lined up in their typical fashion of just like an endless sea of order and discipline. And they're lined up along the edges of this staircase um, leading up to this dart, this doorway. 
And John is walking up and stops and makes eye contact with Grey Worm again for the second epic Grey Worm and John stare down at the episode. And I was like, they're going to have to fight. You know, like again, thinking that they're going to fight. That's how I felt the whole time. Yeah. Like, definitely. Yeah, totally. So this is the moment where they're staring at each other and all of a sudden and Drogon comes flying overhead and like his wings are making this epic sound. I can't do it. My voice is still hoarse. Uh, yeah, ever, be careful. The Death Rock are all screeching and uh, shrieking, I should say. The shrieking, shriekers is it? Screamers. Screamers. There you go. Screaming. Which I can't emanate right now, sadly, because I lost my voice in Vegas. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, John continues to walk up the stairs as Drogon lands beyond the wall here. And right as he, right as his line of sight crosses the barrier at the last step, we see Danny is approaching and it's this epic shot of Drogon's black mm. bat-like wings unfurling around behind <sighs> Danny and flapping and rising up behind her. God, and, that was amazing. Yeah, Ugh. like the black an- wings of the Angel of Death or something. Uh, super metal, like the Honest trailer was talking about how like Game of Thrones is like a compilation of epic album art, you know, basically, and... Uh, this is one of those moments where it looks like a metal art, metal album art with like the wings coming from behind Danny yes. and stuff like that. <laughs> so cool. Nice. And uh, so she comes out to give her speech and John takes his place like sort of off to the side. So I've heard people online comparing this speech <laughs> to the General Hux speech from Star Wars. What was it? The Force Awakens, I think it was. With the- oh, totally. Yeah. With, like, the Nazi-looking guy? <laughs> yes. The younger guy that looks like... Yeah, he's, like, blonde, I think. He's giving a big speech. It looks like a Nazi rally, basically. Yeah, it looked almost exactly like this, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this whole yeah. setup. <laughs> yeah, and it reminded me of uh, of General Hux in Star Wars. It reminded somebody else. It reminded me of Hitler <laughs> and, uh, oh, and the dictator with Charlie Chaplin, which was, like, basically about... You know, where Charlie Chaplin essentially plays Hitler. I'm going to put all four of them on screen next to each other. Uh, pretty crazy. So Danny walks forward and starts giving her speech. And she first addresses all of her, her Dothraki. Blood of my blood! <laughs> you kept your promises to me. And she's talking about how they killed her enemies in their iron suits and tore down their stone houses. And isn't this basically what um, Khal Drogo's speech was? And her speech when she was on top of Drogon mm-hmm. to them, when she yeah. asked them to, like, go across the narrow sea with her. And mm-hmm. I love that they put this in here because it. I feel like it reminded the audience, like, this is what she said, like, seasons ago. Like, tear down their stone houses, basically kill everybody in the iron suits. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. she's always been about this. Yeah. This so it's like. New. About it, about it. <laughs> For for people that were absolutely blindsided and shocked about last episode, that this is a good reminder. This is what Drogo promised her. This is what she promised all of her blood riders. Mm-hmm. And this is what she kind of came to Westeros to do and was talked kind of out of it with, you know, her counsel. But this is this is Danny talking. This is and then she did what she said she was gonna do. So right. as Nobody horrible to hold as her it back. was. Yeah, <laughs> as horrible as it was, the writing was on the wall. 
Yeah. And she, it sort of epitomizes with this uh, speech that Dothraki, she, she says, you gave me the seven kingdoms. And at this moment, Drogon like climbs up onto the, the, yeah. the top of the, uh, the right side of the archway, at, like um, opposite of the side that the flag's on and just. Is rah! that like a big sail? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Sail. Sorry. Okay. okay. No, um, I was wondering if it was like a banner or a sail or like what it was. It looked like a sail to me. Yeah, it's so. got to be a sail, right? Only thing that could be that big. I know. That's what I was thinking too. Okay. So uh, so she then addresses Grey Worm, Torgo Nudo, you know, and says, you have walked beside me since the Plaza of Pride. And I was like, oh my God, <sighs> this all now sounds so Orwellian, like doublespeak-ish, you know, like war is peace, freedom is slavery type stuff. The the Plaza of Pride, which at the time was a fitting name for a good occasion, but since it's led to this, you know, now it's got, you know, it's a whole other <laughs> connotation to that whole event, which is really sad. So she names him the Master of War because he's the bravest of men and loyal of most loyal of soldiers, and he looks legit like honored by this. You know, he's still fully on Team Danny, obviously. <laughs> And then he he she begins to undress address the uh, undress be- begins to address the unsullied and uh, speaks to their history as being Gaddies. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> she you know they were all born as slaves and torn from their mother's arms and now she says they're liberators which they had been uh, until this <laughs> more like um, stormtroopers at this point. Mm-hmm. But she's, she says, you've freed the people of King's Landing from the grip of a tyrant. And I'm thinking, like, what people? Are what there the any people left from <laughs> well, King's there's Landing? There's nobody left. <laughs> yeah, like you may, like we said, you may have freed them from the grip, like right into death's grip, you know? Which would they prefer? Um, and then she continues she to basically... She never gave them a choice. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So she continues basically saying that war is not done. Our spears stay up until we have liberated all the people of the world, you know? And I was like, oh, shit, that's fucked yeah. up. From Winterfell, like Winterfell to Dorne, and the way she said that it so- sort of sounded German. And Winterfell to Dorne. So this speech definitely has like Nazi tones to it to some oh, extent. Oh yeah, the inflections of every word that she said was like da da da, and it was just very, it was creepy, it was eerie. Yeah, it was like very uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely had a Hitler vibe going. Yeah, oh, yeah. from from Lannisport to Carth, from the Summer Isles to the Jade Sea, and this next line is like the one that really sounded like Hitler to me. She says, "Women, men, and children have suffered too long beneath the wheel," but she's like. Like, like rolling her mm-hmm. R's and like doing the like that Hitler stuff so hard, totally. like shaking her face a little bit, and I was like, oh my god, this is just so crazy. Very Hitlerian delivery of that line, uh, in my opinion. And I was like, just thinking, shit, she is ready for more killing. She is not done, you know, at all. She's she's the lion who tasted man. Yeah, to yeah, quote yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. The Savo man eaters. Ever hear of the Savo man eaters? Are those the lions down in like? Is it uh, Asia or Korea? No, they were they were two. 
giant male maneless lions that prowled the Savo oh. Plains in 1898 when they were constructing a railroad down there. They made a movie about that. Yeah, Ghost in the Darkness or something. Yes, um, yes, something Val like Kilmer, that. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's oh a crazy God, story. They have, uh, they have like the two skeletons on ex- on exhibit. They're like bigger than normal male lions, but they don't have manes, and they killed like 130 people or something that were trying to yeah. build this railroad. Crazy. So she's like, will you break the wheel with me? And everybody's cheering, but Arya appears in the crowd and she looks mad as hell. Like so mad, right? Oh my God. I totally noted that. Like she looks yeah. pissed. So pissed. Not having any of it. Uh-huh. And and Danny yeah. just looks like overwhelmed with the power. Like, like she's like, oh, her eyes are wide and she's like soaking it in. And you can see like the resolve on her face. And it just sort of reminded me of that scene in... The scene in Star Wars where Darth Vader is created and Darth Sidious, he he starts zapping Mace Windu, I think, and he's just like, power, power. (laughs) And that's all I could think of seeing Danny's face in this scene is Darth Sidious. I was like, oh, my God, it's so crazy. And uh, so Tyrion approaches from the back, coming out of the Red Keep, I guess, and there's orchestral hits, you know, as he approaches. I thought he was just going to, like, jump up and stab her ass. I know, right? That would have been so crazy. I was wondering the same thing, too. But he, he kind of focused on his footsteps, and then the music turned really dark, and we got kind of this camera angle, like, up over his shoulder, like, looking yeah. at Danny. And no one was really like looking behind her. They were mm-hmm. all kind of looking out. And Nobody I was, was like, anywhere oh my around God. her. If he's and who'd expect do this? it from the hand? You know? <laughs> yeah, if he's going to do it, this is what you do. So she sees Tyrion approach her right side out of her peripheral vision and turns to him and says, You freed your brother. You committed treason. And she's furious. And Tyrion is like done. He is over he's it. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah, you're right. I freed my brother and you, you slaughtered, slaughtered a city. city. And he did, like, oh God, slaughtered. Very poignant choice of words. And Danny looks. And she looks kind of surprised at this. Yeah. She's like, what? That's what I mean. Like she doesn't even realize I what she's become. Them. Yeah. It's like she doesn't even see the transition that's occurred. And the, the look of of disappointment of true disappointment across Tyrion's face like he's like ashamed for having had any part in it you know and just like um and just like Ned Stark quit when Robert wanted to have Danny assassinated <laughs> Tyrion quits here reaches up and just throws the pin down the stairs uh. Damn you! I'm done with you. In such like a blatant dis- display of disrespect, right in front of her whole army during her victory speech, I was like, "Oh my God, he's about to be killed on oh, the yeah, spot." I thought she was going to execute knows. him on the spot. Yeah. He knows that means like death. He's like, yeah. He's so he. This is the most honorable thing Tyrion has really done. <laughs> like he's ever. just like, you know what, you know. I'd rather die than have to deal with any of this anymore. Yeah, it's so it insane. so perfect. Yeah, so, and a beautiful shot. It cuts to the back behind the two of them looking down over the army as he rips the pin off and lobs it, like 
hurls it down the stairs and it clank, 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 bounces across a few of the steps and lands right in front of an unsullied guy's foot. And they're all like, doom, 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 stamp, stomping their like spear butts down onto the ground. And they all stop at the moment mm-hmm. when that pin lands. Well, it's kind of like slowly too. It's like, pump. Oh, okay. Pump. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, one guy stops, and then the guy behind him stops, and then the guy behind him stops. And it's so quiet, you could hear a pin drop, the hand of a king pin, hand of the queen. Oh. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's also crazy, as because uh, Tyrion looks her in the eyes and maintains his eye contact the whole time that he does it, like, just so she knows he's 100% serious, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, the tension is just incredible at this moment. Um, a di- like I said, a display of contempt and disrespect. And oh my God, it's even the Dothraki go silent, you know? <laughs> and in High Valyrian, she's just like, take him. And the, the unsullied approach all around him. And a number of times during this episode, Tyrion, the way he looks, has reminded me of Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. There's like this sort of grisly looking beard and (laughs) sullen facial expressions. Uh, (laughs) Just very similar, kind of like defeated um, characters, you know. And uh, He looked like he aged a lot. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. And so he sort of just like walks away towards the keep, to, towards the dungeons. And as he passes John, he looks up at John, seeing like how John will be react, reacting. And John looks crushed. <laughs> he looks so crushed as Tyrion walks by and he can't look at him. But you see his eyes sort of like blink involuntarily. <laughs> and uh, he sort of gaze, looks down at the side and watches as Tyrion passes. And uh, then he looks back up and we see Danny glaring at him in another one of the most intense stare downs of the episode. There's so many. <laughs> and uh, from from what I read on her face, it was disgust and sadness and desire all at once as she sort of sighs and heads back and, and away into the red keep. And I feel like she was mad at John and like disgusted that he seems to be showing sympathy for Tyrion, but mad at him for betraying her and, but sad at the same time that he betrayed her and still desiring him. And she's like, looks away and sighs. And you can tell that like it's bothering her and sort of walks off with their unsullied guard. <laughs> and John just like follow his vision. His gaze just follows her as she walks away. And he looks ultra, ultra conflicted and all of a sudden out of nowhere Arya is by his side <laughs> like what <laughs> where did like, you what are from? you doing here I, I don't even think he realized that she came down from Winterfell oh yeah it's possible no he didn't I don't think he did he was like uh <laughs> I mean she left before him didn't she with the hound with the hound yeah yeah uh, so you'd think that he would have like tried to say bye before he left or something but maybe they had just already said goodbye and- well the whole thing was that they had gone without anyone knowing and they were there the whole time without, I mean, they were there before they were closing the gates and everything. No one knew they were there. Right. True. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, she, I was wondering like, cause she got up to him so like stealthily. I I thought maybe she had like put on another face to get up there, like proposed as a Dothraki or an unsullied or something, (laughs) but maybe not. Maybe she just goes invisible or something. We don't know what she does. 
So she she's quiet as a cat. Quiet as a cat. Yes. Um, silent as a shadow. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so um, he's like, "What are you doing here?" You know, like, "What?" Oh, and he sees that she's all injured and like disheveled looking. And he's like, "What happened?" And she tells him point blank, "I came to kill Cersei." You're, but your queen got there first. She's everyone's queen now. She's like, um, try telling Sansa that. Yeah. She'll freaking slap you across She's the face. not having yeah. it. She's like, you're cute. You're cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, like, but he says, wait for me outside the city gates. I'll come and find, I'll come find you. And um, she gives him a dire warning here. This is a warning that Ned Stark never got about Cersei. That if he had like knew what she was capable of, maybe he would have acted instead of doing nothing. That fateful night in King's Landing, you know what I mean? Um, she tells him, John, she knows who you are, who you really are. You'll always be a threat to her. And I know a killer when I see one. And I was just like, oh shit, dude. Like she she should know a killer at this point. <laughs> like spending time with a hound and with faceless men and stuff like that. It's crazy. It was just so intense. Um it's it's just sad that Ned never got a similar warning, you know? It took Arya and Tyrion both to plead with John to get him to do what needed to be done. But uh Renly his his pleading with Ned just wasn't enough, I guess, to to spur Ned into action. Unfortunately, he had no idea what Cersei was capable of, like I was you know, like I said. I'm just glad that John didn't get his head locked off the same way for acting the same way that Ned does. I know, yeah. right? This oblivion. Yeah. Well, at least oh, John acted queen. in this case. Finally. Finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anything else you guys want to add about this amazingly epic speech scene or anything? The no. visuals were just amazing to me. Like, Truly. I, I can't even with. Yeah, that's true. It just felt like you could. You could be there. You could hear every breath. You could hear, see every... It was just amazing to me. They did a great job. And just all the destruction and devastation in the I distance. beyond the, the ash flying everywhere. Yeah, the ash just dropping everywhere. Well, And that's the oh. attention to detail, like the, the banner or the sail just flowing in the wind. And then when Drogon comes up, it flows a little faster when they move. It was... They paid attention to every little detail. <laughs> so, so awesome. So happy with it. Yeah, me too. So good. All right. So what do we got next? We have um Telling John. Yeah, Grey Worm says that that Tyrion's Tyrion's punishment as Hand of the King isn't enough. And we cut to Tyrion then meeting with John in his cell and uh <laughs> explaining what happened. <laughs> Giving you to the unsullied would start a war. Letting you walk free would start a war. So our new king has chosen to send you to the Night's Watch. And he's just There's like... There's still a Night's Watch? <laughs> yeah, he's like, what? <laughs> Which we speculated, Duncan, a couple episodes yeah, ago. We were like, what happened that. to the Night's Watch? <laughs> um, somebody pointed out, if the bit, the main part of the deal was the Unsullied, you know, being pissed off, then the Unsullied leave at the end of this episode. They all go to Noth, right? So, like, what's the point of even, you know, like, <laughs> negotiating with them? I mean, I maybe guess some they of could've... them stayed. Maybe, and I guess Yara, Greyjoy, and other people were still mad that John killed Danny. So I yeah. guess that was a problem too. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny though. So John looks disheveled and 
rough, like probably the worst we've seen him look at all. A hot mess. Yeah, he looks like just weighed down, you know, by guilt. It looks like he just killed the love of his life. Yeah, and his eyes are all like swollen and he just looks fucked, man. It sucks. And uh, he's like, he looks stinky. He looks like he stinks a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's like, there's still a night's watch. And uh, Tyrion says, the world will always need a home for bastards and broken men. And uh, so I guess, even, you know, even if the Night King has been defeated, uh, it's you never know. Dead shit could pop off again at any moment, I guess. Right. So you got to just be ready for it. And ever vigilant. But at least now it seems like they'll have plenty of word, plenty of time and word of like ahead of any attack from people that are living beyond the wall now that are friends of the realm. So that's mm-hmm. exciting. It's own like whole new safe kingdom now up there. It's pretty, pretty, pretty cool. And I love how Tyrion sighs here and he's like, you shall take no wife, hold no lands, <laughs> father, no children. He's and like, John's I know like, the oath. I know Dude. this. <laughs> <laughs> the Unsullied wanted your head, of course, but Grey Worm has accepted the justice of a life sentence. And of course, Sansa and Arya wanted him freed, but they understood the new king needed to make peace. And this is that great line that you mentioned <laughs> earlier. No one is very happy, which means it's a good compromise, I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> which is the, typically that's actually like a real thing, you know, that. You know that yeah. it's a good deal when nobody's yeah. happy. <laughs> Especially in, like, business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is when you can tell what is what has John so upset as he starts asking Tyrion, was it right? What I did? And uh, Tyrion is, tries to offset some of the guilt by taking it, some of it onto himself, you know, and he's, what we did. And... Um, it does not enough to help John though. He's like, it doesn't feel right, which sucks, man. He's really struggling with this. It's it's gotta be such a horrible position. Like when love and duty are both like the, the desire and responsibility for each is so intense and you have to choose one at the cost of the other, like period, you can't salvage both. Um, it's horrible for sure. You know? So uh, John tells Tyrion he's, that he's like, I don't expect we'll ever see each other again. But, but Tyrion's not so sure. <laughs> he says a few, ha- a a few, few years. years. Of, yeah, a few years of hand would make anyone want to piss off the edge of the world. As we know, he loves that. Yeah, great season one callback to their jur- initial journey up to the wall together. Which There's is, so many season one callbacks in this one closer it's, it's they did such great, a great man. job oh, Gotta yeah. love it. the way the knights men like walked him out of there too yeah Just, like the way he looked at him like okay <sighs> i know what the fuck this means we're going yep or the way they're dressed like the costumes almost look like season one costumes they really took us back and oh, made so much sense yeah exactly that's right where we are too john comes out of the dungeon to the uh, the Danny and John theme playing sadly, showing he's carrying the burden with him every step as he walks down the stairs. We see that there's two Night's Watch, Night's Watch guys, and then there's a bunch of ships with black flags. Are, you think they're all sending prisoners up to the Night's Watch? I thought those were the um, Unsullied going to Noth. Oh, maybe it was. Yeah, I was confused because I... They, it must be, yeah. That's because John and them—they ride north. It could be a combination north. of both. 
it's just John and the two um, black brothers that arrive at the wall together, though. So it doesn't seem like mm-hmm. any of those ships are related, right? Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, must be must be the unsullied. But it was interesting. They're black flags. I first thought was, oh, they're going to fly out. They're fly. They're going to sail to White Harbor or whatever, and or sail to East Watch and then run along the wall. What color are Yara's? Uh, sales. Good question. I assume it would be black with the golden kraken. Black and gold. Okay. Yeah, right here. Black with the golden kraken. I yeah. got it behind you right now. Oh, nice. oh, there you go. Your cool flags. I saw that. That was yeah. awesome. I didn't see that. That was my mom. She's like, she's nerdy for me. <laughs> nice. So. Yeah. Black with the golden kraken. Perfect. So do you guys know the historical meaning of a black flag? No. Uh, no. Pirates would fly black flags because, you know, all different flags have meanings. White flag, for instance, which is the opposite of black. What's a white flag? It's a surrender. So yeah. given that, black is the opposite of a, black fla- of a white flag. What would a black flag mean? Conquering. <laughs> Not exactly. More direct. Just no surrender. Killing. <laughs> pillaging black, murder. raping murder black, black flag means we will not surrender like we will fight to the oh. death basically oh. and then when you add the skull and crossbones it means we take no prisoners we will not surrender and we will take no prisoners add red eyes or a bloody heart it means we will also t- will torture you uh so interesting. Oh my god, my son should not be playing a lot of the games that he plays on Roblox then. Because <laughs> I see all those. <laughs> well, the they, you know, the meanings have changed over time. Nobody like follows that okay. anymore. <laughs> but a cool little fun historical fact, right? Yeah, I didn't know that. No that surrender. Cool. Yeah, I love it. So what do we have next? The the scene with Brienne filling in Jamie's page in the white book? Oh man. Yeah. Yes. Immediately. I think that's my last note. Too. nice yeah i think yeah. yeah same here um immediately i was super excited because i recognized the room i was like oh my god brand's lord commander of the king's guard it's so cool right uh, which i thought was interesting because you almost would have expected her like we talked about to be sansa's queen's guard right so she must have sent her to take mm-hmm. care of brand since he was more i think physically incapable yeah same here, but it's also really fitting for Brienne to be Lord Commander of the King's Guard of the Seven or Six Kingdoms now, because her ancestor, Sir Duncan the Tall, was Aegon the Fifth's Lord Commander of his King's Guard. Well, there you go. So it's in her mm-hmm. genes, you know. Like it just makes perfect sense, and was a great right. homage. Totally, I love that connection. <laughs> nice. You know, I love those stories anyway. <laughs> yeah, so good. I love that she sat down and gave Jamie kind of the respect that he was due as a fighter and a warrior. Yeah. And didn't make it like personal. She was very matter of fact with what she had on that on that page. Yeah, exactly. Everything that she did, like she didn't let it get personal and let their interactions with each other ruin um, his reputation. She... I think in the end, realized that it was like a heroin addiction with him, like we mentioned, right? With Cersei, just got dragged back into it as much as he was trying to get out of it. And I think on some level, she still respects him and sees him as an honorable person. So, I do too. So, I mean, he went on his whole rant of things that he had confessed to her previously, 
um, like when he left Winterfell and sh- given all that anyway, she still only like gives him credit for good stuff here. Like he was like, I would have killed every man, woman and child in River Run to get back to Cersei, you know, but the first line that she adds took River Run from the Tully rebels without loss of life. You know, <laughs> it's like so, yeah. so awesome the way she spins all this to be really good. Lured well, and the sacrificing unsullied. his childhood home in service yeah. to a greater strategy. Yeah, luring the unsullied into attacking Casterly Rock. That's so crazy. Outwitting the Targaryen forces to seize High Garden. Fought at the Battle of the Gold Road bravely, narrowly escaping death I by Dragonfire. Yeah, the pretty gold cool, road, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pledged himself to the forces of men and rode north rode to north join them to join at Winterfell. Winterfell. Yes. Amazing. Alone faced the army of the dead and defended the castle against impossible odds until the death of the Night King. And then he died protecting his queen. Escaped imprisonment. Yeah. And south in an attempt to save the capital from destruction. <sighs> died protecting his queen. Mm, oh, I loved man. that last line because it was his queen, but also like the queen of his heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she also Cersei. like, she, she gave him a little more credit than he really deserved because he didn't save, he didn't, necessarily go back to try to save the capital from destruction well i mean i guess he did yeah yeah we can we could say he did but, but you think about <clears throat> who his queen was yeah it, it it's it's up for <laughs> yeah yep cersei totally so that it, she pauses for a yeah. second and we see her like that. contemplating what she's about to write and then finally like deciding to do it and <laughs> died protecting his queen and she like ah. Oh. She has like a little half smile on her face too. Yeah, she's, she's like she felt yeah. good about it was almost like a little bit of therapy for her. Right. Like she's she's upset about everything that happened, but taking the high road, I think made her feel good and giving him uh, you know, the dues that he deserved and not succumbing to anger, I think she was probably proud of herself for overcoming that and um doing a, a good job as Lord Commander and doing the honorable thing and taking the high road shows- basically. That shows her growth as a character, too. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, yeah, she closes the book and has, like, a look of sadness, but also, like, a little bit of contentment in there as well. Um, you know? Cl- well, she'll always be carrying kind of a piece of him with her because she carries Oathkeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he knighted her. So <laughs> And he knighted her. And he yeah. stole her flower. <laughs> as long as she's a sir. <laughs> as long as she's a sir, uh, she carries a piece of him with her. Yeah. You know, very, very poetic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah. So I thought that was a nice scene and appreciated Brienne's honor and everything in there. And and so, okay. So that's pretty much the end of our notes, right? Yes. I think it's time to go on to Ravens. Oh, right. Yeah. I guess just closing, closing thoughts on the season and the series as a whole. Um, What do you guys think? Go ahead, Princess Sarah. I am very happy with it. I mean, you know, the only thing that I could ever, I could say about um, the season is it felt fast, but the way that they made up for the quickness was balancing everything out and making sense of a lot of things that, you know, who else would have been able to do that in like six episodes? (laughs) Yeah. It made sense to me. It was okay. I like I think I said before I I was really nervous about it ending like I thought I was going to be really upset really emotionally 
scarred mm-hmm. almost. But when it ended, I was like, no, this is good. This is all good. This is exactly how it was supposed to happen. And it makes sense. So I'm good. Awesome. How about you, Lady Rachel? I think from the very beginning of the series to the very end, we had many different types of seasons. Um, they started off a little bit slower to develop, to, to develop the story. I think they started to pick up a little bit, you know, around season five, six and seven, and then season eight. I wish they would have had a little bit more time to develop the ending just because the beginning was so detailed. However, with the time that they did have, I think they did a phenomenal job and I couldn't have been happier with the ending. I was thinking like, could I want it a different way? Would I want to see John on the throne? Would I want to see Danny on the throne? And the answer is the way they wrapped it up for me personally. They tied in the first episode, the pilot episode to many aspects of the last episode here that we're talking about today. I think they just did a phenomenal job and I can't thank the cast and crew enough for giving us something that will be transcendent through time and allow us to rewatch and rewatch again and speculate and form our own theories about where these characters are now. Nice. That's what I say. I say, I'm so excited to rewatch it. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it with the knowledge that we have now and yeah. just make so much more sense of it. Cause it's so beautiful. So good. What about you, Duncan? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the anticipation was crazy to see what they ended up doing, but I, you know, from perspective of having carefully dissected this series, I think that they really did justice to a lot of things. And although there were other things that we were left out that we could have gotten, I think that given the time and resources that they had, that they did really well. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I enjoyed it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to put it. Yeah. (laughs) I am so glad I enjoyed it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Me too. All right. So we'll be right back, guys, after a short break with Raven's Calls. Make sure to check out the new Game of Thrones rap album, The Iron Throne of Microphones, by Purpose, from the rap group Tragic Allies. Just go to tragicallies.bandcamp.com to get the album for free today. This track is called First of His Name. A wise man once said, the true history of the world is a history of great conversations in elegant rooms. Who said this? Me, just now. Quote me, I kneel for no king With gold rings and I do drink and no things The oath keeper disperse of pain First of his name, preordained No purpose of rain, yo And you can quote me, I kneel for no king With gold rings and I do drink and no things The oath keeper disperse of pain First of his name, preordained No purpose of rain, yo From this day until my last day I'm trying to fight For this life I paid the iron price Escaping the lion's bite Divide and strike in different places My men are faceless Leave no traces Poison at his taste Master of the water dances patience, provokes greatness. Foes be hating cause they mostly basic. Kill a soldier and see ghostly traces move through the sky. Man who sees nothing really has no use for his eyes. Stick him with the pointy end till he dies. It's a murderous trend. There are things to even learn from the dead. They said a monstrous and even dying inside. But monsters are dangerous and kings are dying like flies. Eye on the prize, be quiet, observe. Some wounds will never truly heal and bleed again. At the slightest of words, is cast in doubt. The day will come when you think you're safe and happy and the joy will turn. Turn the ash in your mouth. Quote me, I kneel for no king with gold rings and I do drink and no things. The oath keeper disperse of pain, first of his name, preordained, no purpose to reign, yo. And you 
and quote me I kneel for no king With gold rings and I do drink and no things The oath keep a disperser of pain First of his name Preordained, no purpose for rain, y'all I'm tough as grayscale Most fear me and nail I break the wheel with valerian steel Mass appeal, no mistake in the face Women getting naked for a taste of greatness When I'm making the eight So I spend my time warring and whoring And when I actually stop They're begging from dawn to castle rock Capture me not, the dagger's fast Crafted with dragon glass But fear cuts deep in the swords From an assassin slash Rather that than how they ask Trying to plot Chaos is a ladder So I had to climb to the top For the realm I wear my honor Like a suit of armor You must be new to karma If you try pursuing drama So many of the gods forgive me And my soldiers serving me Power tastes best When it's sweetened by the courtesy Certainly those who try to murder me Are caught and slain What do we say To the god of death Not today Walk away Quote me, I kneel for no king With gold rings and I do drink and no things The oath keep a disperser of pain First of his name, preordained No purpose to reign, yo And you can quote me, I kneel for no king With gold rings and I do drink and no things The oath keep a disperser of pain First of his name, preordained No purpose to reign, yo Lady Amberly of House Nicole has Dragon Queen with <laughs> blades and dead skull. An okay symbol with 100. I think she's happy that the Dragon Queen is dead. All of the so emojis. Too. That was nice. Very, very nice. Creative message, Lady Amberly. Thank you. Sir Thomas of House Ladisa, feeling satisfied, went out gently and tweaked curiosities. Just the end of one story and beginning of others. It's hard sticking to what you want to do in the face of fan criticism. Yeah. Was it, was it George R. R. Martin that said, uh, art is not a democracy. <laughs> like yeah. I'm not going to write what you want me to write basically. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Lord Stephen of house Kerndall. He has a meme of lady Elena and she's looking pissed off <laughs> and says me looking at all the game of thrones meme it's the only joy i can find in all this misery <laughs> damn next Aww. is next is lord ryan of house cortez who has a gif of a dumpster fire <laughs> it says <laughs> awful the writing this season is a dumpster fire and uh lady catherine of house napek agrees saying yes sorry you guys feel that way lady kelsey of house carlson it's over and now I can rest. I definitely was surprised with how they chose to end it, but not all that disappointed, not at all disappointed. When Sam started talking about democracy, I was like, someone on Game of Microphones predicted this. Oh my God. Oh my God. OMG. <laughs> OMG. Then it was a tease and I laughed. It felt like this wasn't the end, but just the beginning. And I like that. I really wish my, and then Bran woke up theory had, been right but i'll take it <laughs> oh like the dallas thing <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of fan service with the entire council scene i think we can poke plot holes all day long but the only one that really bothered me was that gray worm didn't kill john and Tyrion. 
happy with it. That's a good point. Yeah. Lord Brian of House Edwards, it was the best ending we could have hoped for. I agree. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought it was pretty awesome. Lady Kira of House Bergberg says, saw this and wondering the same thing. Hmm. And it's a picture saying, sure, there's a water bottle, which was underneath Samuel Tarley's seat <laughs> during the council scene, or maybe under an unknown guy in the middle seat. <laughs> but why aren't more people asking the real question? Is that Howland Reed? And if so, what the fuck? Hashtag Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll have to check the credits or something and see if we can find it. If we can find more info. Johnny Stitches. <laughs> Loved it. An epic ending. Yes. Mm-hmm. Lord Anthony of House Coulomb just finished just finished watching it. In all honesty, I feel the same way now as I did watching England in the last World Cup. Oh man, <laughs> sad face. I did oh. not watch the World Cup. I'm, so assuming, I'm assuming they assuming lost. England <laughs> lost. <laughs> I feel like it was bad. Sorry, man. Yeah, sorry about that. Lady Holly Rose of House McCready says, I'm left feeling a bit deflated, but reading the feedback from others below, it all makes sense to me now. I didn't like Sam bringing the Song of Ice and Fire book over. It felt too on the nose. But apart from that, I'm not sure I would have changed anything. I really didn't see the Robo. Br- I really didn't see Robo Bran as an option for the throne. But since he was so impartial and above everything, it's the only wise choice. Also, Starks are ruling in basically all directions. Heck yeah, yeah. The impartial thing is pretty important there. Yeah, Lady Laney of House Mizell, disappointed. Hmm. From the beginning of season one, episode one, I was emotionally connected to the characters. And then from season eight, episode four to episode six, I felt disconnected. If that makes sense. Sure. My opinion. Makes total sense. I can definitely see that. Yeah, I'm sorry that that's how it played out for you, uh, Lady Laney. Sucks. I wish we could fix it. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe we did. Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. Hope you (laughs) like the episode at least. Lady Steph K of House Cooper. So who was that? Who was the prince that was promised? And could Drogon have killed John with fire? We'll never know. Yeah, I don't think there was a prince that was promised. I think it was just one of the prophecies that people, um, you know, get all hyped up about, and then just nothing comes true. It's just a just yeah, a prophecy. They talk That's about, it. But like they put all their eggs in too many baskets sometimes yeah like <laughs> yeah like the prince that was promised is like nostradamus the world is ending 2012 type thing yep yeah exactly totally lord brandon of house ushery hill i wasn't satisfied with the ending damn dude sorry to hear that man sucks wish i could uh you know change it for you oh but then he <laughs> lord brandon of house oh, yeah. ushery hill absolutely no he's showing a meme i will show it to you <laughs> Absolutely no one. Nothing. Sansa. Brand's dick doesn't work. Brand's like the pulling knife like, what'd you say, bitch? <laughs> pulling out the cat spot dagger. Great still of him. <laughs> Lady Sarah of House Larkham. What an ending to an amazing series. Tyrion going through the rubble to say goodbye to his siblings, Cersei and Jamie, And Tyrion crying had me crying. Mm-hmm. Tyrion trying to convince Jon that Danny was a tyrant like Cersei. Tyrion saying to John that his father and Cersei killing all the people that they killed combined wasn't as bad as Danny burning a whole city and murdering the population of King's Landing. 
John was still thinking about all the good that Danny represented. Tyrion knew bringing up Sansa that wouldn't bend the knee to Danny to John was the way for Tyrion to convince John to kill Danny. Danny had a Darth Maul going <laughs> going on with her outfit. <laughs> Tyrion realizing that he didn't want to be a part of Danny's tyranny. 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 Tyranny, typically. Whatever. Tyranny, yeah. <laughs> Danny's tyranny. Tyranny. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just commit to one. You can either be a tyrant or you can commit tyranny. 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 There you to go. Danny's well tyranny. <laughs> so awesome. And throwing his hand of the queen pin and the pin dropping at the end of the stairs and the frame closing on the pin at the end of the stairs was magnificent. Yep. There was a dark theme playing when Danny was in the throne room and her touching the hilt of the sword. Then John coming in at the same time was very easy. Danny trying to justify herself to John that what she did was right was so wrong. <laughs> John saying that she had killed innocent people and didn't even phase Danny one bit. It reminded me of the scene of Danny looking at all the kids that were killed and hung up when she first arrived at Marine. And she was so affected by that in season four. For a second, I thought that Danny had stabbed John instead of John killing Danny. Drogon melting the throne was in tribute to Danny before the power of the throne corrupted her. Drogon picking up Danny and flying off with her was better than her being burnt. Yeah, yeah, on a funeral pyre like Drogo was. I liked the gathering in the dragon pit. I felt like a callback to season seven, episode seven meeting at the dragon pit. Definitely. Bran saying that he should be the hand of the king as his punishment was fitting because he failed himself to help Danny not to become a worse ruler than her father. Mm -hmm. Brienne was the only person that could fill in Jamie's page in the history it was so sweet and fitting. Yeah, it's true. Nobody else knew yeah. like some of that stuff. Probably true. Mm -hmm. That's a true fact. Mm -hmm. I think everyone knew that Sam would, write the book of Song and Ice and Fire. Mm -hmm. It was actually Maester Ebros that wrote it. He just did the title. Close, though. He would be involved. I mean, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, he yeah. was involved. <laughs> yeah. I love the side-by-side -side with Sansa, John, and Arya because it showed them in their leading roles. Sansa becoming the Queen of the North, Arya setting sail to discover what was out there is a callback to when she told Lady Crane in Season 6 that she would like to become the first person to explore what is beyond Westeros. John mm -hmm. returning and becoming the king beyond the wall. It came full circle for John, Arya, and Sansa because Sansa wanted to become queen. It only made clear that she only wanted to be the queen, but I think she wanted to become the queen in Winterfell at the beginning of the series instead of becoming the queen. Mm. Sansa's crown was the same as Cersei's, but only with a wolf instead of a lion. Oh, man. I, I love Sansa's that. dress at her coronation. Yes, her dress was incredible. Amazing. I love the whole episode, and it, was, and it had the perfect ending. Thank you so much, Duncan and Rachel, for covering this series with in-depth analysis. I will be listening to you guys because you both share my geekness for the series. <laughs> oh, we love you, Lady Sarah. Thank you for your continued yeah, consistent thanks for, feedback. Uh, thanks for always being part of the show. We always love your feedback. Yes, we do. 
Will, Lord William of House Steiner. John's parentage was meaningless. It was just a plot device to help Danny go mad. Ned plus Ashara equals John for the win. Um, but it's it wasn't meaningless. His parentage was the only reason he was able to get past Drogon there to stab Danny at the end. If he had been anybody else, no way Drogon would Drogon would have let it, let him pass. I think that's an underrated little scene there. Yeah, that definitely. Scene when that when Drogon wakes up and is like, oh, and like, you know, looks at him. I think people think, oh, yeah, maybe that's just cool effects. No, that was very powerful. Mm-hmm. He looks at him and said, "You go ahead. You're yeah. you're okay." Yeah, exactly, exactly. Lord Chris of House Saywell. I've criticized season eight a fair bit. It's been easy. <laughs> <laughs> it was just too rushed. But this ending brought it all in. My liking of the series was telling me to hate it all along with other parts of season eight. My brain told me there wasn't anything to hate about this episode. I laughed when John got sent to the wall. (laughs) 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 But now he gets gets to go north where he belongs. I really wanted to see Arya kill at least one one other person. (laughs) Good work. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah, for writing. Lord Chris, always good to hear from you, brother. Lord Jamo of House Maxwell. Sir Padraic. With a Scottish flag. (laughs) Yes. Personally, I couldn't have asked for much more from the final episode. I love that we've been left with so many questions. What will Arya find? What's Jon's endgame? Where is Drogon? And what did he do with Danny's body? Tyrion's reasoning regarding Bran as king was brilliant. People love a story and his and his is the stuff of legend and will inspire people the world over that the human condition can overcome anything. Nice. Thanks for all your work. These podcasts have been nothing short of incredible. Now I'm off to start again from season one, episode one. Epic. You are so welcome. And thank you for being a continued listener. And I too will be starting a rewatch myself. Yeah. And now your rewatch begins. <laughs> <laughs> I said it a million times to you, Duncan. Like, I can't wait to watch all of this with the knowledge that I have now. Yeah, I totally. Totally. <laughs> it's going to be great. Lord Jamie of house burns. Well, that's it. That's that. An ending to an amazing series. One of the saddest moments was poor Tyrion going through the rubble only to find Cersei and Jaime had died together. Peter's acting has been superb all through this series. I'm also glad Drogon lived, as that world would be a sad place with no dragons in it. Maybe it will come back for Jon as his new keeper one day. Mm. Maybe. Did uh, did anything Sam, as the writer of the book of the Song of Ice and Fire, was like Bilbo and his book of the Lord of the Rings? Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if I got that far in, in the series, but, but yeah, it's, it sounds like a good parallel. But in the end, it was an incredible episode, and it had the perfect ending for each character. But I still wanted John on that molten throne. <laughs> but you can tell they have left it open to be continued in five or ten years from now. <laughs> My watch has ended. Nice. Great feedback, Lord Jamie. Thank you for writing in, brother. Lord Jez of House El Ramey. It was fine, I guess. <laughs> 
Lord Christopher of House Cavero. So I guess the Night King was a distraction. The Lord of Light brought John back to kill the Queen, and Bran the Broken already knew he was going to be king and plotted everything to his advantage. Damn. So half of the followers of the Lord of Light were convinced that Danny was the the savior, but then he brought back John to kill Danny. So <laughs> people are definitely having troubles missing or trouble interpreting his signals. It seems. Yeah. I also, you know, we we've had a lot of speculation whether Bran could see into the future he or can. not. That that flight of Drogon over King's Landing, we now know he did see yeah. the, the yeah, vision of the future. But there's a difference between him being able to see or and him being able to understand right yeah just because yeah, he so sees I'm something not, he doesn't know when it takes place or what the circumstances are or anything like exactly. that exactly so i'm not thoroughly convinced and this is a great line of like open interpretation for how people view it but for me personally i'm not sure maybe he saw flashes of it but i'm not sure it was like a plotted out like I'm going to take the Iron Throne by letting Danny go massacre all of King's Landing. Well, it could have very well been like Melisandre, like just following what she sees in a vision, and it's yeah. either right or wrong. Yeah, exactly. She, he could have gone the whole. He could have been going the wrong direction the whole time. <laughs> it's possible. I feel like with him though. I I feel like with his uh, ice Wi-Fi network, he has like fast forward and rewind. <laughs> capabilities you know that are like disabled with other on-demand services like lord of light on demand uh so so i feel like if he saw like (laughs) king's landing being exploded he could probably rewind it and for a little bit and then determine based on everything else around it where in history it happened so i feel like he probably knew exactly what was going to happen and let it all happen honestly that's good that we have kind of different opinions i kind of disagree with that though i honestly (laughs) think that maybe he was just kind of putting it together as he went yeah, as I mean, who knows, happened. right? Anything's possible. <laughs> yeah, totally. I like it either way, honestly. That's so. the best. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Ty of House G. So, did Danny break the wheel? At first, I thought she succeeded in breaking the wheel, but at the ultimate cost to herself. However, now it seems it may have just completed another rotation. Danny was the Mad Queen. John is the rightful heir who goes north. The north is its own kingdom. Seems like things are nearly the same, like a series reset button, but with a new deserving king instead of Robert. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's it's the wheel is broken to some extent because they're the. I mean, heredity, hereditary monarchy is over at least in the six kingdoms. Who knows what yeah. happens uh, in the north? I guess. Lord Nelson of House Montiero. And it's just a bunch of six fa- sick faces. Oh, man. Sorry, man. I'm going to show you on the camera. <laughs> Please explain it to us. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't think he liked it. <laughs> Lord Elsie of House Strick. It's a meme of Tyrion up at the top. It says, who has a better story than Bran? And then there are a number of characters <laughs> Joffrey, Robert, Drogo, <laughs> Rob, Jamie, Stannis, Peter, Baelish, John, Tyrion, Theon, Marjorie, Cersei, Danny, Catelyn, Brienne, Melisandre, Sansa, Ygritte, Shay, and Osha. They all have better the stories. The thing is, than though, <laughs> is there's only three 
characters on that list that are still alive. Oh, that yeah. would be John, Tyrion, and Sansa. Good point. Good point. And maybe Baelish. Oh, we didn't get Baelish. What the fuck? I totally forgot to talk about that. Oh, yeah, right. We can even mention it now if you want. God damn it. um, Yeah, I'm not disappointed in that. I mean, I knew that there were holes to the theory, and I know they only had a short amount of time, and I was hoping for it, but we didn't get it. I still feel like he may legit be alive out there somewhere. Could be. You know, could be. Sure. Who knows? Spinoff. Lord Richard of House Davenport. Why would John tell the? <laughs> this is one of the biggest ones that I've seen. Why would John tell the Unsullied that he was the one who killed Danny? Or is this one of those rosebud, thi- rosebud things where they're going to try and sell me on the idea that there was someone standing just off camera who saw the whole thing? More than that, why bother telling them that she was dead at all? She took off with the dragon. Game. Of Thrones over. <laughs> Normally, I would say that would be, you know, that it would make sense. But we know that John just does not lie. Yeah, <laughs> you know? John. He's more honest than Abe. He wouldn't do something without knowing how to explain himself ever. Yeah, like the he gave up Cersei's forces and the alliance that they needed just because he wouldn't lie and claim that he didn't support Danny already, you know, so... Yeah. He's uh, he's definitely Ned Stark's son after all, like Brian Edwards replied to the to the comment. But yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that question a lot. Oh, yeah. interesting. I have not. Really? Uh, yeah. Everyone, well, I like a lot of people I've talked to have been like, why didn't he just lie? He could have just said that she just flew off with Drogon. Because he's Ned Stark's. Because he's, he yeah, was raised by the kind Starks. Because he's yeah. Jon Snow. <laughs> Sir Matthew of House Rep. What a beautifully crafted story. I know the ending is getting a lot of hate due to the fact that neither Danny nor John quote, won the Game of Thrones, or the fact that there isn't even a throne to win anymore. Doesn't it make all the killing and bloodshed pointless if neither of the heroes win? I think that might be exactly the point George R.R. R. Martin was trying to make. It was nice to see some of our favorites get seem to get happy endings. Sam as the new Grand Maester, Sir Davos as Master of Ships, Bronn moving all the way up in the world as Lord Paramount of the Reach and Master of Coin, <laughs> Sir Brienne, Lord Commander of the King's Guard, getting, clo- getting to close out Sir Jamie's page in the White Book, Podrick, now a knight, working with his two mentors, Tyrion and Brienne. Good point. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. He's got to be just super stoked, <laughs> except for that whole vow of chastity thing. <laughs> Queen yeah. Sansa of the of the North, King Bran of the Six Kingdoms, King John beyond the Wall, and Arya captaining her own ship to forge her own future. Good luck to the next slaver that tries to come to Noth. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, Love they will it. not have any success at Noth anymore, for sure. <laughs> Lord Travis of House Sickler. I loved it. There are a lot of haters on the internet, but I think they wrap things up nicely. They broke the wheel. John was freed from something he never had wanted, <laughs> the throne. Yep. Ultimately, it was the throne that killed Danny. Mm-hmm. They say all the Stark Starwolves names are themed to their o- to their owners, and well, I believe the ghost of the wheel, the family name that forced him into the position, now is free where he truly loves the North John being banished to the night's watch for doing what he did. I personally don't see as a banishment, 
but more of a privilege and the best retirement he could have asked for. (laughs) And he even got to be reunited with his best bud, who got all the pets that the internet was hating him for. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. All the pets. I guess earlier this season that he might do this and exile himself. So I guess this is a much better alternative. Danny alone by the throne was perfect and totally a callback to her in season two in the house of the undying dream. Back then she was there alone and surrounded by snow. Now she is alone, surrounded by snow, literally both the substance and the, and the person. Mm, True. I thought Arya's conclusion made sense. She's always been an explorer from the chasing of cats all over Westeros to Bravos and now beyond. And speaking of ruthless- like the uh, the connections between direwolf names and their care and their you know their um, connected stars. Nymeria, yeah, Nymeria. I mean, she's yeah. basically you know doesn't get any more on the head than that one. She's a ruthless killer, but all her enemies are now slain, and her list is concluded. What's next for her? Going and becoming a lady in a castle? Nah. That's not for her. She now feels free to go see what else is out there. Would have been cool for her to see Nymeria again, though. Ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) She did name her wolf after a very famous sailor queen. There you go. go. Mm -hmm. And one could argue she mounted the head of her Nymeria on her ship as she sailed off to explore. Oh, yeah. The direhood prow there. Direwolf prow. Sansa becoming queen of the north was a perfect fitting to me as she got what all the Starks wanted, a free people. Yes. Having the queen in the north and the king of the six kingdoms as siblings will make a powerful alliance. Grey Worm retiring to Masande's Isle is a great retirement for him as well. Even though he was being a prick near the end. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really bummed that we still didn't get the conclusions to Tyrion's joke. We may never know. Totally called Sam helping with the title of A Song of Ice and Fire. Also, did we finally see Howland Reed at the King's Moot? <laughs> Perhaps. It's entirely possible. Lord Brennan of House Ushery Hill. And we got a cool meme. What's west of Westeros? I don't know. Probably your spinoff show. show <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, good one. Travis yeah. adds, a Targaryen alone in the world. It was no accident that upon, upon first joining the Night's Watch, Jon Snow ended up in service of Maester Aemon, who turned out to be a Targaryen who had renounced his claim to the Iron Throne, giving rise to the Mad King. Jon Snow did something similar by refusing to stake a claim above Daenerys. On his deathbed, Aemon had a vision of his brother, Egg, a nickname for Aegon, which is also the birth name of Jon Snow, though no one knew it at the time which also foreshadowed a closer connection between the two characters way back in season five. Indeed, this season, Jon Snow echoed Aemon's words during his final, during his funeral speech after the Battle of Winterfell, which was another signal that he might ultimately follow in the footsteps of his late great-great-uncle and wind up in Castle Black instead of King's Landing. His chat with Tyrion about being the shield that guards the realms of men was another reminder of that eventuality. Nice one. Nice. I've traveled to a bunch of random places and random countries, but as a Midwestern guy, I recently have been falling in love with what the more rugged parts of America have to offer to all of us before they're gone. Team Age Productions and Powers Media House presents Beautiful America, a musical documentary series with all original content. Explore the Southwest of America and indulge in some places you've heard of and plenty more that you certainly have not. 
cooking under the stars and below freezing temps of Death Valley, 4K drone footage of one of the most insane monoliths on Earth, driving in abandoned mines, cliffs, canyons, and wild times. Check it out. T-Mage Productions on Facebook and YouTube. That's T-E-A-M-A-G-E Productions. Beautiful America. Lord Jason R. of House Graham. Longtime listener, first-time writer. Colored me terribly disappointed in the whole season. It's not at all that it was bad. I rather like the end, except for Bran, but it's so disappointing at the lack of storytelling and development. I knew at the beginning of the season I called John going north. I even told my wife that would be the final scene. I figured one of two ways to get there. Either John kills Danny and abandons the throne and everything and heads north, or he realizes Danny is evil and he abandons her on the throne and goes north. Which, in that case, I foresaw Danny winning but sitting on the throne in an empty chamber, having what she wanted but having sacrificed literally everything to get there. Pretty bittersweet, obviously. I was hoping for an Arya Grey Worm fight to the death. I think that would have been epic. Ooh, yeah, that would have been pretty neat. I'm totally fine with Danny going Mad Queen. What's more, germ, what's more germ than turning a character we're rooted for, turning a character who's rooted for and wanted to win over seven seasons turn into the bad guy? I would have just liked a slower burn for her. I had major problems with the dragon pit scene. What made Grey Worm all of a sudden get to decide that punishments were not extreme enough? Why was Tyrion brought to the council but not Jon? They both had turned on and betrayed Danny. When Tyrion made his speech, why did Grey Worm just allow him to speak and, not, and, not, and offer a solution? That made no sense. It also made no sense that Bran was chosen. Who has a better story? How about half the other characters alive have a better story? And a story as the ruler? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And everyone was just so accepting of it? No one put up any other counteroffers? <laughs> Sansa decides she would be an independent kingdom? What about Yara? She was promised independence by Danny. Why did she just give in? Danny did, technically did not promise independence. She told her no on that. The random Dornish guy didn't even know Bran. Why would he just eye for Bran? Let's not talk about Bran. He just said he lives mostly in the past. He can't be over House Stark because he's the Three-Eyed Raven. But oh, he can be king now? <laughs> Makes no sense. Well, maybe he was acclimating over time, as we'll hear from Sir Thomas. If, as he said in the meeting, that that's the reason he came all this way, then that means he is the most evil character of them all. He's worse than Joffrey and Ramsay put together. Because if he saw himself named king, as it's implied in that line of dialogue, then he knew the battles this season would go like that, and he's allowed the deaths of far more people than Joffrey and Ramsay put together. I suppose we now know. I suppose now we know where Bran warged to during the Battle of Winterfell. He warged to IKEA to pick out his furniture and decorations for the throne room. <laughs> Dumb move that made no sense. I got the feeling the writers just checked the Vegas odds to see who was the long shot for the throne and gave it to the guy just to stick it to Vegas. <laughs> John was the rightful ruler. Why was he not at the council? Can't say betrayal because Tyrion also committed betrayal and his admittance to that was public. No one saw John kill Danny or have proof of anything. 
John should have been at the council. Why did no one question that? No one suggested John? He has the greatest story, born a bastard, but truly a king of all. Lord Commander, King in the North, united the wildlings and North in battle against the whites, died in the process. He should have been named King. In which John, of course, John would have turned it down. He was killed as Lord Commander, questioned as the King in the North, and I think... and. I think it would have been most appropriate, though, to name him king. Then he would have given a speech about how he was not going to take it and give it to the most honorable person there, other than John, the person who was the smartest, most empathetic, his best friend, Sam. That would have been amazing to see him hand everything to Sam. See Sam go from this poor kid getting beaten by the Night's Watch, needing John to protect him, to him being named Protector of the Realm. That would have been made far more sense than Bran. Why was John forced to leave to the Night's Watch when Grey Worm was leaving anyway for Noth? What the fuck? What gave Grey Worm the authority to make demands? He had an army that apparently never lost any soldiers during any of these epic battles, which makes no sense. I think that even though Grey Worm left, Yara and the other people that were mad about John were still around. and I guess that would have created conflict. But I, I see where you're coming from. I loved Sansa as Queen in, Queen in the North. Arya sailing off was awesome. Tyrion as hand is great. I think Bronn was only named Master of Coin as an afterthought. It's like the writers thought, oh, fuck, we forgot Bronn. Okay, better write him in here. <laughs> the show was so amazing, but I'm so disappointed. Not in the ending, though, aside from Bran, but everything else was great. But I'm just so disappointed in how rushed it felt. It felt like the whole season was an afterthought. The writers and directors are into other projects, and Game of Thrones is not their priority, and it showed through every scene. Just so sad and disappointing. At least we finally get a John and Ghost reunion. That's true. At least we finally got that. Thank you for writing in, Lord Jason. Sorry you were disappointed. Lady Laurie of House Perkins. Eight years ago, while wrapping up True Blood, I saw a preview for a medieval Lord of the Rings looking <laughs> show that had Sean Bean in it. And I thought, damn, that looks cool. I love nerdy shit like this. Yes. <laughs> At the end of the pilot episode, I was hooked. After the end of season one, I was totally obsessed. I started reading the books and reading and researching about the different houses and theories. I started talking to friends and convinced a ton of people to watch it with me. Game of Thrones was a television masterpiece from start to finish. The cinematography, the acting, the music. Oh, oh the, the music. music. <laughs> That's right. <Rachel laughs> the twists right and turns. <laughs> yes. Yes. The twists and turns, the special effects, the stunts, the love, hatred I felt for those fictional characters and the pure joy I experienced by watching HBO doing something that had never been done before. That had never before been done. Sorry, there goes my dyslexia. <laughs> Ever. That makes sense, though. <laughs> was totally worth it. It's been a wild ride, and I'm so thankful that I was able to be a part of it from day one. Yeah. Season seven and eight were rushed. I believe the last season should have been spread out over the course of 10 to 12 episodes with one really good epilogue. Yes, I couldn't mm, agree that more with that. Cool. Yeah. That is truly my only complaint. We were lucky to have witnessed this epic fantasy translate from paper to screen and done so very well. Agreed. If you didn't like the ending, it's okay. There were parts I didn't like either, but I absolutely think that this is the direction that GRRM will be heading if he ever finishes the books. If you are mad at anyone, be mad at him. The showrunners <laughs> only had so much work 
so much to work with. And I think besides the pacing issues, they did the best they could. In all my hours of speculating and nerding out and research, I was right about one thing and only, <laughs> and one thing only, that my friends is why this show is the best thing we've ever seen on TV. Thanks for the ride, GOT. It was worth every second of it. Agreed. What a great, oh, I what love a great that. post. I yeah, love that thank you, so Lori. much. Thanks for writing, Lady Lori. Oh, that made my day. <laughs> Lady Stancha C of House Hall. I guess I expected some overly dramatic ending since that's what the show delivered all of these seasons. I'm happy the Stark kids got what they needed because they are my endgame. They, or they all orchestrated their destiny. Bran said, why do you think I came all this way? That was powerful. When Sansa said, I'm Sansa Stark of Winterfell, this is my home and you can't frighten me. That, to me, was foreshadowing her as Queen of the North. Jon and Arya were destined to explore, and, they, and they're both doing what they desired. Game of Thrones definitely reached higher highs than most shows and has better characters overall by far. Of course, people have suggestions of how they would have ended it, but don't we always? I could think of several alternate endings for my favorite shows, Mad Men, Sopranos, Breaking Bad, and that would be a conversation to last for years. People are still talking about The Sopranos, and, and if you understand advertising, Mad Men has the perfect ending. Yep. <laughs> it's so cool. Totally. Yeah. That smile, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Coca-Cola. <laughs> Coca-Cola, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I heard it as soon as I said it. Damn it. <laughs> Game of Thrones did what it was supposed to do. Give us a king that's acceptable, but not the king or queen we wanted. Couldn't agree more, Lady Stancha. Yes. Love it. Totally. Sir Patrick of Hindsight, gazer of the Mirish Rearview. <laughs> Danny <laughs> trades her fur clothes for Fuhrer clothes. Ooh, damn, dude, that's <laughs> too soon, man, too soon. <laughs> that's really good, though. They're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad my allusions to the Targaryen totalitarian dictator were vindicated. Yeah, he's been saying this for a long time. Long time. I thought I was at least being a little hyperbolic. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> I wish I had referenced the Targ logo similarity to the swastika more often. <laughs> but I thought people would not take me seriously. <laughs> oh, man. In the live show, you're asking what steps she is standing on. Pretty sure that's Nuremberg. <laughs> Even if her new braids are swastika-esque. This was way over the top. It almost felt like I was watching soup Sucker Punch, but I loved it anyway. All those children just starting school named Daenerys. It's unreal. <laughs> the Great Liberator. <laughs> With a laughing emoji. There's been so many of those memes out, like all the parents like that name so their mad. kid. Uh, Khaleesi or Daenerys are like... Mm. Dude, you jumped the gun. You, told, you named your kids that before yes. the story was over, you know? Yep. <laughs> Dragons are smarter than humans. Tyrion referenced it in season six. Drogon proves it now. Turns to the throne. You did this! <laughs> Nature has reclaimed dominion. Bran is king of Westeros. Drogon is king of the world. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I like that. Oh, yeah. The stallion that would mount the world. Now that Mel has traveled to Volantis and informed Kinvara about human resurrection, they can go bring back Danny. <laughs> now she can be the day king. Damn. Oh, yeah, because where did Melisandre go? She may have, you know, brought John back and gone to tell the Red Priests in Volantis to spread the word about what had happened. 
Makes sense to me. So now they'll go track down Danny and bring her back. <laughs> Bran can puppeteer her and bring Essos into Harmony too. <laughs> Seriously, Bran has always loved climbing, and he knows that chaos is a ladder. <laughs> and now he climbed all the way to the top. Damn, that's great. Not only was Bran the Night King, he's also the Right King. <laughs> You can be a mass murderer and still be for the realm. Just ask Varys' ashes. <laughs> Danny finally did eat after Varys was dead. That basilisk venom did really did a number on her psyche. Oh, man, that would be so funny if Varys trying to poison her was what made her like really lose her shit and, <laughs> and like attack King's Landing. I love that they were covert about Arya stealing Yara's face. Oh... Interesting, because Yara is a sailor who's respected. Arya could cut her throat, steal her face, and take the Ironborn for her mission. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. It's, I, I want more elaboration on that, Sir Patrick. Reigns plays when Tyrion finds his siblings, suggesting that the Lannister family line has ended. Or maybe it's the Targs, since Jon may father no children. Either way, they weren't of the same father. When Bran was creepily staring at Tyrion in episode one, it was because he's making the mistakes that he will have to pay. Was it because he's making the mistakes he will have to pay for or because of the irony of him being referred to as, quote, the cleverest man in the world? (laughs) Either way, suggests he's a Lannister, a lifetime of repaying debts or being the most related to Lan the Clever. Damn. Great feedback, man. Tyrion tells... Tyrion tells John oblivion is the best he can hope for, and that's exactly what, Ar- what Archmaester Ebros gives him. No record of his sins, nor his accomplishments. Nothing for Tywin's precious legacy, either. The White Book fulfills Tyrion's wish by recording him as the one who killed Joffrey. The White Book does not I don't remember that. Huh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, winter came. That one unburnt blonde child amongst the ashen corpses is another secret targ. <laughs> In the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Grey Worm giving the Lord's kiss to Missandei exposed him to her microbiome, which spread to the other unsullied. They are thus immune to the poisonous butterflies that live in Noth. <laughs> the Dothraki are not dealt with because the show never brought up the part that makes sense as to their obviously ideal destination. Where would their obviously ideal destination be? I won't spoil it for non-book people, but when a dance, a dream of spring comes out, it will be like a new gift when we read about the destiny of the horse lords. Damn, now I'm curious. <laughs> Igrit tells John a man can own a wife or he can own a knife, but not both. John chooses the knife. Damn. Oh, man. Sir Patrick, Ouch. good call there, dude. That yeah. was a long time ago. Wow. Seriously, he's had that knife on his belt for how long? He ditches it before every battle, always replacing the knife. Never do we see him use it. I remember we talked about this for Beyond the Wall. Little finger, or little did we know, it was Lightbringer. Yeah, because we were like, oh, there's looks like there's a dagger on his his belt too, because he took off the belt to hand Longclaw to Jorah, and we noticed there was a dagger. Beyond the Wall. Yeah, exactly. It may be artistic license, but dragon skin is hot to the touch. Drogon must be laying under ashes, which would make thematic sense, even though snow would be cooler. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, I called that too. It's got to be ash. I didn't 
um, make the, the warm skin connection, the hot skin connection. That's a good one. Um, that's probably also why Danny could sit on Drogon's back so easily because <laughs> she's like, she could pick up the hot eggs and everything and never got burned. Grey Worm, John can't have a wife or kids. All he can do is guard the realms of men. This is punishment. It's the same as my retirement plan. (laughs) (laughs) Due to the protective butterflies, the Unsullied only have to keep watch during the night. They are basically a sword and a shield. Hmm. (laughs) Maybe they can work a metaphor for spear into their version of the oath. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Danny grabbing the pommel of that sword on the throne. Is it really all about cocks in the end? (laughs) It, it it really is all about cocks in the end. <laughs> yeah, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny to think that Germ's version of the throne is the storybook version. That was bold of D&D. Yeah, like mm. a, th- a sword made from a thousand uh, a throne made from a thousand swords of the enemies of Aegon. This that's that you had to climb up a mountain of swords that is the throne in the books, you know, as um depicted by yes. Mark Simonetti, the official Game of Thrones throne according to George R. Martin. R. R. Martin. So it's funny that they were like, yeah, casting it in a storybook light. By the way, John could never ride Drogon. It is canon that they can never take another dragon's sloppy seconds. <laughs> How to make Tyrion seem as smart as he did in season one. Have him debating logic with John. <laughs> That's hilarious. How to make Sansa seem the smartest person in Westopo- in Westeros. Juxtapose her against Edmure. <laughs> yes, sir. Man, Sir Patrick, on point with the feedback this finale. Thanks so yeah, much for writing, brother. <laughs> yeah, That's lots, pretty good. <laughs> lots of good stuff. Love his wit. Yes, always good to hear always from you, Sir Patrick. Talk. Definitely. Lord Ty of House Gorman. I'm surprised there was no Helen Reed appearance, but John's heritage ended up not mattering much. So maybe that's why. I think it mattered more than people may think. Getting past Drogon, he had to be a Targaryen. That was the key to to Danny's downfall. Tyrion, as he's always been, is absolutely the most relatable character throughout the episode. You can tell how extremely upset he is, and it's because things unfolded in exactly the way he was trying to prevent, and he lost all that he had in the world as a result. Is Tyrion the true main character of the show? Regardless, hell of an acting job by Peter Dinklage. Drogon nudging Danny's nudging dead Danny may have been the single saddest moment in GOT. I, I lost it. I lost it. <laughs> that yeah. moment. Holy shit. He, I felt so bad for him, but was very impressed by his intelligence and in realizing that it was the damn throne that killed Jan- Danny, not John. Mm-hmm. I'm still confused on Bran's abilities. I don't think he can visit the future as he goes in the past, but I think he receives glimpses. I think he can see glimpses at the absolute minimum because the Three-Eyed Raven knew he had to wait for a thousand years for Bran, so he was able to see the future and see Bran in the future. So that indicates that they're, you know, they can see into the future, at least to some extent. He'll make a great king because he lacks human desires. He'll always do what's best for the realm and his abilities will let him know what that is. He's like Varys with superpowers. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Overall, I enjoyed the episode. Everything was wrapped up 
in a way that made sense. My only problem is that in typical GOT <laughs> fashion, I want more. Yes. Yeah. Show me how they rebuild King's Landing or what Arya discovers or how the next King election goes. Oh. Something. This story could continue forever and I'd follow it forever. Yeah. Same here. Can I at least get a 30 minute epilogue? <laughs> Something. <laughs> Something? <laughs> I was pleased with the season as well. It followed a very natural progression, and outside of wanting more episodes, I don't have many complaints. GOT is a show that you immerse yourself in, so when something goes away I don't like, I view it as legit disappointment in the character as opposed to bad writing or poor plot. You gotta watch how the events unfold instead of trying to write them yourself. Exactly. Many fans don't enjoy this season because they just think about the show as a whole how much time you spend with it, how excited you were every time you found out someone else watched and you had someone new to talk Thrones with. <laughs> and how when you found out someone didn't watch, you wanted to be the one to convince them to do so because you knew it had changed their life. I, I don't think that. there'll ever be another Game of Thrones. I know. It gets better every rewatch. Re and this last rewatch slash season with Game of Microphones has been even more enhanced. So thank you, Game of Microphones. I'll be around as long as you are. R.I.P. Game of Thrones. Gonna need those spinoffs ASAP. Lord Ty out. Lord Ty oh, out. Oh, seven blessings, yes. Lord Ty. Thank you so much. Seven blessings, my friend. Thank that you. That was so well put. Oh my yes. goodness. Yeah. Love it. Excellent feedback. Um, I'm thinking we may need to cover the books next. Because uh, people are going to so. start rewatching or going to start reading now that they're they don't have any more Game of Thrones. I think there's yeah. going to be a big surge of book reading, so we should probably jump on that, huh? Yeah, yes. I think you should get on a kind of a schedule for the books, get something together. Yeah, I think so. We'll we'll work it out in the next couple weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I just wonder what everyone would want to do as listeners. Yeah, let's. We'll have to like put up some posts getting people's opinions and see what people are into i guess sir mihai of math and science guardian of the tensors and friend of the lambdas seven blessings again sir and lady of the microphones <laughs> it's me again overall awed by this episode we hear the saddest ever reigns of castamere which plays while Tyrion uncovers the remains of his siblings we then see him finally decide to go against Danny, throwing down his hand insignia, same as Ned threw it to Robert when he tried to save Danny in season one, and then get imprisoned to pay his debts. More on that later. Danny is introduced with the dragon behind her in a posture which reminisces of Lucifer. Ooh, we just mm -hmm. talked about that. There you go. Yeah, I said angel of death, but yeah, the fallen angel Lucifer fits perfectly with that as well. Danny is perfectly framed by the dragon's wings, and if you can, and you can spot a little bit of dragon horns on top of her head. <laughs> Damn, that's Dude, crazy! I missed that. Ooh. That's great. If that's not a sign that she turns to evil, we have her next few words: "You have freed the people of the King's Landing from the grip of a tyrant." First, she wants to become a tyrant ruling over the entire known world. And second, how did she liberate these people? By killing them? If she intends to do the same for everyone else, then she'd truly be a queen of the ashes. 
Fortunately, John visits visits Tyrion and, quote, love is the death of duty and the reverse are being said. That totally blew my mind. It was so good, especially since we've focused on that theme so much. It's been so central to uh, the story as a whole. I think that it I'm really glad they brought it back and solidified it as the most important theme of the show, basically. Yeah. And from two perspectives, they they looked at it from yeah ends of it yeah exactly it was like both like the second half was unveiled and it became like the overall encompassing (laughs) yeah thing a theme of the show is is great um it was because of love that jamie left brienne for cersei and died because of love Tyrion betrayed Varys and pays now with being imprisoned and looking to a future where he gets killed for it it is for love that John still supports Danny until Tyrion brings up Arya and Sansa, just like Ned decided to give up his honor and, quote, confess in the first season when Varys mentioned the girls. So does John now. Whatever happens next, he has to get Danny dead. <laughs> Fine, Brienne finally gets to write the story of Jamie. Two pages of acts of valor, some of which we might have forgotten about. A very tear-jerking moment. Finally, we have a complete new world. We might say the wheel got broken in a way. Maybe. Bran the Broken, first of his name, King of the Six Kingdoms and other titles with a council where Tyrion is again a hand of the king (laughs) to do his duty and pay all his mistakes for the past, all his debts. Also in the council, we have Archmaester Sam, Grandmaester, with his A Song of Ice and Fire draft, probably there with more rewrites behind the scenes until we get GRRM's book. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if he went through it further with Ebros and helped even, you know, like write further drafts of it since he, totally. with, with Bran, I imagine, since they have such access to the, the history network. Kingsguard, Brienne and Pod, a very talkative master of coin and holder of many lands, Bronn, and Sir Davos, master of ships and grammar. So many years with Stannis left their mark. Then in the north, we have Sansa, the queen in the north. Further north, John, the new king beyond the wall, and a very heartwarming reconnection with Ghost. Glad yes. to have my old theory be broken. Not, I can't remember what your theory was, but if you're glad it's broken, I am too. And somewhere in the west, a ship with stark banners carrying Arya on her new missions. But is the wheel broken? The series started at the wall and ends at the wall. It starts with the Starks and ends with them. It started with a throne made of, made of dragonfire and ends with one destroyed by dragonfire. It started with an absent king who was whoring and drinking and ends with an absent king who wargs. <laughs> at least he won't whore or drink. He'll be a better ruler. (laughs) Some small details at the end of the episode. Sansa's coat has weirwood leaves on it, beautifully sewn in and reminding us all of the weirwood trees in the past episodes. Oh my God. I saw that in the sleeves. I I guess. Yeah, you guys noticed that that too. That was amazing. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) And when the wildlings go north of the wall, we see a snowdrop getting out of the snow, a sign of upcoming spring. Ooh, a dream of spring, as the last book is supposed to be titled. Finally, before I sign off, I have one metaphor that I want to bring up and one lingering question. First, the metaphor. Even from the end of the first seasons, there were people comparing the dragons with nuclear weapons. Last episode and the scenes at the start of this one showing a completely devastated King's Landing are further empowering this metaphor. I think this reflects Grimm's anti-war ideals, his pacifist thoughts. 
In a world where there are a lot are a lot of powerful agents sowing seeds of discord, it is fitting that the end of one of the most watched TV series ends on a note of peace, even trying to get everyone to accept a democracy. Uh, Sam tries to get everyone on board to a direct democracy, but every other lord keeps laughing at him as that's too much of a change. Though in the end, they decide that from now on, all lords will elect every new king, a.k.a. president. That's a representative democracy if you squint a little and assume that tyrannical lords will get overthrown by their small folk. <laughs> or maybe I'm reading too much into it here. I don't think so. Going on, the lingering question, what if Bran planned it all? We know he has the power to warg into people, and we haven't really seen him do much warging this season. What if all these unexplained actions in the past episodes, actions which raised a lot of criticisms from the viewers, what if they are just Bran moving things around so that, so, just so that in the end he will become ruler of the kingdoms and the other Starks will have their own little worlds to rule over too? <laughs> oh, it's so bugged out. Thank you for all the podcast episodes you provided. I still have to listen to the rewatch of season six and seven. Ooh, those are good ones. Nice. Those oh, are pretty good. Yeah. yeah, they start getting real good around then. Hopefully, there will be more episodes after this one, either with book-related content or with details slash commentaries that span across episodes. Looking forward to all of them. P.S. I can now say that my watch has ended, but there might be a rewatch. <laughs> but first, now my reread begins. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, we'll definitely be covering books and all kinds of good stuff. And I, we, we should, I think we should have some round tables with listeners um, to just talk about like the series as a whole and stuff like that, too. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll do something more stuff with the series first before we dive into the, mm -hmm. the deep ocean that is George R. R. Martin's mind. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think it would be awesome if you guys got, as a listener, if you got everyone involved. It feels really special when you when everyone knows what uh, is going on. I like it. Yeah, should we? I, do I, li I love having guests. Should we guests do the rewatch? Should we do? I don't know. I think we do a poll. I think we do a poll. I love that. Sure, sounds good to me. Lord Paul of House Walmsley, fucking beautiful. That's all I've got to say. After the vision in the House of the Undying, where she is in the destroyed throne room, she is with Drogo and her unborn child. I'd like to think that's where she is now for her vision. Edmure from House Derp. Boop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lord Brad of House Galloway. I'm okay with where the Game of Thrones ended. At least where it all ended up. No, it's not the way I'd do it, but that doesn't matter. Danny going mad, Cersei and Jaime dying in each other's arms, even Arya killing the Night King and Bran becoming king. I'm okay with all of those things. It was bittersweet, like Martin said it would be. The real problem with seasons 7 and 8, as it has been pointed out before, is that they were rushed with only 13 episodes between them, and the dialogue wasn't up to par with the earlier seasons. The rushed writing made it so these end ending points didn't make sense, however foreshadowed they were. Still, I read that a lot of fans feel like they wasted almost a decade watching the show because the ending was bad. That is an unfair critique, I feel. As we were as we were provided with years of entertainment, not to mention a fandom community that has brought people together with memes, podcasts, forums, and discussion. As much as any entertainment is time well spent, I feel that Game of Thrones, despite what you may feel about the ending, was time well spent if it brought you happiness. Asgurm, Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> so good. As Gurm once said, art is not a democracy. 
Thank you to Martin, D&D, and the wonderful cast and crew of Game of Thrones for a wonderful show. Best of luck in your future endeavors. Brad Galloway. Thank you, Brad. That was very well put. Yes, very eloquently I written, really good sir. That. I love that George R. R. Martin quote, art is not a democracy. Mm-hmm. Mars Lovejoy, thank you for not being one of those podcasts that spent the bulk of time just bitching about the show. Do people not understand that this show itself is an artistic interpretation by Dan and Dave? A breathtakingly beautiful one at that. They don't owe the audience anything but to be entertaining. That's it. The same way I listen to podcasts to be entertained by perspectives on the show, but if I didn't like the pod, I just wouldn't listen. It's just weird to me how so many Game of Thrones podcasts have turned into such negative places to discuss one of the greatest shows of all time. Meanwhile, I loved it, and I think there are so many interesting angles to explore. Was Sansa the ultimate mastermind of the whole show? Was Bran? Was Jon killing Danny because she was wrong about wanting to recreate the world in her own image? Or did he just kill her because he knew it was the only way to protect his sisters? I mean, there's just so much meat on the bone, and at least you guys are peeping that. <laughs> Seriously, listen to any Game of Thrones podcast. There are only, there are only one Joker push from <laughs> straight crying like bitches. <laughs> Over an amazing show, not being as amazing as their imagined mazes. Get the fuck out of here, New York City. Sir Thomas of House Arnold. Hi, all. Just found you guys after a disappointing survey through the Fairweather fandom. Ooh. Thanks for being so sane and appreciative about the finale and the show as a whole. And congratulations on gaining a new fan. Thanks for listening, brother. One thing I appreciate is the show's use of classical tragedy, when every event happens in just the wrong way to lock in a painfully inevitable outcome. I like how Tyrion had the highest tally of tragic choices, and how the terrible insight that he gains lets him see Bran as the choice for ruler. He thinks his public life is over, but Bran forces him into the role that Tyrion now knows he's not worthy of. But that transformative discovery has made him worthy, which the Solomon-like Bran sees. The Game of Thrones world is so sprawling that it can contain the tragic insight and the new life for the transformed protagonist. The small council scene brilliantly shows the second part. There are so many fully formed protagonists that every kind of arc is covered in the same story. It's so Game of Thrones that the mystic cripple, whose story we assumed would climax with the defeat of the Night King, was preparing for the political world as well. Bran's importance seems seemed a little underwhelming after he didn't do anything dramatic to defeat the Night King. But now the sacrifices of the Reeds and Hodor are so significant. Plus, we had Lewin training Bran to be a little lord when he was younger, right? So it kind of fits. A throwaway moment between Tyrion and Bran in Winterfell was where Tyrion learned Bran's story. No one else was curious enough to ask and really listen. Bran's line to Jon about almost being a man was referencing possible kingship. Bran was socially odd after the Three-Eyed Raven downloaded, after the Three-Eyed Raven download, but became more integrated every time we saw him, yet so gradually that we wouldn't consider him for king. That's a great point. He does seem to be like that initial download sort of fried him into Robo-Bran mode, but he's normalizing slowly episode by episode as we see him smiling and being kind of normal this episode. So it does seem like he's sort of acclimating to the download at this point and becoming more human in uh you know, like the Three-Eyed Raven was. He was pretty normal, you know, relatively speaking. 
Bran sits in the symbolic center of the selection council, but it didn't even occur to me until Tyrion's speech when it all fell into place. And he's basically sitting there on a throne already, too, which is so funny. Cheers, Thomas. P.S. I just heard your in-depth on the bells and love the explanation of Danny as unsatisfied with her win and needing more. Really makes sense. The tragedy there is she would have been satisfied if she had just attacked right after arriving in Westeros. I guess the lesson is always trust Diana Rigg. <laughs> P.P.S. Do we know if Mira is still alive? I think she is. And thank you, Sir Thomas, for the excellent feedback. Great to hear from you, brother, and thanks for finding the show. Glad to have you on board. Thank you so much to everybody who's been participating and listening and sending in your feedback throughout the rewatch and throughout this final season of Game of Thrones. We really appreciate all you guys and thank you so much for being part of the show. We love giving you guys a platform to get your thoughts out as well. We are so appreciative of you guys. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Our community is amazing. 100%. Oh, I'm the community. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) All right. That's our show. Episode 120. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. Thank you guys so much. We're sad that it's over, but Game of Microphones is not over. We will be continuing our ramblings for years to come. Definitely. And another mega thank you to Princess Sarah of House Von Daltron for joining yes. us for this amazing oh. finale episode. Great to have you here, Princess Sarah. I'm so glad thank you were you here, so too. Much. I'm so excited. <laughs> this was a great, I mean, it was so much on this episode. It took like two days. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. It took, like pretty much two full days of recording. Yeah. I love it. And a huge thank you to John Bailey, the epic voice guy from the Emmy-nominated Honest Trailers for announcing our show. If you'd like to donate or subscribe to support us, now's the perfect time as we have a backer who's willing to match donations three times as incentive for you to support Game of Microphones. If you appreciate the show and would like to donate, you can go to paypal.me slash gompodcast or patreon.com slash gompodcast to donate an amount of your choosing. There are links to both at gameofmicrophones.com. Doing some online shopping? Go to gameofmicrophones.com and click on our link to Amazon. As an Amazon associate, we earn from qualifying purchases. Any contribution you make helps, and you can help secure the continued existence of Game of Microphones, which yes, will you exist can. continually. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited about what's going to happen with you guys. Yeah, we're looking forward to some nice in-depth book coverage, which will be a lot of fun. Oh, I'm so a excited. A lot of fun. We'd also like to thank our patrons, Sir Matthew of House Rep, Lady Candace of House Twos, Lady Terry of House Theodore, Luke the Low Duke, Lady Lucy of House Roberts, Lord Zach of House Bruce, Lord Jeff of House Allen, Lord John of House Grills, Sirenicide, yeah. Lord Jeremiah of House Carpenter, Lord Robert of House Missyavege, Lady Jen from Tarot Spirit, Lord Corey Eugene of House Coon, Lord Calvin of House Cook, and Lord George of House Howard. We love you guys and appreciate your patronage. Make sure to check out Sirenicide, the serialized horror drama podcast featuring me and Archmaster Stitches. Go to Sirenicide.com and download it wherever you get your podcasts. And Rachel, why don't you talk a little bit about your Arbon situation? Yes, I'm not sure many of you know that I own a network marketing business with a health and wellness company called Arbon International. We should have and been talking I, about it the whole time, honestly, so I apologize. I didn't think to have you mention it. 
beforehand. No, it's totally fine. Um, it's a phenomenal company, and actually, that's why I was in Las Vegas. I went from Thursday to Sunday to our annual global training conference, and I just got so inspired and excited to share uh, what this company is kind of doing. Uh, the company's been around for about 40 years now, and we are really kind of the innovator and the originators of clean and healthy living. So we've always been gluten-free and vegan and certified humane, and we're kosher, we're GMO-free. And Arbonne abides by the EU standards, not FBA standards. So we actually go above and beyond both and ban over 2,400 harmful chemicals and ingredients in all of our products. Nice. And um, I just can't thank this company enough for the financial stability that it's given me, the extra income, the amazing community of women and men, of entrepreneurs, just, you know, whether they want to do it to make it as a career or just do it as a side business like I do um, personally right now. I just love this company so much. So if you are interested in knowing more about this company, we are just completely on fire. And <laughs> I love to share my testimony about our 30 Days to Healthy Living program, which actually we just discovered will be clinically tested this year for results. Um, I did the 30 Days to Healthy Living program three months in a row and lost over 35 pounds. And that was after I had my son. And I never felt hungry. I never felt like I was going without. And we have health and wellness products that stem from vegan protein powder to pre and post workout to men and women's skincare and cosmetics to baby care products. So please nice. feel free to reach out to me directly. Um, via Facebook or Instagram if you are curious to learn more about our products and also about the amazing business opportunity and community that this company offers. Awesome. Thanks for letting me share, Duncan. Of and I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Next oh. episode, we'll be covering the season eight documentary, which airs next Sunday at the same time. We also might be popping up for, for some live shows and maybe another interview with John Fay, who we believe was also in the last scene this week. Whoa! So look forward to that. We're, we're, we're yes, going to have to reach out to him and see what's going on. I saw him. He's right behind Jon Snow. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Nice. When they're walking beyond the wall, John starts to look back oh. towards the gate and he's right behind him. Awesome. I was looking for him. I must have just missed him. If you'd like to call, you can call us at 813-JOFFREY. That's 813-563-3739. And you need more calls. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if we got any voicemails during season eight. That's pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, send us your voicemails. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Especially when we start covering the books and stuff, we want want your your, your messages. <laughs> no pressure, and we'll make you sound cool. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. No promises. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're all cool. If you'd like to write in, you can always email us at ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast. <laughs> you can also listen to Game of Microphones on YouTube, BitChute, and Steam It. Just search for Game of Microphones to find our channel. Likes, comments, and shares are so appreciated. <laughs> We're also on Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Minds at GOM Podcast. 
And we're on Tumblr, too, at Game of Microphones. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me. Oh, we love you. We love <laughs> you yeah, so thanks much. Thanks for coming. Steven. Bran the Broken, first of his name, King of the Andals and the First Men, Lord of the Six Kingdoms, and Protector of the Realm. All hail, Bran the Broken. Oh God! (laughs) Bailey did that one time. She was in her cage overnight and ended up with like diarrhea and must have like spun around in a circle and just like <laughs> launched turds everywhere <laughs> the turd launcher it's not fun not fun you can't get that smell out sie lieben Aachen, schlechten tagen what the fuck? nine oh nine <laughs> you don't recognize that song no do do host do host <laughs> Mitch all you had to say is the do oh shit I almost just pulled my computer off whoopsies du bist der Todescheide trauer sein für alle Tage nine nine I'm totally having deja vu, you guys. It's really weird. That is really weird. <laughs> the cat is like glitching in the corner in the Matrix. <laughs> Glitch it's in the Matrix. so weird. Like, I mean, Sarah, I had no idea that you were coming on today until like this afternoon. And I feel like this whole like past like five minutes has been like deja vu. Like it's already happened. You've <laughs> never so spoken weird. to Sarah before, but it feels um, like you have. You know, you're- <laughs> it's so weird. I'm in the Matrix. Help. <laughs> it's because we talk on Facebook all the time. I think so. It's I think just crazy. Like, Do you choose the red <laughs> pill or connection. the blue pill, Rachel? They went in so many directions with the music just in that one little scene. I know. It was insane. Like, it was sad to happy to uh, to what? Yeah. And it ends on a happy note. It ended on a happy note. I think that's worth noting. Ah, farts. <laughs> I can't believe they left her alone. Like she has no guards around her at all. Yeah, I'm, well, the thing is, like they're in the red keep at this moment. So obviously, the the unsullied have been through it here and secured it entirely. That's true. So this That's area, to be the safest place. Yeah, this for her. this area is secure, and she's got Drogon outside the entrance. Anybody other than John would never have been able to get to her, which is why That's it's true, so exactly. important that he's a Targaryen. The fact that Ned saved him is the only thing that enabled Danny to be stopped here. 
The fact that he's a Targaryen. Yeah, his blood is what enabled him to prevent his blood from (laughs) continuing its reign of fire and blood, basically. There's this crazy, crazy moment where, like, she reacts and she, they, like, their kiss breaks and she looks down. And it's at the moment where she looks down where you realize that she's the one who's been stabbed. Yeah. And then she looks back up at him and he kind of winces, like, like you, you made me do this. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. and, and her eyebrows raise in response, like, oh my God, like you actually did that. And, and just like the, the nuances of this, uh, of this tandem performance. I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. Like, I know. oh my God. Did, I think I just did like everything that you just said with my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so intense. Like the, this. There you go for the video podcast. Yeah. This, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we, um, we, uh, sorry, I lost my spot there. <laughs> Hit a button and the page okay. jumped. Any contribution you make helps. And, oh my God, sorry. I just, okay, <laughs> That's that going over. in the outtakes too. I was, I was totally making fun of you guys. And then. <laughs> what happened there? As an, as an Amazon associate. <laughs> as an, keep that one. Keep that the one you keep. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to the outtakes for sure. Sounds right to me. I think he's I from think- Scotland as well. Lord Paul of House Wamsley? No, that was so wrong. <laughs> All right. Steve Urkel over there. <laughs> I know, I do snort. 